Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Today is September 11th, 2020. And here is somebody who hopefully isn't doing anything stupid by appearing on this show. Brandon Drexel Gerson, hello. Is this a fraud show? Oh my gosh, you're so loud. You sound really, really, really muffled. You don't sound too hot yourself. All right. Um, <laughs> well, now, now you're making me nervous it's on my end, but I, I think it's on your end. Now. Do I, do, you know what? I'm going to tell you what happened. Do I sound better now? No. Okay, I'm going to tell you what happened. The, the, the computer, it says to me you have to install these updates, reset, whatever, the whole computer, not like anything specific, so I do it. And then I come back. What do you think it just changed? Uh, your sound settings? Skype. I have some weird thing of Skype I've never seen before. Oh, yeah. Life. That's what fucked it all up. Yeah, I, I resist that. I, I actually put a lot of effort into preventing Skype from oh. updating every week. Listen, I ain't no computer. I'm a lot of things, but I ain't no computer scientist. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, like, so what am I supposed to do here, buddy? Well, it, it kind of seems like you're on a, a speaker in some way that's just not coming in very well. Uh, hold on. I'm not, I, but, you know, I just did a, a, a Zoom call with that trader Ruski, and he said I sounded great, and everything was the same. Well, you don't sound great here. So, uh, it, you do the show on Zoom? Is that a possibility? That is not possible, but th- this is not uh, LOL's documents. But I, I can try to call you back. That might improve something. And if it doesn't, then you'll have to maybe reboot right. or something like that. Tell me something. Is well, that? Oh, well, that's a huge difference. That's a huge difference. Okay, I put on a headset. Okay, so that's what I thought. It sounded kind of like a, a bad speakerphone from the 80s. Yeah, but I've done it before on the show, and you've never noticed, so it's definitely something. Well, it's all right. I'll keep No, going. I've, I've noticed before the, that the quality isn't great, but I didn't oh, say anything because it was good enough. But th- this time it was it was distractingly bad. Okay, well, thank you for coming on. I'm glad you're here. Especially, be- I'm good now? Yeah, especially at the beginning of the show. So uh, anyway, we have a free roll, which uh, I did something that you guys are – well, probably didn't like if you were part of it. The free roll started at 9.25. Right now the time is 10.06 p.m. Pacific time. And uh, it started at 9.25, and then at 9.28, I turned off the free roll. <laughs> and I, I've done that before, and the reason is because I, I knew I wasn't going to start before the free roll entry period was over, and I don't like that. So I turned it off after three minutes. I apologize if you were a chip leader in those three minutes, but someone benefited because someone was out already in those three minutes, and now they get to come back to life. They get two bullets. They're the only person with two bullets today, whoever that was. So anyway, you can still get in. It started at 9.55. You have until 10.20 Pacific time to get in. We have $71 we are giving away this week, and $50 of that 71 came from online veteran who's been uh, donating recently. I appreciate that very much. He doesn't like when I put an underscore in his name, so I won't make that mistake again. But online space veteran, not just online underscore veteran, but online space veteran, as I learned. When does this thing start, the shindig? It started at 9 – well, the, the free roll started at 9.55, and it, you can register up to 10.20. The, the first version started a half an hour before that, and I aborted it. But uh, – the current version, and the one we'll run all the way through, is the one that began 9.55, will run through 10.20, uh, or you can register through 10.20. And $35 for first, 22 for second, 14 for third. The other $21 came from Seabach Cockshot. Now, you may say, you are reading from last week, because last week we had the identical prize pool. We had the identical donors for the identical amount of money, 50 and 21 by online veteran and Seabach Cockshot. Like, everything was the same. So is this a mistake? The answer is no. We actually had the identical free roll two weeks in a row. 
Next week, we will not have the same free roll. But this is exactly the same as last week, except uh, – in fact, it even started at 9.55 like last week. We're really Wait, did the tournament start yet? Yes, or didn't start? yes, but you can still get in. It's kind of like uh, kind of like Phil Helmuth showing up late. I don't late. see no tournament. That's uh, that's bad news if that's the case. But uh, I'm looking under tournaments. I see Corona Virus Home Game. That's the only <laughs> one you got running. Um, you're doing something wrong, kiddo. I'm going to take a look. I, I, I unless I'm doing something wrong, I ain't doing nothing wrong. I, think I stand by my statement. There is no tournament. I see coronavirus home game. Five people are registered. Well, you're, you're incorrect. Because, oh, wait, hold on. Don't tell me I'm incorrect. No, no, no. You, you, like, you are incorrect. No, it says playing 27 out of 30 left. Yeah. Well, then where is it that it even doesn't allow me to register? I, I don't I, know. I don't know what's going on because it's. Well, you uh, told me I had until whatever time. I can't register. I just. Oh, look, radio document. It's already. It's closed. So again, another. I, I, I don't. See, I, I don't see how this could be because it says it says it started at 9:55. It's not showing on my end. Let okay. me close the software and re-log be. in. It says huh. it started at right. 9.55, and it's not 10.20 yet. There's 25 minutes. Let me so. go. I'm going to close it all up. I think this is like your speakerphone. I think Jesus. I think I'm right again. All right. So uh, if you want to call the show, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355 is the number. The Mount Charleston line. Mount Charleston, which is not on fire, right, Brandon? No, it's not on fire. No, but California's I got a good on Mount fire. Charleston trivia question for you. Okay, what is it? So it was a very strange day here in Vegas this past week. On Sunday, uh, so I guess five days ago, we had in Las Vegas, in Clark County, the highest ever recorded temperature in September. Uh, do you know what that was? Uh, was it 116? It was 116. Yes. The next day, we had a cold spell, like literally – Within like 24 hours, and the high for the next day was 81 degrees. So during the day that we had the record temperature, Mount Charleston, the high was 91 degrees on that Sunday. The next day, what do you think the high was? I think Less than the, 24 hours later. I think the next guess. day the high was. Uh, I'm just guessing. I didn't see this, but yeah, I know uh, you I, but I'm guessing the high was 63. 61. Oh, I was so close. I was going to say 61, 30, too. 30 degrees in one day in the same city. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. In fact, a good rule of thumb is that if you subtract 30 degrees from whatever it is in downtown Las Vegas, that's around what it is at Mount Charleston. And it was in the 30s at night. <laughs> yeah, that happens, too. Uh, but I, I see an unknown callers coming. You, you, if you want to call the I'm not, not going to answer this call. If you want to call the show, the phone number is... 702-430-1808, that's the Mount Charleston line, and you can call 775-372-8355. That's yep. it. But you have, to show, you have to show your caller ID. Why aren't, we answering, why aren't we answering the call? Well, I tell people they have to show their caller ID if I answer one oh, of them. Oh, okay. I guess. Yeah, they're not showing their caller ID. So it's uh, star 82 before you call, and it'll show I your caller ID. it might ID. have been one of my nemesis trying to well, get it, on here. It, it and... could have been. I don't know. That's why. Yeah. So I, I don't answer unknown calls. Anyway, uh, but I will answer. If you show a phone number, I'll answer. Anyway, uh, in 2019, on January 1st, I was going to go. We, we were going to Mount Charleston a lot on New Year's, and it just kind of we were doing that like every year. I was going to go on January 1st, 2019, and you know what the temperature was when I looked up uh, what it was on, on the Weather Channel app? I'm sorry. One more time. What was the date? 
This was January first, two thousand nineteen, and I was January first. Yeah, I was. Gonna so I was okay. I know. Hold on, January first. So I was actually on the strip myself. It was cold, right? So guess I what, remember that. Guess, I was guess on the what strip it was? Myself. It was in the. It was in like the high thirties at night, if I remember right. No, it was colder than that. So, so okay, mid thirties. So, so guess, was, guess, guess what? Uh, we were going to go during the day to Mount Charleston, and when I looked this up of what the temperature was during oh, the day. Oh, not Vegas. No, Mount Charleston. Mount okay. Charleston. Guess guess what the temperature was. Oh, it had it, to be like it had to be like uh single digits. It was 0. Yeah. 0.0. It was actually 0. That we, we I didn't remember go. that that year I was uh with actually funny enough another user that was on radio a few weeks ago with her older boyfriend. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yes, there? I do. And we were all outside and it was so cold, like it was the first New Year's Eve I remember that people were like, "Like, let's get on with it." Like, you know, the whole Faversham thing. It was, it was uncomfortably cold. I yeah. mean, it was that cold yeah, out I there was, with the wind blowing. It was, it was too much. Yeah, it I really was, was. I was out there too, and yeah, it was very cold. And th- then that that set the tone for the whole year, where California and Nevada were unusually cold for about four months in two thousand. Wait, I saw you that day. You don't remember? We actually saw each other in the Venetian later that day. You remember that we talked? Uh, you were with uh, your baby's mama and your son. And yeah, I was with a friend of mine. That's right. We were in the, that's right. The mall. Yeah, Do you that's remember right. that? Yeah. Okay. Funny. Okay. Well, anyway, that's uh, going on here. So seven zero two four three zero eighteen zero eight is the Mount Charleston line. If you yep. want to call the call to listen line, that is a number you can call to listen to the show anytime, anywhere, and it just needs a phone. It does not need a computer. It does not need a smartphone. It does not need the internet. It will not use any of your data. It doesn't even need a strong signal. You can call with zero bars. Okay, but listen, i got to tell you, I've read your uh, outline, and you're going to do it right now, right? This is a time when you do a little summary of what, what's going to be talked about? Yes. I think there should be an addendum to okay, well, everything. that You're missing something very important. Okay, we'll, 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 talk, we'll, we'll add that in a second. Well, so I should the, just tell you what it is. Well, no, i, I got to give the, the call to listen line number. Uh, oh, says, I forget. You have to, I'm so sorry. 605 Zero seven three six six zero five three one three zero seven three six and the alternate number six four one seven four one one zero nine five. Over a million minutes have been listened to on the call to listen line, and uh, okay, so there's a chat room. A, a, a quick thing about the chat room: it can be tough to get into if you have a device which is an iPhone or an iPad. You cannot get in. That's always been the case, but it's also got some problems, and Chrome has changed some things. So. If you try to go into the chat room and it says invalid user, then log out of Poker Fraud Alert and log back in, and it'll work. Then if you try to open it up and it's just like a blank page, then what you need to do is go to the Flying Stupidity Forum, and on the top there's a thread called Instructions for Getting Into Chat Room. Follow exactly what it says to do, and you will get in. So those are my instructions. You ever ever think about if you did this whole spiel – but not the you know intro obviously, but the the free roll, the number, the this, the that, and you did it pre-recorded. You probably could watch at least half an episode of the old Hawaii Five O while this was going on, and then jump in. I, right I probably the could. Thirty-five but, but minute mark. Look, look at all the banter we've had already here. We we wouldn't have that's that true. if this is pre-recorded. So yeah, okay, so I'm going to do the uh, agenda here, and then uh, at the end of the agenda, uh, Brandon can uh, tell me what I'm missing, and then we'll add very that as big. Well. I'm very. You know, you're normally very good. Well, okay, I'll tell you this. You're normally very good about getting everything. Like, I very rarely will ever look and I'm like, oh, wow, you missed something. I'm going to give you a, a hint of what it is. Then you do your little agenda. 
Okay. And okay. then when you're done, I'm going to give you the hint and see if you, maybe it sparks in you what it is you forgot to mention. Cause it is something that's all over the news and it pertains to something that, you know, you follow. So it is one of, and all I'll say is this, so I don't easily give it away. It's one of the lost, it would be one of the Las Vegas subjects in general. Okay. It has to do with Las Vegas. So maybe you'll okay, think I, what I, it I, is. I will kind of think about it as I'm running okay. through the agenda. Okay. So I'm, right. I'm going to make an announcement. About some things that uh, have changed about Poker Fraud Alert. That I've done some technical work this week. The chat room, I, I even worked on that, and just well, I'll talk about it then. Why that hasn't changed much, but other things have changed, and I'll explain to the what they what was changed this week on Poker Fraud Alert, which may not be immediately apparent if you go take a look at the site. Mike Sexton, we mentioned last week that uh, he was on death's door. Well, he went through that door. Unfortunately, Mike Sexton has passed away, which, of course, is not a surprise since he was in hospice care. But it uh, it happened pretty quickly, and he is now gone. I'll talk a bit about that. Uh, Jonathan Little and Phil Nagy of the, the ACR CEO, they are in a battle, a social media battle. Jonathan Little has been banned from ACR for criticizing them, and there's – some debate as to who's in the right in that situation. Mac Verstandig, who we talk about a lot on this show, he's an attorney who takes mainly poker cases. Uh, Mac Verstandig is the attorney filing suit against the 21 Blitz app, which I know Brandon has played before. He's one of the few people in poker besides me who has played it. But uh, the 21 Blitz app. I have a bank. I have a bankroll on there now. Well, that that'll be interesting to talk about with you. There's a there's a big lawsuit. That uh, has been filed against Skills, which makes 21 Blitz, and I actually uh, have communicated with the with one of the two plaintiffs in it, and in the past, not since the lawsuit was filed, but in the past. The and, girl, yes, the girl that lives yes, in Vegas, yes, uh, I, which Angel Angela uh, Alyssa Ball, uh, AKA, Alyssa Ball, a, AKA nineteen year old Nico. girl from Vegas, yes, six hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it's a, got- a very weird story, and. Uh, the, the one of the two plaintiffs is a very pretty 19-year-old girl who claims she was cheated out of uh, over $600,000 on that app that she otherwise won. Uh, very weird story, and I know a lot about this app, as does Brandon. We've both played on that app. Very few people in poker have. So we're, I'm going to talk all about what's going on with 21 Blitz and why this is something to uh, take note of and to be concerned about, in fact. A Poker Fraud Alert exclusive comes after that. Sorrel Mizzy has been complaining that Cord Garcia, another poker pro, who's uh, less old school than uh, Sorrel Mizzy, but Cord Garcia, a young poker pro, he uh, that uh, Sorrel is claiming that Cord Garcia cheated him, that Cord was an agent, and that Sorrel was a club owner on Poker Bros., now, is Druff going to talk about the old pat, pot calling the kettle black in that one? Yeah, of course I will, yes. So, okay, so, I figured that's coming. When I heard it was Sorrel Mizzy and Court Garcia in this whole thing, I, I thought, okay, Sorrel cheated someone, and no, it looks like the other way around. But uh, we're going to talk about what's going on with that, and I'll tell you why you can't find it anywhere except for a Poker Fraud Alert. If you Google it, you won't find it. 2 plus 2, you won't find it. On Twitter, you won't find it. It's, it's going to be tough to find except on our site. Poker Fraud Alert exclusive. Here is something that's not a Poker Fraud Alert exclusive. Five Dimes kind of appears to be leaving the American market. They're a big uh, U.S.-facing offshore sports book, illegally running, of course. And 
they have told all of their users that they're leaving the American market, and there's some shadiness going on involving what they do about the futures bets. You know, these are bets which may not settle for months and what they're doing about that. And it turns out that they're not even really leaving the market completely because uh, they have just shifted the action over to a sister site, which looks identical. So we'll talk about the weird Five Dimes thing and some shady things that they are doing. And, of course, the original owner of Five Dimes died. That was uh, Tony, a.k.a. Uh, what is his real name? It wasn't really Tony. It was William something. I'm forgetting now. Anyway, he was, uh, he was murdered, and his wife is now running it with other managers of the site. But uh, very weird thing they're doing here and some unethical things they're doing here. There is an update on the lawsuit against Stones. I can tell you now who is settling and who's not. And also those who are not settling have been dropped as clients today by Mac Verstandig. And I have some new access I didn't have before. I am now uh, much more easily able to get copies of court filings than I was before. So I've read all the documents about this. Nice. Even the same anybody? Uh, anybody? Any surprise names on that settlement list? Uh, not really. But uh, but Veronica is not settling, and she's she's actually not a client there anymore. She's actually out of the suit. She's been dropped. She's the, she was the main plaintiff, but she's been dropped. So we'll talk about that when we get to that segment. Uh, also, I am currently doing battle with various people who are like Mike Possle fanboys, not more of his friends than fanboys. It's a, he's got a group of friends, probably about five people who have been relentlessly trying to hammer people on social media that, uh, Possle's innocent and he was whale voted. <laughs> so, uh, this has been going on for a while. It's been ramped up recently for whatever reason. And, uh, some people have been saying, oh, that's just possible under a million different accounts. It's not. It's poss- I think it's possible under one of the accounts, and the rest of them are actual people who are friends of his that are pretty dedicated friends because they're putting a lot of time into this. But uh, I was going back and forth with them because they, they, they've been hassling anybody who's reported on it in the past, including me. Uh, they weren't really trolling me. They were really trolling the other people. They were kind of not being as obnoxious to me, but I decided to engage with them and, of course – they jumped on it because they want any kind of attention to this that they can get at this point. And I'll talk about some of that exchange. And I'll tell you, I've, I've offered for the, all of them to come on the show. And they, none of them will. I, and I'm serious. Any one of them wants to come on here, they can. And they never will. Chris Moneymaker's account. I tried to get that uh, that Jamie Kerstetter on the show. Oh, really? Using my, uh, using my Twitter alias. Oh, yeah, good she luck She said that. that it wasn't good, buddy. Yeah, I'm I, not going to lie to you. No, I, I know. She doesn't like me very much. But. No, 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 no. Quite the contraire. Really? I, I said to her exactly those terms. I said, why don't you like Todd? And she said that she has no issue or she doesn't dislike Todd, but she said that they were – you know, well, I'll put it this way. She used a similar comparison to Mason Malamuth. Okay. Uh, she said that you know what I mean. Yes. She ref- she said she, she doesn't okay. like the forum content basically. Right. She yeah. said if you, once she said if you clean up that forum content, then she'd consider maybe coming on. But until then, uh, and there was one particular thread about some people doing bad things. Yeah, and, yeah, I know. That she mentioned in the Twitter. But I, I literally said, why don't you like Todd? And she said, I have nothing against Todd. Okay. But then she said she hates the forum. I, I thought she actually didn't like me personally, but I, like she, I didn't think she hated me. I thought she kind of didn't no. like me because of politics, but whatever. Okay, she doesn't like me. That's good. Like I, I have no problem with her, and and you guys have heard when I've talked about cute. her. 
Yeah, I mean, especially for her age, she's like she's like thirty seven or something. So she looks uh, she looks yeah. good. Like I, I've never bashed her on here. I, I've disagreed with something she said, but I've never bashed her. Okay, so let me go on here. Uh, Chris Moneymaker's account on two plus two was hacked by money trade scammers, and his account was used to ask people to trade money with him. He, oh wow, really? Yes. Who did? Who did it? No, we don't know. Some money trade scammers. Huh. He he put out that notice himself that this has happened. Did uh did they get away with any money? I don't know. I just know he put out that notice, and I, I don't know what happened. you got to watch out. This has happened to me, too, not where my account was hacked, where people impersonated me many years ago in order to like, get a fake money trade done. So whenever someone says that they want to trade money, even if they're like really, really trustworthy, you've got to make sure you're really corresponding with them, or you might Put be on the phone. Them. Or yeah, Voice. do it on the phone, or do, do it on Zoom, where you can see them, something like that. Yep. Where you're, you're, yeah, yep. you find some way to be verified, and we'll talk about that more when we get to that. When subject, we get to it, yes, we'll talk about it more. Yes, okay. So some coronavirus news we will get to, and then finally, I'm going to do a new segment, which we won't do every week, but I'll do occasionally, called "What Would Druff Do." And I'm going to read you a post that somebody made on Facebook. It was on a poker Facebook group, not Real Grinders, but a, another poker Facebook group. And it has nothing to do with poker or gambling. It is about a first date. And this really is from somebody else. This isn't about me. Of course, I haven't gone on a first date in 11 years. This isn't a friend of mine. This is someone I don't know. So if you want to Wait, 11 years? Oh, I know the girl, don't I? Was there, this time, was there a hurricane involved? No, no, no. This isn't about me. But you said you haven't been on a first date in eleven years, so I'm saying well, the no, first the, date no, you the went last, on eleven years ago. No, was there a hurricane? No, involved? the last the last first date I went on is with a girl I'm with now. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, no, but did he? Oh, but wasn't the, that like a rekindle of a previous first date? No, or no? no, we never did. We knew each other before. We never dated oh, before. No, okay. I was thinking also, but the hurricane story that was a first date, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was, tw- it was twelve years. Okay. Ago. I, okay, I get it. You're, I stand corrected now. I mean, it's close. Right. 11, 12 at this point, well, it's similar. Can you understand why I would have guessed yes, that? Yes, I, I, I can guess that. All right, thank you. All right, go on. Okay, so anyway, uh, this is a guy who is on a, a first date, a lunch date, which is a mistake. You don't do a first date as a lunch date if you want anything to happen. But nevertheless, he did a first date as a lunch date. The woman ordered four glasses of wine during the lunch date, uh, racked up about two-thirds of the bill, and then when the bill came... She pointed at him for them to bring it to him. So what would I do if that were to happen? I'll read the whole story. That's the quick summary. So, I'm sure there's some point in my life I've done it. Maybe, maybe not. I'll think about it. But I cannot sit here right now in good conscience and recall the last time I ever went on a first date during the afternoon. Then you are correct. That that was the right way. I'm trying to th- like I might have meeting people for coffee, but it was like friends are catching up. No, no, no. Like, I'm talking about a first date. Yeah, no, no, I know, I get it, but I can't think of like a lunch or like you know a first date where you get dressed up and you you have a nice meal. I don't know. I I don't think I've ever it's done gotten, it. It's gotten very common in the era of meeting on things like Tinder, and I I think it's a huge mistake. I've told people time and time again, especially guys. Don't do this because there's no fact, romantic element. Exactly, the it's a wrong atmosphere. It is the yeah. exact wrong atmosphere? And I, I've said before uh, to guys, women—they're free rolling you. The best right. case scenario is they're going to decide to see you again at night. Exactly. So if you they, get them at night, you already have, you've already beaten the. That's first what step. I've said. I've said. I've said that yeah. the women they they yeah. they they go out with you during the day if they want to judge you. They go out with you at night because they already like you. Yeah. 
So that's uh, you, you should never meet during the day. I learned this real quickly it's a when free I was roll for them. When I was much younger, I, I, I put the numbers together. I, I noticed the daytime dates were a disaster, and I was betting zero. The nighttime ones, I was doing pretty well. Where by well, I mean like the first date goes well. Okay, so and, and like leads to something further. So I go, how come the first dates at night do so well, and the ones during the day are such a flop? And I and I just thought about it. this is like as like a seventeen or eighteen year old, and I go, wait a minute, it kind of makes sense. So I said, okay, I'm just never doing it. So like, and I'd I'd be talking to girls, and they go, oh, let's let's meet on, on such and such day. You know, let, let's go meet for lunch. I, go, I said, nope, nope, not doing it during the day. And they thought I was crazy, but uh, I just kept saying, no, I don't do that. I don't do first dates during the day, and. I, I was very smart to stay away from that at that point. So this guy, who's 50 years old, by the way, hasn't learned that yet. So we're go- I'm going to read that to you at the end, and then I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you how I feel about what he did. I only gave you the very basics of the story, but there's a lot more to it. So that's that'll be the last segment of the show. So uh, I'm going to quickly do the discussion of what I changed on Poker Fraud Alert. Uh, no, no, no. You're missing something. Oh, sorry. We're not going to quickly do that. We're going to quickly hear from Brandon about what I'm forgetting, which I still don't know. What The subject that you should have added, that we are going to add, it's very interesting, is over the past two months, but it's really, really gotten a lot of national publicity the last week. Oh, I know what it there's is. Been a, I there's know been what, a very high is. spike of crime uh, yes, I, in I, Las I, Vegas, in the hotels, in places such as the Encore that, that in all essence hasn't ever had crime other than, you know, maybe like in a nightclub, a little pushing, but there's been crime and destruction in hotel rooms, unlike anything the city's ever experienced to the point where in the Las Vegas Review Journal this past week, Two high-end casino executives off the record told Review Journal that their whales or, or some of their whales have told them that until they get their house in order, they're not coming back to Vegas. They don't feel safe, nor do their families feel safe. Since the Labor Day, where th- there were just incidents all over the city, it's actually picked up steam, and this has made nationwide news, which, as you know, I'm sure you know, the Las Vegas Tourism Bureau, you know, it's like a black eye. They don't want to see this. Yeah, well, I, I thank you for bringing this topic here because I, I actually discussed it a little bit on the forum. Okay, and then the last thing, it's not even a topic. It's just something interesting, and then we'll, we'll get on with the show here. we got to get our boy uh, – is Trader Ruski around? Is he on tonight? That's a good question. Let me see if I can find him. Hey, buddy. See I can... see him in the free roll. Okay, that's good. I'll throw I'm him sure on gonna... Get him on here. No, he's, it's, it's, it's attempting to add him. Uh, so, well, let's see if we get him on. Then I'll, I'll... – tell you this tale which you're, you're, you're going to find interesting i'd be shocked if you know what i'm talking about definitely oh my god i can't even hear him well, now you know how i felt earlier is that how so you know it may be something with the connection then because no no I, no I, it, I, it was it was definitely the 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 quality of the microphone you were using or the speakerphone so uh so trader risky hello hey josh oh, hey, see, he's, he, he sounds good now see i think he just okay. had a little interference okay, okay so last on. thing before we start the actual show show uh, I'm not too shy or modest to admit this. Lately, I've been going to sleep, and when there's a new episode of – I don't listen to any podcasts. Okay, I don't listen – I mean, once in a while, I'll turn this one on if, if you know I haven't heard anything or I hear the old ones, but I, I'm not a podcast guy. But lately, when I'm going to sleep, I've been listening to this podcast, and I'm not endorsing it. I mean, I'm on a different podcast now, but I listen to this podcast – 
that that Marley Cordero and that Jamie Kerstetter are on. I'll just say that. I won't even say the name of it. Not that you can. I've said I've said it a lot of times before. You can go ahead. All right. So I'm all, I, li- I listen to this podcast because I I find the two female voices soothing, and I they, they do a good <laughs> job. It's cute. It's a nice little production. So I've been listening to it when there's a new episode, and it puts me to sleep. Like within 20 minutes, I'm I'm asleep. That's and, what people say about I'll, me. Yeah, and I'll restart it the next day. It's it's a good show. I do recommend it. So I turn on the most recent one last night, and I'm literally like in a sleep or you know about to just really be passed out. They have some guests come on. I don't even remember what they introduce him as. He comes on. You know, he's somebody. Like you know, he's on the show. He's a he's somebody in poker. He has like either a British, Irish, definitely he's not an American. He has like a you know heavy, a very heavy accent, and he comes on and he bills himself like immediately when they ask him like about his background or about himself, he bills himself right away as the anti fraud and anti scam guy in poker. Oh no! Like and he starts saying all the things. I swear to you, I'm not making this up. And I listen. You could give me a million bucks. You could put a gun to my head. I can't tell you his name. I can't tell you what he does. Well, I can I look it anything. up. I can look up who was on the show. That's pretty easy. It's it's yes. It's the last episode they okay, did. I'm going to look this and up right he now. He says, "I listen." His exact quote was like, "I consider myself the anti-fraud and scam guy in poker above everyone else." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is like the European. This is like the Bizarro Druff. There's like another Druff out there. Like it's unbelievable." Anyhow. So whatever the most recent episode was, because that's I saw there was a new episode. I do this little thing with my phone. I connect it to my Alexa, and I you know I listen to it on on, on the Alexa while I'm going to sleep. So I, I see there's a new one. I do it last night, and I'm literally asleep. And when he says like adamantly, I'm the anti fraud guy in poker. Like I just jump up out of bed. Oh, okay, I, never- I, I know it's that David uh, Lappin guy who's from he's from uh, Ireland. Okay, and he, Irish, he's he so he, so, so, yeah, it's him and uh, Dara or Kearney, who's also from Ireland. And so they, is he they, like the over the pond version of you? Can well, we I, I, I I didn't think of him that way. He was he does this uh, chip race podcast with Dara or Kearney. They I know them best as the two who hate Negranu. Like they, they they always bash Negranu. They they're very they anti-Negranu. did last night too. Yeah, they they hate Negranu. So they they're always after Negranu. It's kind of like, they're kind of like the I kind of thought they were the over the pond uh, Doug Polk in that way. And okay, so two things. I know we're doing a live show, and I don't have the technology here, but I would think it'd be funny if I don't know, maybe next week or whatever it may be, because I, I can't record. I don't know how to do that shit. Uh, record him saying I'm the anti ski because it's so eerie that like he starts saying the same <laughs> things you do. Okay, so anyhow, we'll, we'll move on to the show. This is a very interesting question. So one of the girls, I think it's Jamie, asked this guy who's again billing himself as the anti scam guy. Out of everyone in poker who has a bad name as either being a scammer, involved in shady things, or whose reputation is ruined, who do you think is the most undeserving of it? Okay? Like, you know, meaning like, for example, I mean, anyone. Anyone that is frowned upon, who is the most undeserving and wrongfully thought of in a negative way? Who do you think the – and it's a big name. I'll tell you that. Who do you think the anti-scammer said thinks doesn't get a fair shake? Okay, I I have something in mind, but – this is someone who a long time ago was accused of wrongdoing and hasn't really done much. hasn't done anything wrong since. As it's far a as big I'm. name. It's someone that's still relevant, still plays. And well, I'll that, tell you this much. Well, I was, was going to guess nope. it's, it's Justin Bonomo. Is that who he's talking about? No. Uh, good guess, though. Trader Ruski, do you have a guess if you're even paying attention? I have no clue. The anti-scam guy said 
that he adamantly believes that Chris Ferguson is wrongfully looked down upon and that really had nothing to do with what happened with Phil Till, genuinely felt really bad, did everything he could to get money back, and his reputation's in tatters for for, for no reason. Well, okay, I'll, I'll have to listen to that. Yeah, uh, you should. Um, it, I, that one I'm not going to say is impossible, is, is, is true, but I, I still have some problems, even if he didn't know he that gave, much. He gave his logic as to why. I just don't remember. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll listen to that. That'll All be right. interesting. But anyhow, it was very interesting because I've never heard anyone build themselves. Like, if they put you on a podcast and, and, and they gave you a British accent or Irish accent, you two would be just the same. Like, with your, with your quotes and how you look at poker, it was unbelievable. It was like it literally is a bizarro druff. Like in Dublin somewhere. It was really eerie. That's funny. So, anyhow, with that, let's begin the formal okay, show. Okay, let's begin the formal show. Okay, so I want to quickly run down the things with the changes that I did on Poker Fraud Alert. I changed the radio player again to radio listeners. This will be the biggest change. Uh, if you remember, we had a player before which kind of looked like an old 1980s boombox, and that was the player for many years, I think since the beginning. Problem is it requires Flash, and a lot of people don't have Flash anymore. Of course, Flash never worked on iPhones or iPads, and Flash is going away at the end of the year. So I, I knew I had to change it. And not only that, uh, it, it's getting harder and harder to use. So I got rid of that about a month ago, and I replaced it with a very basic player, which was not Flash, but still had some issues. It, it did not autoplay. Uh, for some people, it just outright didn't work. So it was better, but it uh, it had some issues. So I put some effort into it again, and I redid my work. And now I have what I believe is a much better player up there. So the player that's on the radio page now, and I just did this a few days ago. I'm not talking about the player I did uh, about a month ago. This one does not require Flash. It works on all devices. And for most computers, it will autoplay on your browser. There's a, I think maybe the Firefox browser, it doesn't work, but I think every other browser... If you go there, it'll just autoplay as it's supposed to. And if, if you're on mobile, it will not autoplay, but it is a very clear play button you press, and uh, it'll play, and it should work with all devices. This is to listen either to the live show or the streaming reruns. So that is now on the radio tab. And so if you had problems listening on that page before, it should work. If it says network error, don't panic. All that means is that nothing's broadcasting right now. And if you think something is broadcasting, just refresh the page. But if you see that, like, right before the show starts, like, a minute before the show starts, you're always going to see network error because I turn off all broadcasting before I start. So that is supposed to be there. So I'm just telling you, if you see network error, error don't panic. Like some, someone in the chat room is going, oh, no, network error, what's wrong? Which I understand, but uh, that's normal if there's nothing broadcasting. But it, it, it should work much better. Let me know if you have any problem with the new player. And as I said, this does not require Flash. It should work on all devices. So that's one thing. I put some effort into that. Uh, number two... The chat room, as I said, I, I actually put some work into replacing the chat room only to find that uh, there were not a lot of options other than writing one myself, which is a lot of work. So I aborted that. I put a guide on the top of the Flying Stupidity Forum that I stuck up there in a sticky thread explaining how to get into the chat room if you're having trouble. The chat room will be replaced near the end of the year with a chat system that is being promised before the end of 2020 that will not have Flash. It's, it just hasn't been completed yet by a third-party developer. And so I'm just waiting for that one to be done, and I'll put that up instead. It's actually going to cost a little bit of money, but I'll pay it and get a better chat room up there at that point. In the meantime, just use the workarounds I described in that thread 
on the top of the Flying Stupidity Forum called Instructions for Getting into Chat Room. Number three, if you are a forum user and you like to abuse the reputation function, I have bad news for you. I finally put some work into stopping that. The reputation. Right, now, hold on. I don't mean to interrupt. This was something I wanted to take issue. Now, you're a, you added a, a degree in computer Scientology. So let me ask you, <laughs> is it possible for someone like myself who doesn't abuse rep? I mean, you can't say I've ever done that, but I don't post frequently that I can somehow have a special program written that I'll just be left alone. Like, I don't want yes. to have to. Well, well yes, yes, but, uh, yes. I, I can write an exception in there for you. Would but, you do that for me, yes, please? Uh, yes, I would do that for you, Brandon. Brand, Brandon you remember that, I'll even Is that do, fair to ask? I just want to be no, able that's to fine. do the normal that, thing. And that, that's fine. I, I, will give, I will give you the exception here, and you've never abused it in the past. like every 10 minutes on here I do radio, is that worth one post at least? Or it should be. Yeah, well, let, let, me, let me explain to everybody what I did. Uh, so, so this is – I only change things involving negative reputation. Uh, for those of you that don't know, some of you don't, don't use the forum or don't read the forum. Uh, there, there's a function called reputation where you can put a little comment that's embedded at the bottom of people's posts without actually making a post yourself. And so if there's a post you want to comment on that specific post without actually making a reply to it, you can actually uh, stick a little comment at the bottom with either a green box next to it or a red box. The red box is called the negative reputation, which means that you're uh, negatively reacting to the post, and you can write the reason. And a green one is a positive reputation. Every time you give a green, they get one reputation point. Every time you give a red, they get minus one reputation points. And each account has a reputation score, which you can see under their name. So uh, people use the rep, and it's a fun thing on the forum, and people enjoy it. The problem is there's some people who abuse it who uh, just red rep everybody they don't like. So there's there's someone they don't like. Anything they post, they just red rep them. So that's not intended to do that. There's That's uh, always been against the rules. Other people never post. All they ever do is red rep. There's a few people who are on the forum who do that. Or they, you'll rarely see them post, but they, they will constantly red rep people, and I don't like that either. I only want you to red rep if you're participating in the forum. Sons so, of bitches. So, uh, so I decided to change the way the allowance of the red rep works by modifying the vBulletin software that we use, and I went and did that this week. So basically, the way that the reputation works now is if you want to leave positive reputation, that's not changed. You can still do that the same way that you have been able to for ever since I implemented this like seven years ago. But if you want to leave a negative one, the forum counts the number of posts you have made in the last 30 days, and that is the number of reputation, of negative reputation you can leave during that period, but you do get one grace reputation. So if you've made zero posts in the last 30 days, you can leave one negative reputation in, in those 30 days. If you've made one post, you get two. If you've made nine posts, you get ten. You get the point. So now you may say, well, people who want to leave the negative rep, they can just go make junk posts. Well, they can, but if I see people doing that, I'll just take away their ability to leave rep, which I can do and have done before. So don't, don't do that if that's your plan. But uh, the reason I did this is to stop the abuse because there's some people who use the reputation system to just red rep people and don't contribute anything else to the forum, and I don't like that. That's not the way I intended it. Also, it discourages posting on the forum because people – it, it's hard to reply to reputations just the way it's laid out on the forum. It's kind of hard. You, yes, you can copy and paste it, but it's kind of a pain in the ass. So uh, 
when people use reputation to reply instead of using the reply feature, it deadens the forum because it's it's harder back to to reply to it. It's harder it's harder to have a back and forth. So I don't like that. That's not the reputation system is for commenting, not for replying. So uh, if if you contribute to the forum by posting, then I'm fine if you use reputation, even negative reputation. But if you if that's all you want to do is negative rep people then I take it away. And also, if people abuse the positive rep in order to write negative things, I'll take away their rep. So I, I will still manually take it away from people who abuse it, but now at least uh, now the forum itself automatically controls how many negative reps you get. So I put that in there. So if you're a person who uses the rep system, then you can be aware of that. And this wasn't aimed at one particular person. I, I had various people complaining to me that it was being abused. And in fact, uh, some people complaining get abuse rep themselves. So it's funny. Some people complain to me, I, I've seen abuse the system themselves. And I'm like, you know what? Instead of directing this at certain people and you know, hurt, getting people pissed off and, and creating uh, a lot of animosity, I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to target individuals here. I'm just going to blanket change the way it all works. And then the system enforces it. Okay. So uh, that, that's the end of that announcement. I just wanted to get that, that all out there. Uh, I want to lead off talking about the death we had in the poker world, and that was uh, Mike Sexton. Uh, Not a surprise if you've been following the Sexton story, and not a surprise if you listened to the segment last week. As I mentioned, uh, people who were saying, oh, Mike, I hope you get your one time, I hope you beat this, like they they didn't understand what hospice care is. Once you're in hospice care, you are giving up. You're not going to have your one time. You're not trying for your one time. You're actually conceding that you're going to die very soon. And you have decided you'd rather be as comfortable as possible rather than attempting to beat the disease and being uncomfortable, which, which is understandable. At some point you say, my chance is so low of surviving this, let's, let's at least have my final days be pleasant or as pleasant as they can be, not, uh, not where I'm in terrible pain trying to fight it when it's going to fail anyway. So it's, it's understandable. And obviously it's, it's a bad choice either way. So Mike Sexton, who was suffering from pros- prostate cancer, but nobody knew except his close friends. Uh, he, uh, it spread to other organs and, uh, he passed away this past week. I'm forgetting exactly what day it was, but it was sometime between last week's show and this week's show. It's like a few days ago he, he passed away. I wasn't sure if it was going to happen that week. I knew it was very, I think unlikely. it was Sunday night. Yeah, that's, that sounds about right. I'm pretty sure it was Sunday night. I, I would have been very surprised if he lived another month. It did seem like. This was put out on Twitter because it was looking like the very end, and he was already on hospice, and his friends were already starting to announce it. Remember, Mike Sexton didn't tell anyone, he didn't tell the public about this because he didn't want people feeling bad. He didn't want to depress people. He wanted, he didn't want to put out negativity, even though it was about his own health that was beyond his control. Sun, so, Sunday, Sunday evening. Okay, Sunday evening. So, mm-hmm. uh, so. I, I'm not surprised by this, and it, it was one of these things where had he just abruptly died, let's say I just I hadn't heard anything was wrong, and then just abruptly heard Mike Sexton was dead, uh, that would have been uh, sort of shocking. I mean, he's he's not young; he was 72, 73 years old. So uh, uh, that by his age, it's not that shocking, but something that's just like, wow, I can't believe he's gone. Uh, especially, I, I played with him last year at the World Series, and he he didn't seem sick there, but. Well- I think a lot of it probably had to do with the timing that he died in the middle of a pandemic because, you know, if it was during a normal time where, you know, 
he had been working or, or at least out seeing people up until, you know, he was too weak or too ill to, it probably would have leaked that he didn't, whether it was he didn't look well or, you know, whatever it may be. But considering he's probably been home, you know, since February or March when this all started, it it was easier to keep it under wraps. You know what yeah, I mean? That's a good it point. Was suspicious that he was absent anywhere, not commentating on things because there was nothing to commentate on or yeah, no right. order that's really right. be. That's right. That's a good point. So, you know? so yeah. So Mike Sexton, uh, th- there's a lot of as an outpouring of uh, love it for made, him. It and- made nationwide. I mean, I, you know, he's a big name, but it actually made the front page of the news stories of both USA Today and ESPN Sports. Wow. Which that just shows you that how he well regarded he was that you know it was national news. Yeah, he's one of the very yeah. few people in poker. I mentioned this last week who really doesn't have any detractors. That nobody who I ever saw having any bad things to say about him. He seemed to be liked by everybody. He had a very uh, friendly and upbeat and always positive personality. Uh, so he was someone who, and of course, he had a huge influence on on poker and the poker boom starting because of his uh, commentating during the World, World Poker Tour and his involvement in promoting party poker. Uh, not, not even that. I mean, yeah, but I didn't know until – I mean, I knew he had involvement. I, from what I've read, I still don't know the, the details, but the founders of party poker made quotes saying that he was actually uh, a big part of the software, of actually getting the software correct, you know, or just up and running and, and adding things to it. I didn't. I never knew until then that he was – Integral at that level, did you? No, I didn't. I, I knew from I knew from an operational level he had some kind of uh, role because, as I mentioned last week, he made that call to me just because I, I, I stopped playing for a few weeks and wanted to know why I stopped. So, so, and I was not a known name in poker at all at that time. I was a total nobody in 2001. I was just a recreational player. So uh, that I, I didn't know he had anything to do with the software. Now, I don't think he knew anything about software i have a feeling he if that's true he was probably just someone who was directing the way he felt it should look and operate is my guess kind of like from a standpoint of the way he thought the site should should run the way he'd like to see it uh, functioning and not that he was actually sitting down doing any programming but but still that's uh, he he had a very big role there early on and then the the commentating on the World Poker Tour. He was a very big figure in the early 2000s poker boom. And that's one of the reasons that people uh, remember him so fondly. As I mentioned last week also, he was uh, a good friend of uh, Stu Unger, which some people found odd because they seem very opposite. But they, they were good friends. Uh, there was a pretty cool picture that was posted on Twitter by uh, one of your friends, Brandon Nolandala. He he posted a picture of himself, uh, Puggy Pearson, Stu Unger, and Mike Sexton, all of whom are now gone, except for Nolan. In fact, uh, two of them were go- have been gone for a long time. Puggy Pearson, it was actually surprising that he lived as long as he did. Puggy Pearson lived till 2006 at the age of 77. This was a guy who had an unhealthy lifestyle, was overweight, and uh, had a congenital heart problem that dogged him for most of his life. Something else that I found very touching for those of you that are listening that are uh, members of the real, real grinders, uh, Stu Unger's daughter joined. Uh, and this isn't a secret. I mean, she, you know, tells everyone it's, it's, you know, it's confirmed that it's his daughter. Her name is Stephanie. And then I don't, I don't remember the married, there's a married last name and then Unger in parentheses. She actually posted after he passed a picture of 
her having dinner with Mike Sexton many years ago, and that was real oh. touching to see that he obviously maintained a relationship with his friend's daughter after you know he passed away. Yeah, she's actually had um, some connection to the poker world. Like she did a, a shuffle up and deal at one of the World Series events I played like two years oh, ago. Oh, cool. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't know that. I, I, I mean, I knew she lived in Vegas. That was all I knew. I didn't know that you know she had any connection to poker and especially that she was a member of real grinders but she is and it's a real it was a real nice photo and one other thing uh i think man i can't remember i think this was real grinders it was on one of the sites but mike sexton either he tells it or someone else so i think mike sexton tells it a story about the first time he ever came to vegas and it's very very interesting the first day he ever gets here he gets hustled by doyle brunson in a golf bet his first time ever like in this city like in the 70s he ends up losing a golf bet to this guy who mike sexton claimed weighed 300 pounds at the time and you know mike sexton was unfamiliar who it was and you know it it turns out to be doyle brunson and he kills him or mike wasn't playing golf but he took action of someone else who was playing and he lost almost his entire net worth which he had brought to vegas the first day he was ever in Vegas. I don't know if it's on YouTube, but the story's in Mike Sexton's words. It's not a third party, and it's really, really interesting. It's a cool oh. story. Just to know that all this started, like all these friendships and whatnot started, like, you know, in the mid to late 70s. Very, very cool indeed. Yeah, that is cool. So uh, anyway, there, there, there was a, a tribute podcast that Mike Mattisau ran where a number of people called into it, including a number of big names. Uh, called into the podcast and uh, and talked about Mike Sexton and their experiences with him and uh, uh, the, it, it was a very nice and respectful thing and uh, Mike Matisau who's had some controversy in recent times though I, I didn't think any of it was too big of a deal it was kind of just Mike being Mike but anyway he he was uh, given a lot of credit for this even people who didn't like Matisau thought he did a good job with it that he moderated it well that he acted very mature which surprised a lot of people. Uh, which to me doesn't surprise. Like it's a, a lot of people don't get to see the good sides of Mike Matisau, and I have. So, like, people are surprised when he actually uh, seems like a, a decent, uh, mature guy, and it, it, it doesn't surprise me to see. But that he impressed people with his podcast that was that he set up to be this tribute to to Mike Sexton. So that was that happened during this week, and, and the. And the- Touching part is that Linda Johnson reported that uh, Mike actually was able to listen to a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. And she was with him. She was with him, and he actually was able to listen and appreciate it, and you know, enjoy hearing the the tribute. Yeah, and he also uh, was going through Twitter. He was scrolling through Twitter and reading a lot of the comments about him, and he, she said that he enjoyed those as well. So he actually did get to see. Uh, a lot of what people were writing about him in his final days, which is good. It's a, when somebody dies and then there's all these nice things said about them. The one problem is they're not going to see it. So they, you can feel good you're writing it, but then you, it's nice for the relatives if they have any relatives around that, that they'll read it maybe, but, uh, the person themselves is not going to see you writing these nice things. So it's, it's actually better to say nice things about someone before they die. But sometimes you don't get that chance because someone you know, like, dies abruptly. What what struck me more than anything um, was that I looked on his Twitter, and up until literally two weeks to the day that he passed, he was retweeting things. Congrats! Most of it was just 
like congratulating people for winning small stakes satellites on party poker and uh, you know other things of that nature because obviously there wasn't any live poker but he was retweeting these little tweets and shouting out to people two weeks before he died two weeks i mean which is kind of incredible to me especially knowing later that he was in hospice while he was doing it yeah i mean you wouldn't think that you know if you if druff if you knew you had two weeks to live that probably wouldn't be something you or i would ever be doing no, if you know what I'm it saying. It probably wouldn't be. And he was still very, very humble and very kind. And, uh, you know, he was very honored that there was a, I can't remember the name. I think the, one of the WPTs at a tournament. I know there's something was just named after him that was a, a very high honor in July, which led some people to think that they knew this was coming. Do you, do you know about this uh, no, tournament I, or this I, award? I, I'm not aware of okay. this. I'll look it up. It was, but it was something very prestigious. And Uh-oh, he said it was the greatest. He said it was the greatest honor uh, of his life. This this uh, achievement, this award. Let me. It, it let probably me, uh, was no. In fact, I, I want to mention this again. I said it last week. Prostate cancer is typically not something that's uh, going to kill you very quickly. In fact, for some people, it can take twenty years to kill them. So, and it, it's such a slow-moving disease that if you get it when you're like 75, the doctor's going to say, don't treat it. And you'll say, what do you mean don't treat it? They'll say, don't treat it because it's going to take so long to kill you. You're probably going to die of something else first, and the treatment's only going to – the side effects of the treatment are going to kill you faster than the prostate cancer itself, so don't do it. So uh, for someone to die of prostate cancer, usually they'll have had it for quite some time. Now, you may not have known you had it for a lot of the time, if you catch it early enough, you can stop it. But uh, obviously, he didn't catch it early enough. And uh, but he he must have had this for a while. So I, I say this because uh, Brandon saying that naming this uh, WBT tournament after him, they must have known it was coming. I'm sure they knew it was coming because I'm sure he has known for some time that he has prostate cancer. And again, that's just my you know me saying that. That's not no. I think you're right. From, though. You know, I think you're no, right. I, I make sense, but I'm trying to. I'm going to find it right here. And he even said that he he didn't tell people, he didn't tell the general public about this because he didn't want people to feel down about it. So uh, he, this could have been quite some time that he knew he had it. This he could have known he had it for a very long time, but it just wasn't. It was just moving very slowly and wasn't unbearable to live with. And so he was able. Look, he was able to play the World Series last year. I played with him at the World Series, and he seemed okay. He wasn't there that long because he showed at the table short stacked and, and he busted. But he was. Uh, I didn't say, oh, Mike Sexton looks sick. I, I just – only thing I noticed about it, he looked a little older than I remembered, but I knew he was old, so it, it wasn't a shock to me. But he didn't – it wasn't like Chad Brown when he was deteriorating. He didn't have prostate cancer. He had uh, uh, he had uh, sarcoma. But Chad Brown looked like he aged about 20 years in like two years. So he, he was someone who noticeably deteriorated from a, uh, a good-looking guy who looked younger than his age. To looking like a like a feeble old okay. man, and then he died. Me, uh, Mike Sexton didn't me, have this, but it's a different type of cancer. So, uh, but he so it's, it's very possible that Mike Sexton has had this for fifteen years, but uh, just didn't tell people because it wasn't stopping him from living day to day life. And then in the past nine months or so, things uh, started to really go downhill because it affected other organs, and then uh, everything. Then pretty much he realized that it was done. Sick. Six weeks before he died, on July 23rd, the World Poker Tour announced that the WPT Champions Cup will now be named in honor of commentator and WPT 
Champions Club member Mike Sexton, and it's now called the Mike Sexton WPT Championships Cup. And he wrote that this is the greatest honor of his career, and this was six weeks before he passed. Yeah. So you would think that they probably oh, 100%. You know, just listen. This is just amazing. Like I don't I don't mean to keep harping on this. Like three weeks before he passed. He's congratulating people for winning $33 satellites on party poker. And <laughs> uh-huh. I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like that just to show you his mindset like right until the end. Like that's – you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's kind of amazing that he's still just – like you have three weeks and you know you're near the end. Like that's just amazing to have that outlook. I, I'll be honest. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not as big a man as him. I wouldn't be. I can't imagine I'd be doing that. Like I, I don't know if I'd be pissed or I'd accept it, but I wouldn't be – you know, it just—it's amazing. It's just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's kind of surreal. I don't know. Yeah, though, don't I'll, know. I'll say this: sometimes when people have terminal cancer, and once they kind of just accept that that's happened, they—they they behave in ways you wouldn't expect as far as what they're doing with the last weeks. Where there's there's been people who go play poker in the in in the last uh, at the very end if if they have the strength to do so, and uh, not even until they make any kind of statement like "Oh, I can still play poker," like just like. Okay, I still want to play poker. And yes, of course, the, the results aren't going to mean anything to you because you're not going to be around to use the money, whether you win or lose, but, uh, they just go do it because it's, it's just something they'd like to do again before, before they die. Or they, they will, uh, they'll do a number of things if they can get up the strength to do it just because they don't want to just sit there and just die. They, well, they remember Kevin Rex. Yeah, that's, that's, I, I thought of him for sure. He, now he was doing it partially to bring attention to sarcoma, which killed him. But, he had, but you could just tell he loved poker anyhow. I mean, he could have been dying from any disease. He loved to play. He loved the game. Yes. And he uh, loved by the, the way, I, I haven't forgotten about this. Uh, I, and I'm going to have to make a decision what to do about this very soon. The, the coronavirus kind of threw a, a wrench into this. But I still have $500 that was scammed from him that was then repaid to me by one of the scammers. So I, I don't, I'm not going to keep that 500 I still have it. I haven't forgotten about it. Uh, I was, I, his, Widow has been non-responsive for re- to both me and somebody else who is unrelated to this, like someone who used to talk to her said she's not answering anymore. Uh, so we're we're not sure. He's got to find a way to get his parents. He has parents that are alive. Yeah, that's what, that's, that's, what, that's what. Like then the coronavirus happened and it kind of got pushed to the back burner. But I'm not going to keep this 500. I'm going to try to reach somebody here to make use of the money. Otherwise, I will uh, find something. Uh, sarcoma related which was very important to him it wasn't just what he died of it was that he wanted uh aware awareness of it uh but so I, i'll find something along those lines and and donate in his name so the, the the money will go to something either related to him or related to this uh, cause he cared about it won't stay with me just telling people that in case you remember that story uh i've heard this from a couple of different people uh the first one was mason malmuth and then i i've seen it repeated by others Mason Malamuth wrote a post claiming that regardless of what we think, and he said it like it was factual. He didn't say my opinion, but Mason Malamuth wrote a post, and I'm not going to look it up here, but I can paraphrase it well enough, that regardless of what we think, that the poker boom was not caused by Chris Moneymaker. It was actually it was caused more by Mike Sexton than Chris Moneymaker ever contributed. And his logic was that the poker boom had already started, but well before Moneymaker won, and that what would have occurred and actually what did occur would have occurred regardless. 
And that was because of the advent of online poker, specifically party poker, and then the WPT being the first form of poker to be on TV. And Mason Malmey wrote it, and I thought about it, and I, I was like, oh, that's an interesting point. And then I saw others repeating it from, you know, Similar degree to another. So let me ask you, what do you think about that statement? I, True I think, or false? Misleading? What do you think? I actually think he's probably right. Uh, I, I may not agree to the as much of an extent that he is saying it, but uh, I do think that was a bigger factor that uh, people saw the whole that seeing the whole cards really changed the way people watch poker. It's very hard to watch poker, even on TV, if you don't know what the whole cards are. It's just not very exciting if they see raise, re-raise. It's very hard to know what's going on or to really uh, get much drama out of it. And then, yeah, you see the cards at the end, but by then the whole thing's over and you kind of forgot the action and you're like, well, well, what happened on the turn? And here, when you've seen it the whole way, not only is it more interesting for the viewer because you you get to see what's going on and, and you know the players don't know what the other has, while you do know, but also the player, the, the person watching gets a false sense that they are better at poker than they are. Because even though they know they're seeing information that the players aren't, they, it, you still can get the idea of, uh, oh, look at this stupid mistake this guy's making. What a donkey. You know, like, why can't he think this guy has this here? But, well, you're, you're seeing it in front of you. That's why you can see it. But but people, it's just kind of natural to uh, for people to kind of feel like they know the plays to make as they're watching it. So this encourages people to want to go play. It makes the whole game seem easier. And well, and more so the editing that makes it look like for a novice or, or a beginner that look at all these action hands, ace, king, ace, queen, pocket aces, queens, when in reality – the average poker player, even in a tournament, can sometimes sit there and fold for hours and hours. Right, and so there's a lot, a lot more action, and also it's way uh, more boring than it appears. Also, there's a ton of money won in these. You're watching the final tables, so you just see even the people who are finishing sixth are, are getting a lot of money. So there's all kinds of money involved, and it, it gets very exciting. Okay, what if I get to the end of that? So that, so that that was one factor, and then uh, yes, online poker's accessibility. So when people want to play, they don't have to find a poker room near them. They can just go on to party poker at the time or, or other uh, rooms so or like poker stars me, or anything so else. Let me, re- let, me, let me rephrase it then to you. Let's assume – I know this is you know very hard to do and it's just your opinion. Let's assume Chris Moneymaker never existed. Let's assume he never played a satellite. Let's assume even that uh, – I don't know, Phil Ivey, Dutch Boyd, anybody won that main event. What changes from that point on versus what the reality was? Well, if anything, well, uh, first of all, I actually think poker stars may not have become as big as quickly as they did. Now, it was a very well-run site under Eli Scheinberg, so it would have still done well, but uh, maybe it, would, it doesn't rocket past party as quickly as it did. And uh, and then I, I do think it's there. There is a poker boom. It is probably so, still somewhat smaller because. What Chris Moneymaker did was he reaffirmed to people that you don't have to be a really special, naturally born poker player to do well at the game. That that you can just be lucky. Chris Moneymaker really came off as the everyman. He was the perfect everyman with the perfect name to have won this. He was a just a, a very ordinary seeming guy who didn't seem to be one who was any different than the average person. 
and he bought in with a $40 satellite. This wasn't someone with a track record of tons of poker success. It was the opposite. And yet he made it through the field of all the pros and cashed for $2.5 million from this $40 that he deposited online and, and turned it into that. So this, this can, became a dream for everybody because you had something in front of you of someone who successfully did it that you could identify with. It's, it's harder to identify with someone like Ivy you go, oh, man, I, I couldn't do what he does. He, this guy just looks like he, he, he knows everything. He, he just knows the right move to make at all times. I can't think like him. I, I'll never be able to do what Ivy does. You, you didn't think that when you watched Chris Moneymaker in 2003. You didn't see that when you saw him in interviews. You just He really came off as an everyman, and this was perfect for poker at the time. But where I agree with Mason is that there was already a lot in place that already had people excited about poker to where they were paying attention to this at all. It wasn't that nobody was paying attention to poker until Chris Moneymaker. It was that people were, and, and I was there, and, and I know Brent, you were there, Brandon, too. Uh, I, I was there, and I watched people come into the game, and they weren't all coming in right when Moneymaker won. They were there before that. There were people there before that. It was ra- rapidly growing before that, for sure. I watched uh, Party Poker rapidly grow in, uh, in 2002, at the end of 2001, I watched that rise to become a much larger site. And this was all before Moneymaker won. So, a lot of people probably don't know this, but Chris Moneymaker used to play a lot of Limit Hold'em back in the day on Stars. I used to play 5100, 100, 200, 30, 60 even with him at times. And if I'm sure if I did, you did as well. You know what? I didn't run into him that often. I played with him sometimes. But uh, he, I wouldn't say he played a lot. I would say he sometimes he sit played down. a lot, but it was always in the early morning. Uh, that, only maybe from that, like that maybe that's seven, eight missing. o'clock till about noon, and then okay. he was gone the that's rest why, of the day. That's probably why I missed him. Yeah. What was it? Money was it? Money eight hundred. It was. Money? It was. It was money eight hundred, which was his yeah. original. Yeah, that was his name the whole way there. Yeah. Before he won and after he won. Uh, I think eventually it changed his name to Chris Moneymaker on there, but uh, well, that was many years. Many it was many years later. Yeah, he was money. He was money eight hundred for a long I time. I think that was even after Black Friday. Yeah, I think it was until Black Friday. He was money money yeah. eight hundred. Yeah, and uh, so I, I think Mason's right about that, and uh, a lot just came together to. And you know what else was a factor then that some people miss was the uh, with the. Uh, the economy getting uh, because the housing prices were going up, 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 and there were the economy was good during those years before the housing bubble crash in uh, in two thousand eight and the banking crash in two thousand eight. Uh, leading up to the crash, things were good, 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 and there was a lot of money floating around. So a lot of people had extra money to mess around with, and so that really helped poker as well. And then in two thousand eight, when a lot of that money disappeared very abruptly, that hurt the games. So there were a number of factors that hurt the game. Some people say, oh, the games went bad in 2011 after Black Friday. Uh, that's not entirely true. There, were, there was already a decline that was for a number of factors, one of which was the 2008 uh, financial crash and the housing bubble bursting. Uh, another was that people started to get some fatigue from poker. It's, it's the fad started to wear out some. I, I think the first step, of the spiral of, of just the sport going down was when net teller pulled out, was forced out, whatever you want to call it. I think that was before that happened. I think poker was still at its peak. I mean, online, because online you have to remember 
online poker used to feed into everything else. It's well, almost actually, like it's actually, an afterthought now. It was before Net Teller. Two months before Net Teller, there was a bigger thing. That was the UIGEA. And you're, so the, you're well, close. But that was, but Net Teller was the result of that. That's what, yes. Net Teller, or, Net Teller yeah. happened a few months after that. Yes. Because of that. So, yes, so right. yeah, the UIGEA, which, which made party exit the market. And yes, that, and then also a lot of the, Brick and mortar companies like Caesars then would not make direct deals with online poker sites. You used to be able to have poker stars register you for the main event, for example. Like if you won a main event seat through poker stars in uh, 2006, 2005, 2004, uh, poker stars. Not main event, even a 1500. Right, any event, you would go to a poker stars desk and they would hand you your seat card, which is crazy to think about now. But they actually had deals with the World Series. To be able to do this, where after the UIGEA, then Caesar said, uh-uh, you're, you're an illegal company now. Uh, if, if you want to make backdoor deals where you put money in someone's account and they come here wearing your clothes, that's fine, but but you cannot buy in people directly anymore. So that uh, that cha- a lot changed. That's why, in fact, that's why it took so long, and it was only through very good marketing we ever got there again. That was why it took so long to get back to the numbers that were in 2006 for the main event, where when Jamie Gold won, and there was uh, like mid eight thousand something people that entered, it was going up, up, up each year, and we were thinking the ten thousand is going to be broken very soon. And then the numbers went down because uh, you could not have these direct buy-ins through the poker sites anymore. And- I mean, fuck! Even Donkdown was giving away a seat. <laughs> I mean, I'm going. I'm just saying, or so, NWP, whatever. Pro- it was. I was actually after that, but yeah, but yeah. That, so then after, so you got, know what I'm saying? Yes, everybody after, and their grandmother was giving away seats. Yeah. So after 2006, it, it did start to decline because of that, and it took all the way until uh, last year to to get to around the same number. It was it was going up, but it it got it took until last year to get a number similar to what uh, Jamie Gold had. So uh, Trader Ruski, are you there, buddy? I'm here. What are you? Sorry, I, I you know you got to sometimes just be aggressive in these <laughs> in these things, or you won't get a word with the two of us on here. What what are your thoughts on all this? Are you following? Do you know what's going on here? No, no. I, look, I I agree with him. I think with who was it? With who? With with, with Mason, the poker uh-huh. was it an uptick? Look, they're gonna sp- obviously they had a great thing with the name and a forty dollars satellite, but they can come up with a million stories for anybody. You know, yeah, so but I, that I, was like the perfect storm. I mean, you would it, even it the was, best marketing agent was, wouldn't be able to make that up, right? But it was a, so when it was went and it was a million when he won it, right? For the no, uh, it was, it was two point two point five million. Was it two point? It was two point five. Yeah, yeah. And then the next year okay. it was the next year it was five when Reamer won it. Well, you know what? I'll right. tell you. So it had gone up two and a half times from the previous year. So I mean, that's probably one of the steepest increases. No. Well, I'll tell. you you from my perspective it wasn't the wpt i never got into it i'd watch it and it just wasn't for me i mean i'd watch it you know for a few minutes but unless i knew somebody like you know i, I remember i watched the new house episode but the other thing was once you kind of become involved and you see it airs like sometimes eight months or a year after the actual tournament you already know who won and it, anyhow it wasn't that and it wasn't money maker you know i write about in the paper and on you know social media or the you know whatever the news uh, I guess there wasn't social media then. Uh, I remember it made like, you know, headline news was on ESPN. But for me, it was just online poker. Nothing, regardless of Moneymaker winning or not winning, regardless of poker being televised, it was paradise poker, po- party poker, poker stars. That's what hooked me in and got me into it. 
regardless of all these other things, if it wasn't for online poker, it probably I never would have gotten to the level that I, you know that I got at. You know what I mean? Well, it's yeah, just, I mean they have a similar story to me too. The other things didn't really. Well, and, but and well, and also the 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 brick and mortar was growing quite a bit then too. In a lot of different states, they had poker rooms, and poker was getting bigger and bigger. But in I LA. think the brick and mortar was only growing as a byproduct of the online explosion. I oh, think. Uh, I yeah, think that's, well, that's. I don't know about that. Well, I mean, the online poker was a big. Well, what do you think, Druff? Well, um, it was. I remember every you know all the places in Vegas that started expanding in, in the, the late two thousands. That was a result of what online poker created. Well, yeah, the well, demand. You were kind of both right. The, well, it, 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 it was rapidly growing in in uh, the uh, in live, but it was just kind of because everything else was growing. Uh, I don't think live drove it. it Trader Risk is right that live was rapidly growing, but uh, yeah, online it, it was a lot of things. I think the live rooms grew because of these factors, the WPT. Well, why? Yeah. yeah online, probably all of it. I mean, well, young well, kids. No, but like when did the, what, when did the Bellagio open? 96. 96, right. So, I mean, right there. I don't the think Mirage it was. 90, to the, I don't think it may it have been a little later. No, I, think it was, later. I, I believe it was 96. I think you're going to be okay, wrong. Okay, so if it up. was 96, look, even if it was 98, the uh, Online po- I mean, poker was growing, growing from the Mirage to Bellagio. Open the games were getting much okay. bigger. Nine, uh, October fifteenth, ninety eight was our opening. Funny, I always thought it was ninety six. Right. Yeah. And so, and right, so, there wasn't really much online poker at all back then. Well, uh, there was. Well, I, I was there at the very, almost the very beginning of online poker. I mean, it technically began like ninety nine, but almost nobody was playing. Uh, I, I started playing in January of one and. Uh, so it was a pretty small scene back then, and and boy, it rapidly grew. Uh, starting that same year, right, right when when parties showed up, that's when it really started to take off. So by the time MoneyMaker won, there already was a big online poker scene. In fact, there was such a big online poker scene that uh, I had already, uh, I was already doing very well online and 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 coming close to quitting my job. So that's. Showing you, uh, I wasn't someone who rose up because uh, MoneyMaker won, and all of a sudden the games got good. I was already uh, doing well there, and there was already a big enough online scene to where there was a enough of a, a steady flow of fish coming into the games that uh, that I was able to win a lot of money playing. So, I so I, that's that's why I can agree that online poker was driving a lot of it, and that the WBT was driving a lot of that. So, MoneyMaker was. A perfect story, and it it really helped, and it really was a number of factors that came together that made poker as big as it was in the mid two thousands, the early to mid two thousands. So I, I think overall Mason's correct with what he's stating, and how different would it have been without Money Maker? Uh, it would have been less, but it, there still would have been a poker boom. That's what I think. Anyway, let's uh, let's let's move on to the next topic. Uh, R.I.P. Mike Sexton. A uh, very, very uh, positive and good figure for online poker. Not online poker. Well, online poker, too, but for all of poker. Long-time figure in poker, and one of the few that you can say didn't have any detractors or haters, which is very tough to do in the community. It's something I have not accomplished, something I will never accomplish. I will always have haters. Mike Sexton did not. Some people just have that uh, type of personality where everybody likes him. So, okay. 
uh, moving on here, I want to talk about the Jonathan Little thing. This this is an interesting story because of uh, a precedent that was set, and it's if you think you have a very clear answer as to what was right here, then you're probably not looking at all angles here because this is something that is not really clear cut as to who is in the right. You can have an opinion, and I have my own opinion about this, but there's nothing that's like super obvious of who is right and wrong, where in some other situations I think it's pretty obvious. A lot of times I'll come on the show and say, I can't believe anyone doesn't think this way because it's super obvious. But this is one I'm not going to say. If you disagree with my assessment here, uh, I'm not going to fault you because there's a lot of ways to see this one. So here, here's basically what happened, and this happened this week. There's a number of big stories this week. There's, gonna be a, there's not a whole lot of stories we have compared to some weeks, but every story we're doing is a fairly big story. Uh, I didn't. It was even hard to know what to do first, and then Brandon even brought another big story about the the violence that's going on in Vegas. So there's so many different things to talk about this week that are could could be lead stories. So with Jonathan Little, he goes way back in online poker, way back meaning about 15 years, and uh, he's he's done a lot of uh, you know, poker training videos, and he's written poker books, and he's had uh, success. Online. He has a column. He's had a column for years on card player now. Yeah, yeah. So he's he, mainstream. He is mainstream, and, and he he's pretty well known, and he has mostly a good reputation. There, there's been some blemishes on it. The most notable one, and this wasn't horrible, but it was uh, it was something that blemished his reputation a little bit. In 2008, he, there was a scandal on Full Tilts where he was a red pro there who got 100 percent rake back because he was a red pro. That means a sponsored pro, and it was found that his account was just playing an insane number of hours that just didn't make any sense. And uh, then there became a suspicion that uh, he was giving his account to friends that's to play. Not, that's not – no, it's uh, a little a little inaccurate. Uh, may I? Yeah, go ahead. What actually happened was, as you said, he was playing an insane amount of hours, but there was no suspicion because he was known to do so. But what ended up being the uh, – I don't know the iceberg, uh, whatever you the, whatever you want to call it was. He was deep in the N- NBC Heads Up tournament, while at the same time, while he was playing all day long, his account had played in an insane amount of sit and goes. While he was literally being filmed for NBC. Yeah, well, I was gonna, I was gonna, then, I was gonna get to that part, but uh, so that's what we, okay. So that's what called him out. I mean, anyone could say, "Wow, how does this guy play that many sit and goes?" But you know, you can't just prove him you can't say otherwise but when he's you know in at caesar's palace in front of cameras for eight hours while at the same time playing the same insane amount of sitting goes then it's it's all over i I think we're both right here because i I was going to get to that i was going to get to that but there i I had heard that there was some suspicion but not not enough to like do an investigation on it but there was some suspicion already listen think about back then there was suspicion about around half the red pros on full tilt were they using dupes is this a real name are they I and mean, you remember hearing all these rumors and no one knew like you know doesn't mike mattis outplander this name and doesn't gee plander this name and brian townsend he has three names on full tilt which he did and he ended up getting suspended for that too there were always rumors and you never knew what was true and what wasn't but something like that how could you disprove how you know the volume that he plays somebody that's always been known to play a high vo- amount of volume but anyhow that that 
that's such a small transgression. I mean, that's not even, I mean, yeah, I guess you could say it's stealing because of the rake back, but you know, he was a young kid. He probably was letting another big name pro that maybe he wanted to impress, but it's still not along the same lines of what Justin Bonomo did. No, no, it wasn't. It was, it was really only, yeah. So, so the, 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 the heat he took at the time was, uh, number one, it, it was stiffing full tilt uh, out of rake, but then, you know, that's that's only between him and full tilt. But the the bigger problem people had was it was just multi accounting. When you think you're playing against him, you're playing against other people. So anything you know about his style, uh, it doesn't apply because it's somebody else doing it, and it can be confusing. And so that there was there, already in 2008, there was starting to be a backlash to multi accounting. For for a while, multi accounting was kind of accepted as being okay, and then as, as time passed, around the late 2000s, there started to be a backlash against it that it was wrong. And so that was so when that Listen, came out. I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm not. You know. I'm not being hypocritical here, but and I'm not gonna ever say names. But listen, I could tell you tons. I mean, if I was going to of big name pros or online pros at that point back in the day that either multi accounted had dupes on there that used other people's accounts that were big names. It was done. It was done. Oh, I know rampant, it was. And, and part rampant. of the reason it was done is because for many years. It was okay. People were not, uh, there were, there was not a stigma against that and it was kind of just known people did it I mean, and everybody accepted even it. Have to, you wouldn't even have to switch IPs. It was so accepted for yeah. years that, like literally, I mean, I'll be honest, I had an account. I had a second account on Poker Stars and I never played them both and, but just sometimes I'd want to play under a new account that I didn't think anyone knew who I was on and I did it. Same IP. I transferred money back and forth and for years and years it was accept, there was never a problem until one day it was. And they knew the IPs. They had the, they had the software back then. So it just was something that, I mean, it, it was acceptable back. And you know what? Now looking back at it, yeah, I could, I could see what the problem was. But back then, I didn't look at it as cheating. I thought, I just kind of want to play anonymously. But now I get it. You know, I was young and, and, and naive in my thinking. And, you know, I can understand why that would have been, uh, Offensive or, or yeah, I'm know, not. Uh, yeah, I'm but not that, saying it's a huge, a huge transgression. I'm just saying that that was the, that's yeah. really been the only thing that's that's really dogged him. Uh, but that's hey, what all, about you? Did you ever have more than one account? Well, uh, I did a very long time ago. Uh, I, I on two different occasions. One of them was very minor because uh, I barely used the first account on, on Planet Poker. I originally played as uh, as. Dan underscore Druff. That was the first use of Dan Druff uh, in a gambling setting. And uh, there was some idiosyncrasy that occurred between PayPal, and, which you could use at the time to, to make gambling deposits, between PayPal and Planet Poker to where the account got messed up and they couldn't solve it. So I, I said to them, you know, can I make another account? And they said, fine. So they actually knew about it. And I made a second account named Kilowatt. Not Calwatt, but Kilowatt, which is – that's what my current 2 plus 2 account name is, which which I named that uh, in reference to my oh. f- the first name I used on, on Planet Poker. So I that, always wondered where you got that name yeah, from. Yeah, Interesting. So, so that was from in honor of my first real online poker account because Dan Druff was so uh, lightly used. So that was that was the first thing. The second thing was the, the – on, on uh, this one I guess you could call more typical multi-accounting. And this one, I didn't do maliciously. I did it to do a friend a favor. One of my friends, the one who played as Good Eats on uh, on Poker Stars, on Paradise Poker, he lost his account from uh, some sort of dispute he had with them involving cash outs. I forgot what it was, but there was some dispute he had with them, and they shut his account down. So uh, he asked if he could borrow my account, and so I said, uh, as long as you change your IP first so they don't know it's you – uh, it's not the same IP that got banned. 
Fine. So we we sh- for some time we shared the Dan Druff account on Paradise Poker. So sometimes it was him, sometimes it was me. Which, as you said, if you go back and look, yeah, that's there. Was, there yeah, but you know the thing is, you have to understand back then. I mean, and I'm saying this, this isn't a cop out. Things were so new, and it was kind of like uncharted territories, like the Wild West. They weren't these kind of ethical, you know, rules. Yeah, no one really thought about now. or discussed. You know it, what yeah. I mean? Yeah, things were just kind of. Like, I, you know, rules were kind of made as you went along. And, and a lot sense. of people did it. And I can tell you as someone who goes back to the beginning in online poker, the when people would discuss multi-accounting for a number of years, and I say a number of years, like all the way through the mid-2000s, uh, you wouldn't say, oh, this person's awful, they're a multi-accounter, except except in the case where, like, where they're using two accounts in the same tournament. That was wrong. But the, I'm talking about just where people were never at the same table or in the same tournament as themselves, where they're just using two different accounts or two people sharing an account. Uh, it was never discussed in a way like it was wrong. It was just discussed in like, hey, who do you think's on the account this time? Hey, who do you think's playing under this right now? Is it this like, person I or remember, this person? I, I don't remember what what uh, year it was, but there was an infamous – during the World Series, like on, on a day they weren't playing, massive – I know most of you aren't going to care, but I played the game. And I know drafted, so we cared. There was a massive limit hold'em match between Dustin or Neverwin – Dustin Wolf and Mark Newhouse against like Joe Cassidy and someone else. And they admitted like in TV interviews that they were passing the accounts back and forth, that there was like, and that's what I'm saying. Like they admitted it. It wasn't even like, Oh, we screwed up. And like, it, it wasn't even, you know what I mean? It wasn't even a thing to even consider that you were doing anything wrong. Yeah. Like Dustin would play for a while on his account. The new house would yeah, play. It went on, it went on all the time. Was playing and then I don't know if it was Devin was playing. It, it just, yeah. You it, know, and, and I want to say something else. There were some sites where you were explicitly allowed to multi-account, like on on the Interpoker Network. You were actually allowed by their rules to make multiple accounts. And if and in fact, if you did not, you were at a disadvantage because others did. So uh, so I, yeah, I made multi-accounts on there too. But that was that was actually allowed multi-accounting because they specifically had it where this was totally within the rules to do, and everybody did it. In fact, if you didn't do it, you were at a disadvantage. So. So that, I, I don't really count that if the, if the site says it's okay to do. But anyway, sure. let, let's get back to the, the Jonathan Little stories. It doesn't have to do with multi-accounting. This just has well, to... anyhow, but since then, I don't. I can't remember anything like in a decade that he's done that was unsavory. Can yeah, I, I, yeah, I can't either. So, so, uh, yeah. so he ha- he has generally a good reputation, and 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 some people enjoy watching his uh, his Twitch stream. So there's uh, so he's he's even relevant recently. He's not just some guy who was popular in the late 2000s and nobody cares about it anymore. He's a he's someone who's who's currently relevant in poker. Uh, so he's had a big uh, tiff with Phil Nagy, the uh, CEO and owner of America's Card Room, who is uh, pretty active on social media, except during sometimes when he just disappears. Usually when he's being uh, given a hard time about bots or whatever on the system. Like whenever people are unhappy with ACR, he kind of vanishes for a while. But but uh, he, but he has a lot of periods where he's very active too. And he, he can be outspoken at times. He had a feud with, uh, with Joey Ingram when Joey Ingram was complaining about bots on there. Uh, so here's what's happening now. Uh, Jonathan Little has been bashing ACR on his Twitch stream and has been – but yet he plays on there all the time. So he plays on ACR, and he'll make comments about ACR as he plays. Now, some of the comments are very reasonable. Like, there's one comment that uh, Jonathan Little has been attributing to his ban, which I don't think is totally accurate. It may have something to do with it. But he was warning people that you shouldn't leave a whole lot of money on an online poker site that's unregulated 
because anything can happen to it, that you should only leave on there what you need. Well, if I were to be criticizing that advice, I'd have to hate myself because I tell you guys all the time to do that. I always say, cash out what you don't need. Anything you win in an online poker site that's unregulated, the money's not yours till it hits your bank account or it hits your Bitcoin wallet. So that's – I've said this over and over for years. So of course Jonathan Little is right, and if he says that, it's not disrespectful to ACR. It's totally fine to say that. So I have no issue with his statement about that or that he even made this during a stream, and it's, it's not even something that's uh, necessarily uh, insulting to ACR. It's just saying in general because these are unregulated sites – uh, it's smart. Yeah, but that's common sense, anyhow. Give me yes. that bullshit. Right. So, so, so that's common sense. Wait, no, but a if lot. You of... don't know in 2020 that you shouldn't leave a ton of money on a site that's not regulated after what's going on. You know, history being a, a clue. Then, then you know what? Then, then no, but like some people don't know. Uh, some people because full tilt was nine years ago. Some people has have entered poker since then, and, and they kind of know a little bit about it. But unless you were there watching it happen. When it happened in 2011, yeah, but it doesn't matter. They know. They know that it's not regulated. They know it, there's enough publicity now that people know. Oh, you have WSOP in Nevada. You have Party Poker and and WSOP in this state. You have Poker Stars in Pennsylvania. They know. You no, can't the, not know. Well, let me tell you, something. they know it's unregulated. Most of the people, but they they don't. When you just see something so big with so many players, has been advertised for so long, you you. There are people who don't really realize that it isn't safe to leave a lot of money on there that you don't need. Like they, that if you if you've just hit a big tournament score for one hundred fifty thousand dollars and you're not playing very high stakes on there, that you should get most of that off. Some people they they don't feel an urge or an urgency to do that because they feel the site is very stable. Oh, what's going to happen to it? It's fine. And, and so he's giving good advice. I'm not saying that nobody realizes it. I'm just saying it's good advice. And as you said, it is common sense, but it's good advice. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. So I take no issue with that. But Here's where he did some things that weren't uh, – I, I, I wouldn't say they're wrong, but they – they uh, I can understand why they would piss off the owner of ACR. So remember, Jonathan Little is a pretty uh, well-watched person on Twitch. He's a well-known name in poker. He's a respected name in poker. And he seems to have a little bit of a temper where he gets frustrated when he runs bad. And says things that are kind of uh, – I don't even think he really thinks it in reality. I think he kind of just spouts off because he's pissed at the moment. So he's been making a lot of comments over time that uh, imply that the site is rigged in some way. He doesn't go on actual rants like like serious rants like, hey, everybody – Just to be specific, what, what variant of poker are we talking about? Does he play cash games, tournaments, I assume, only? Both? I'm not Do sure. I'm, I'm actually not sure. But, uh, okay. but whatever he's playing on, I know it's No Limit Hold'em mostly. And uh, what's, what he does is like uh, if he takes a bad beat, uh, he'll, he'll say, oh, I just got naggied, referring to you know, the Phil, Phil Nagy that uh, it, it was rigged against him in some way. Or he'll say uh, something that's much less kind of lighthearted. This one definitely you can't think is a joke. He'll, he'll complain about how I always miss against the shills. I can't ever hit against the shills. The shills are referring to – players that he thinks are house players or, 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 or sponsored pro players that he always misses against them. He can't hit the, against them, and he, he really strongly implies that certain accounts on ACR are either house accounts or they're sponsored pros with, with the random number generator rigged, so he always misses against them. And as I said, he doesn't make a serious case for this, but he says this not in a jovial, joking voice. He says it like in a frustrated tone, like he's legitimately – 
annoyed at the moment. Like he's legitimately bothered and angry. And uh, so it's not someone who's going, ah, ha, ha, that's funny. I just always have to miss against the pros. It's so weird. Like, it's not even like that. It's, it's like, ah, I just, this, the shills, I, I, I just never hit against the shills here. Never hit against the shills. Why do you think that is, guys? I, oh, I just can't hit against the shills. Isn't that interesting, guys? Like, he'll say it like that. For you. It's not a joke. He's, so I think later he calms down and doesn't really believe this. But in the moment when he starts to notice that certain sponsored pros on there he's always missing against, which is probably just I – don't, I don't even think it's rigged. I think it's just he's had bad luck against or, or he just remembers when he misses against them because they are sponsored pros. But I think in the moment, in the frustration, he starts to think, hey, maybe this is what's going on. And he'll say it out loud. And the problem when you say it out loud is that when you're someone with influence and you're actually doing a Twitch stream, you're not, you're not with like five friends there. You're, with, you're on Twitch with a bunch of strangers watching you and you say that, you can understand how the guy who owns the site gets pissed. Because people watching this may think, well, shit, this is why I'm losing. Because the shills, they have the, the deck rigged, so they're going to always beat me. Oh, okay. They must be rigging this for certain people to win and certain people to lose, and I want people rigging to lose. No wonder I'm losing. It's not because I'm I'm just unlucky or because I'm not as good as the, the competition. It's because it's rigged. Look, even Jonathan Little, it's happening to him. Now, the funny thing is, Jonathan Little's not losing on there. Jonathan Little has been winning on there. So it's not even like he's he's running awful and getting his ass beat on there. This is someone who's winning, and yet... When things don't go well, uh, he makes those comments. So I understand Phil Nagy being pissed off about this. And, uh, and, and I'll, I'll read a statement that Jonathan Little made in a second, which, which, doesn't, which isn't really honest about this. But here's what happened. Phil Nagy tweeted this on September 9th at 1.32 Pacific Time, 1.32 p.m. It's one thing if you're going to treat Winning Poker Network, that is the ACR network, like some side chick, but I'll be damned if I'm going to give you the privilege of getting to fuck me on the daily if you're going to punch me in the head while doing it, at Jonathan Little. <laughs> so people are going, what does he mean by this? So tw- 20 minutes later, Jonathan Little responded, Hi, Phil. It seems my account has suddenly been banned. I was not told why I was banned. I tried to log in and cash out my funds, but it's not letting me. Is it because I said ACR is not as safe as a bank? I always spoke highly of your game volume and marketing skills. So right away, Jonathan Little is trying to say, oh, it's because I said take your money off there if you have too much. So it's not as safe as a bank. Like it's a, is it because of that? Is that why you're banning me? If, now, if that were true, I would be 100% on Jonathan Little's side and say this is totally inappropriate. That's not that, – that was just one small thing. The truth is – and I, I have a video of Jonathan talking about – I'm not even going to play it because it's, it's a someone else like recorded – their own computer screen and did a poor job of it so the audio is very bad but i can tell you he actually you can hear if you really listen closely and you can find on the thread on poker fraud alert in the poker community discussion thread you can see this if you want to go play it yourself he you'll you'll hear very clearly jonathan little complaining about missing against the shills i always miss against the shills and he's not joking he's not messing around he's legitimately frustrated and pissed that's why he was banned phil Nagy just he just kind of got the idea that Jonathan Little sits there on his Twitch stream, plays ACR all day, and then bashes it. And he's like, if you're going to use my site to play and get views... Oh, and, my God. Did you see the Mason Malmuth? 
Well, there's I've seen a lot with Mason Mount. We'll get to that. There's a lot between Mason. Oh, Mount well, and but did yeah. you see the? Hey, Phil, we don't like Jonathan. Oh yeah, yeah, there's a lot more. That was the beginning. There's a oh lot more. They, they, they're 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 currently having a protracted fight on two plus two, Jonathan Little and Mason Malmuth. That's like a side story. And there's even a little bit of poker fraud alert reference there out of nowhere, even before I got into the thread. Uh, not much, but there's even a, a little jab at poker fraud alert by Mason. So, uh, so that that was so that was what Jonathan Little was saying. Then uh, someone, some guy named Max VV, it doesn't really matter who he is, just some nobody, but he, he responded, just one small example of the negativity, constantly dogging ACR and anyone who supports them in that smug, nasty tone. This obviously isn't why he got banned, so get the fuck out. If you never watched this, his stream, it was li- literally this every few minutes, and it was him playing that poor audio version of Jonathan Little complaining, which I listened to, it really is. like it, Jonathan Little really does complain and, and imply that the site is rigged. And, and if you, you have to keep that in mind in this whole thing. Now, however, by the way, Brandon, I, I can hear the, the, the vaping gear in the background. you gotta, you got to hit the mute button. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, uh, anyway, the, uh, the Mason Malmuth then jumped in. <laughs> he writes this. Hey, Phil. We don't like Jonathan Little either. I always like how, how Mason says we. He, he, he really means I, but he says we. Because he means two plus two, but it's really just him. We don't like Jonathan Little either. But it does seem like you're, you're stealing his money. Wouldn't you be better off in just uh, refunding his money than getting rid of him? By the way, uh, what else negative did he say about ACR? Well, then Phil Nagy responded he will be getting his money. So that, that shut it down right there. That was like a few hours in. It was very clear within a few hours that he wasn't taking Jonathan Little's money, that he's going to cash him out in full. He's just booting him off the site. And now it's kind of funny about Mason Malmuth not liking him. I, I, most people weren't aware of that, including me. Uh, and they're currently battling. I'll get into that shortly of why the two of them don't like each other. So that's a little side battle that's occurring. But, but interestingly enough, Mason was even a little critical here. Uh Someone responded to Phil Nagy named uh, Jeff Bertrand. I don't really know him, but he responded, how is pointing out that you're an unregulated site with the possibility of having your money confiscated at any time disorderly? He's letting his viewer base know that although the action and marketing is good, that the money may not be safe in the long run. Are you, are you a regulated site? So then Phil Nagy responds, so let him talk about someone else. That's fine. No hard feelings. Well, that wasn't a very good answer by Phil. He should have said that's not what my problem is. My problem is actually uh, the, the, the bashing. I think this was like the straw that broke the camel's back. I think he's been annoyed for a long time of all the crap he's been saying. And funny enough, the one thing that Jonathan said that was totally reasonable about ACR, uh, that, that uh, that's what finally got him banned. So... Technically, it looks like this is what got him banned, but it was not this by itself. It was this plus a lot of stuff that Jonathan Little should not have been saying, given what position he's in. Now, Matt Berkey wrote this. He said, Phil, I don't know, I don't know you that well, but I know enough to recognize an emotional, uh, that emotional statements won't age well. You are free to refuse business to whoever you like. But if Jonathan Little organizes a boycott, which he definitely should, you could easily lose out on, on uh, some part of 60K potential customers. And Phil Nagy says, I'm willing to take the risk. We work hard every day, not many willing to do what I do, and we don't need the negative every day. 
So Matt Berkey saying from a business standpoint, you're, you're driving away Jonathan Little's followers, of which he has many, that this isn't very smart. My problem with this on Phil Nagy's end is that it sets a bad precedent. It sets a bad precedent if someone criticizes an online poker site who's in any kind of poker media or any kind of poker broadcast uh, position, like someone who does Twitch streaming, someone who has a, a show like like a podcast or a radio show like me, uh, even people who write forum posts, that if you bash the site, that they throw you off. That sets a very, very bad precedent, and I haven't seen this before. I have never seen this before where an online poker site bans someone for bashing the site. That's a new one. In all the years of online poker, Brandon, do you recall this ever happening where, where someone no. got banned for this at any place? No, absolutely. No. Nope. Yeah, I've never seen it either. So, so this, even though I understand Phil Nagy's frustration, and he has a right to be mad, not about the stupid comment about the, or not the, not about the reasonable comment about the money, but about the, implications that the site is rigged for shills, I think, is a very bad thing to say for for someone like Jonathan Little to say about ACR if he doesn't really believe it. And if he believes it, he shouldn't be on there. If he believes it, he should be warning his followers, don't play on ACR, it's rigged. If you don't think it's rigged, then don't make comments like it's rigged when you run bad against uh, pro players on the site who are sponsored pros. It's got to be one or the other. So uh, if Phil Nagy had just stuck to that message, saying I'm tired of him saying the site's rigged, it, 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 it kills our business... A lot more people would have been on Phil Nagy's side. But uh, because Phil Nagy was more focusing on the last comment he banned Jonathan Little for, which is totally fine, uh, people were getting pissed. And truthfully, even with the stuff that Jonathan Little was saying, you shouldn't ban him because it, it sets a very bad precedent. It's, it's kind of like an intimidation move to those who speak out on social media or on podcasts or on streams that, hey, I've got to watch what I say about the site now or they're going to ban me. And uh, there's been criticism of every online poker site. There's been a lot of people writing really nasty things about online poker sites. Well, hold on. What about your boy John McCaffrey? What's his name? John McCaffrey. Didn't he get banned from WSOP for criticizing them? You know what? I forgot about that. Yes, John Mahaffey did get banned. Mahaffey, from you're right. For he pronouncing he, it he got, I guess this is the second time this has happened. I, 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 I don't know. Tell, tell me real fast. I mean, I know we don't want to drag it on. I mean, I remember, but I don't. You know, it happened a while ago. What did he do again? Um, he, he he went to gaming, didn't he? And he complained, and he went to gaming. Yeah, on and, them. Yes. And so what happened was he was uh, they they were in the wrong. He was and he, tell tell the audience who John Mahaffey is. John John. John uh, Mahaffey is Mahaffey, a excuse me. John Mahaffey. You're thinking of the guy who uh, of McAfee who do. Yeah, I know, there, so. I know. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> but uh, John Mahaffey is a guy who's like a uh, he's like a, kind of like a, a gambling journalist around uh, Vegas. Also a recreational, uh, semi recreational player. Like he he knows what he's doing. He's a, he's a smart he seems guy. Respectable. Like the info that he gives always seems correct. Oh, it and- is. He, he, you know, he's a, he's a good guy. I like him a lot. In fact, I was going to meet him in person uh, this year in Vegas, and then the coronavirus happened. So we, we've we've always gotten along. He puts out very good information, very useful information yeah. about casinos. Uh, I like him a lot. Did he try to cash out or something? Yeah, or yeah it was really bonus? it was really stupid. I he, I was totally on his side on this one. He he deposited. He actually played. Then he tried to cash out, and they had the nerve to tell him he hasn't played enough. They're not letting him cash out, which I don't think is legal. Like, uh, I don't, I don't not, believe not Nevada. Yeah, not. that's what I'm saying. I don't believe it's legal. So they tried to tell him he can't you cash can't out. Sit, you can't sit a brick and mortar and try to cash out them, tell you 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 know you didn't play enough. Absolutely not. Yeah. So they but, okay. so they were really uh, 
difficult about him cashing out. And he's telling him this is you can't do that. He knows a lot about the the Nevada gaming laws, so this is the wrong person to tell this to. So he fought them, and, and he went to gaming, and and he wrote he wrote uh, articles about his experience with this, and and eventually he got banned. He got banned from WSOP.com. He's not banned from all Caesar's properties, but he's banned from the site. And uh, I mean, I believe him obviously, but I, that just seems that seems like it would be an employee. It either be an employee that doesn't know what they're doing that responded to his cash out request, or they had concern about laundering money because it just doesn't make sense yeah, that they would. It was weird. It just it doesn't make sense. I, I, I that's what I thought at the time. It's now, such a like, weird listen, thing. If he deposited thousands of dollars or a decent amount of money. Barely played and then wanted to cash out. Yeah, it would make sense. Well, at least to beg the question, why? Why are you trying? You know. Anyhow, we're getting off the subject again. But, but yeah, you're so right. He would be the, the second person. He'd be the second one. But this is much more high profile. The, the John Mahaffey thing didn't get any attention aside from on this side. I gave it some attention, and I talked about it on the show. And uh, I'm glad Brandon remembered that. Which it's funny. I didn't remember. I, I, I was the one pushing the story. But it, but anyway, uh, he is the second one. Well, now. well, that that Irish guy had a big expose about it. I think. <laughs> oh, I'm <my>. just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> He's, that's so funny. If you can't get your fraud information on this side of the pond, go to the fraud guy in Ireland. That's yeah. great. That's fucking classic. I'm going to listen to that again tonight. And I encourage all <laughs> you to listen. It's the uh, I don't know the name of the episode. It's the last episode, it, the most recent episode, the rake. The rake, yes. So anyway, the, the so I guess it's the second one, but this is the really first really high profile uh, incident of this occurring, and, and also WSOP.com was not like going out on Twitter. Uh, mocking him about this as, as Phil Nagy did, so that was another reason it didn't get as big. So, uh, so then uh, Phil Nagy wrote, uh, "Why is it when someone acts disorderly in a casino or live tournament, they can be banned for life, and it's okay the Borgata can ban you for making a video?" This is referring to a Ryan DePaulo who got banned at one point for making a video there, which was again that was a different story. He got banned because uh, he was repeatedly filming there when they asked him not to. Uh, but uh, how is WPN any different? Well, it's not different. You can ban anybody, and no one's denying you can ban. It's just not the right thing to do. It's just there's always going to be people who criticize an online poker site, and you have to just take it. You can't uh, take it, address it, respond if necessary. If they're wrong, uh, point out why they're wrong in a respectful way. But banning people, it really sets a horrible precedent because it's it's sending a message. You don't. If you're going to play here, you better never say anything bad about us, even if we screw up. Otherwise, you may get banned. You may never continue playing here. So if you want to stay here, you better shut up and take whatever we do. It's, it's a very bad message to send, even if the person who is uh, – even if what the person is doing is wrong. Even if you're in the right and they're wrong, this is not a reason to ban someone. Now, the dumbest thing about all this is it didn't have to happen this way. Jonathan Little is not a bad guy. He's not an unreasonable guy. And I don't even think he believed a lot of the stuff he was saying, except for the stuff about the money, which is true. But if Phil Nagy went to Jonathan, remember, Jonathan plays a lot on there, so he probably wants to maintain a good relationship with the owner of the site. So if Phil Nagy just went to him privately and said, hey, I have a concern. I love the fact that you stream our site, and and uh, I'm very happy to have you do that, but I'm just noticing you're always saying things implying that it's rigged, and, and, and now you're telling people to get the money out there. Like, can you really try to tone down the negativity about the site? And if you if you have any issue... With the way things are run here, uh, come to me and I'll listen to you. Something like that. Like I'm sure he could have come to him 
and really gotten Jonathan Little to soften without making any kind of threats by just going privately and saying, hey, this, you know, this is hurting my business whenever you talk about how you lose to the shills and implying it's rigged. Like, I'm sure Jonathan Little would have said, okay, sorry about that. I kind of just do this. I'm sure he would have made excuses, oh, it's a joke, whatever. But Jonathan Little would have gotten the message. He would have, he would have toned this down. And uh, we would have never seen all of this. We would have never known about this. And it just would have stopped. And then neither of these two would be embroiled in this fight. So the, this whole thing didn't have to happen. And I think both sides have done something wrong here. I think uh, Jonathan Little shouldn't have been saying some of the stuff he was saying on his, on his stream because he's an influential person and people take his word to mean something. And, uh, and Phil Nagy should not have banned him for this. He should have just come to him privately and said, please stop. Or at worst, bring it up publicly. At worst, say, "Hey, Jonathan, why are you you play on my site so much? But you're always saying it's rigged. What, what, this is harming ACR. Please stop doing this." Like, if he, it's better to go privately. If you don't want to go privately, if you want to respond to his public comments publicly, that I guess that's fine too. But don't ban him. That's 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 not good form. Those are my thoughts on the matter. Uh, before I continue, Brandon, how do you feel about it? Brandon, uh oh. We lose Brandon. I see him. Trader Risky, let's move on to you. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about the matter? <laughs> Drop, I completely spaced on what we're talking about. <laughs> I can't get anybody's uh, comments here. Brandon's missing. Trader Risky's space again. Okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'll move no, on. With this. Sorry, Jeff. I was just, first of all, I did, uh, you can roll the first place prize over to next week. Oh. I took it down. Oh, wow. Okay, congratulations. Okay, well, uh, let, let me con- let me continue with this. Sorry, Jeff. Just say what we were talking about real quick. <laughs> no, I was just asking. I, I was asking your opinion on uh, who's right or wrong here. Do you, do, do, as far as Nagy or Jonathan Little, how, how do you feel about this? Oh, I, no, I think Nagy has every right. I mean, obviously, there's like this illegal thing going on, right? So it's not like it's a legal business. So Phil Nagy, you know. Of course, he could come to him and say something, but I don't know. If I'm Phil Nagy, I'd cut his ass too because oh, it's like say- ridiculous. I actually wouldn't have. See, if I was if I was Phil Nagy, I would have actually just gone to him and said, "Can you please stop saying this?" Now, if Jonathan Little gave me a big middle finger and said, "No, I'll say what I want. You're not gonna you're not gonna control me," then I'd probably cut him because I'm not gonna just let him sit here and constantly say my site is rigged. But uh, I think right. I think he would have backed Trump, down. But hold on, because. If I'm Phil, if I'm Phil, I'm thinking that it's not like, can you stop saying this? It's like, look, if you're accusing me of, of having a ring site, then prove it. It's hard for him to prove a negative. Plus, he doesn't really have a legal leg to stand on. So that's just why he might not have even wanted to take your approach, you know, because it could have easily turned ugly. Well, the problem with his approach, with Phil, Phil Nagy's approach here, was that uh, he jumped on the wrong thing. He jumped on something like the the final thing that pissed him off was a very reasonable comment that the site is unregulated and you should not leave a whole lot of money on there. Which I see why he took it as an insult, but it is an unregulated. I mean, it's the truth. It's an unregulated site. You don't know how much money that Phil Nagy is holding for cash. Does he have separate accounts for? Uh, for, for the money that's on deposit and operational funds, who knows? He may or may not. We don't know. So it's not like Phil Nagy uh, has proof that everybody's money is safe. And we went down this road nine years ago with Full Tilt. Who would have thought before Full Tilt was broke 
and couldn't pay anybody that they didn't really have the money on deposit. So if it's happened to Full Tilt, it can definitely happen to ACR, which is a much smaller operation. So he can't be angry about that. It's a very reasonable statement. Right, but right. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm right, back. but I think it's it's that's right. I, I think it's more right. I don't think he was mad about that, and I would think he would. Oh no, he was. He, not, he was. No, he definitely was, and he was responding to people who were criticizing that. Well, he was actually saying, "No, he can go say this somewhere else if he wants." Like he was, he he. Phil Nagy messed up because he should have not reacted to that. He should have waited till the next time Jonathan Little made a comment about it being rigged. And then banned him if he wanted to ban him. Then it would be much more defensible. It's like, why should I leave someone on here who's, who's twitching to a ton of people and bitching that my site is rigged? That it's, it's terrible for business, and that's hard to argue with. So, so Brandon, sure. what, what, how do you feel about this whole thing? That's, I, I asked you when you were gone. but uh, I, I, I apologize. I was trying to find – I had to put the headset down. I was trying to find that the line from the Rakes podcast to play. And I just, I just can't do it while I'm on the radio at the same time with the two voices. It's just too much. I was trying to get that guy's quote that he's the – fraud fighter um you know what i kind of I, I know this is going to sound strange but i kind of see both sides i mean why well, do too i i guess i'd have to you know i i'm gonna be honest here i didn't know anything about any of this until the show right before it started i looked at the agenda and then i started researching it um i didn't know before so i'd have to go before i give an answer and how i really feel and, and research how bad the bashing was on his part so as much as I don't like agreeing with him, because I think he phrases things, I'm talking about Mason, sometimes kind of just in a mean, in more of a mean-spirited way than possible. Like in his in his statement there, he doesn't have to say in the beginning, "We don't like Jonathan here either." That adds nothing to, to, to you know what I mean? Like, come on, like he can just give his opinion without the you know preface that we. Yeah, he always he always loves we, that's Jonathan. that's totally a Mason thing. He loves to do things like that. Like, you don't have to do it. Like it's just being negative. But anyway, the point is uh, that. If he's doing what Mason claimed, meaning that he's twitching, using ACR constantly to promote it, and he's bashing it every day or constantly, then, yeah, I can see why. If this was like a one-off or a two-off, then, you know, maybe Nagy did emotionally overreact. But at the same time, Mason makes a point. If he's promoting his site, he's making money you know, off Twitch, and he's doing this, that, and the other, and at the same time constantly bashing the site, I could – I was the CEO. I'd be pissed too. I mean, you know, you know what I mean, or the owner. Yeah, that, that's, like, and that's what I was saying. When you, when I mean, you, if you're going to needle someone, it just depends how much, how long the needling and how much needling has gone on. Yeah, if and it's I'm been not a ton of constant. While at the same time, you're using the site to gain, you know, viewers, money, you know, marketing, promoting all that. Then yeah, it's kind of shitty. Yeah, I, you know, I think I think like, that what's going on here is it's not like. He's not constantly bashing him, but it's it's like whenever he takes a beat there against one of the site pros, he'll make some snide comments about, uh, oh look, the shills got me again. It's funny how they I can't ever hit against them. Funny how that doesn't happen. Like yeah, it's not like joking. And so let me, let me read. Cause, see, the thing is, at some point, then it becomes all right. Listen, it's like this: if I'm bashing constantly, PFA over and over, and I'm not just talking a joke here and there. Constantly, all I do is bash. At what point wouldn't you say at the owner? Then you know what? Just leave then. Like, stop coming here. And that's kind of, in essence, what just happened. I mean, I'm just being honest. Like, yes. If I came on the – listen, think about this. If I came on the PFA, and, you you know, I know it's kind of different that I can't make money off of, but if I came on the PFA and most of what I wrote was just trashing your site that you work hard and you use your own time and money, resources, neglect your family for at times, and I just – all I do is trash <laughs> what you're doing and, and, and your site, at some point, don't – 
yourself getting fed up and just saying, you know what, I'm just going to ban him then. Well, you would, I, I, no, I, I, I have. I've banned a few people, not many, but I, I've yeah. I've expressed I've expressed totally to people, and I've expressed to people on this site how I feel about like people who criticize me. I, I call this a free speech site. To, I'd have to literally see concrete information on how much bashing is going on, the tone of it, what was exactly said, and so on and so forth. If this is an ongoing long-term thing, then the guy's definitely within his rights. Well, I, I, I heard that it's... was just kind of said with emotion when, when Jonathan Little maybe has had some losing sessions or some, some you know, run bad, then you know maybe he, he should have more thick skin. It's just kind of hard to know without knowing the exact dialogue that went well, on. Well, okay, I, I told you, I've heard some of the... I've heard some examples of it and it wasn't joking and it was definitely like implying he was rigged uh but how often it's going on i'm not sure like like like, like how but many you times you know what you of all people you did the same thing I, and when i played you you did you were known for it when you know you took a bat poker stars now whether you're kidding or joking it didn't matter but you'd write things such as side is joke or gay yeah or yes yeah, yeah no i did no I, but i you know there was a difference though i wasn't uh streaming i wasn't representing anyone i wasn't uh i wasn't uh making any money other than the poker games themselves well, sure but and the point i'm making is those kind of comments though in general aren't new there have been tons of people but again you're right at the same time, you know, people that have in the past said things like that. You know, I remember Mattisau losing, you know, taking bad beats on Phil Tilt and saying online poker is rigged in the chat as a full, you know, as, as a sponsored Full Tilt Pro. So none of that stuff's new, but maybe, you know, it, it's just different because those elements such as Twitch and, you know, other revenue streams of promotion weren't around years ago. Yeah, and and also, I still think the solution should have been him just going. If he was unhappy with stuff Jonathan Little was saying, just go to him and say, uh, "Hey, can you knock this off? Because if you, if you think it's rigged, don't play here. And if you don't think it's rigged, then then please stop saying or implying that because it's it's killing the business. And then then Jonathan Little really can't have much to say back to that. But ban we don't him, know. We don't know if any of that's happened. No, I don't so think it's, it's, it, they've been going back and forth. It doesn't look like it did. It looked like it was well, an emotional we thing. We don't. Okay, I mean, so you're saying you kind of know factually that that neither party reached out to each other. It, it, it looks. Any- it looks. Like, it wasn't explicitly said they didn't, but in the back and forth, nobody said it's yeah. happened, so it likely has not. So, so I think they have not. Well, I, it looked like an emotional decision. It looked like it looked like Phil Nagy kind of just took it all this time and was getting more and more pissed, and then like a, com- a comment which is actually kind of harmless about don't leave too much money on here. That was the straw that broke the camel's back and made him do it. Okay, so, well, I have to ask. For our listeners and for myself, of course, since we did uh, somewhat broach the subject, now curiosity has got the best of me. Uh, why does Mason Malamuth and you know when he says we here, he's really talking about him? But whatever. Why does Mason Malamuth not like Jonathan? Okay, Little? Well, well, we're going to get to that. So, but let me, oh, okay. let, let, let me read. I'm going to read Jonathan Little's statement, and then we'll get to the Mason thing. So here's his statement, and he posted this on Two Plus Two. By the way, he's not a band on Two Plus Two. He, his name on 2 plus 2 is Fiery Justice. He's been there for a long time. But he doesn't post much anymore, and you'll, you'll hear shortly why they don't like each other. I was curi- Everybody was curious about that at the beginning. So this is what Jonathan posted, not about Mason, but about the situation. He said, long story short, about two years ago, an ACR shill, parentheses, a pro who's paid by ACR to promote them, said your money is safer in ACR than in a U.S. bank. Now, let me stop right here. 
that's already putting it in kind of an offensive way, an ACR shill. Like, why put it that way? Why not just say an ACR-sponsored pro? Why, why put it in a negative? Because he's needling them. Yeah. I, mean, so, yeah. Uh, I then made a YouTube video. I make lots of them outlining the risks of keeping substantial money in an unlicensed and unregulated illegal gambling site. Phil Nagy started randomly trolling slash being malicious to me on Twitter, so I blocked him, as I do with all trolls. Another ACR shill then made a YouTube video that contained many blatant lies about me to an attempt to discredit me. They brought up the 14-year-old incident, actually a 12-year-old incident, where I shared my full tilt account with a friend to take advantage of my 100% rake back. I was banned for, I was banned for this, and full tilt took the 250k from my account. I apologized. Full tilt later unbanned me. I had the largest online cash of my life. I cashed it out. It arrived in my bank account two days before Black Friday. In my in my content, I often use this incident as an example of what not to do because it was obviously a horrible mistake by a young idiot, Jonathan Little. This is Tim talking about himself. Uh, the, the video made to discredit me claimed a multi-account, which was not true, among other things. Okay, so I, I agree this was minor and a long time ago, and we shouldn't hold this against him. Moving on. After COVID, he means COVID, but he wrote COVID, which is kind of weird. Uh, I, I started streaming my Sunday sessions on ACR. When people asked why I would play on an unlicensed, unregulated, illegal site, I made it clear they have lots of tournament volume and they have a great marketing department, a.k.a. the site is super soft. I also made it clear when people asked that, that they should not keep substantial money on any unlicensed or unregulated, illegal gambling site. I did this keeping one day's worth of tournament buy-ins in my account at all times. Uh, I, I told people that if they play on a legal site, they should play it over the illegal ones. Okay, so that part's all reasonable. And I, I see why it may annoy Phil, but that, that you can say. You can say it's safer to play on, on uh, legalized sites, that uh, if that's your option. I, I wouldn't say you should play over illegal ones. It's, it's at, if everything else is equal, then yes. If, if the games are just as good on the legal ones and you have access to them, then yeah, play on the legal the case, ones. But that's not the case. So that's, so, that's the misleading part. Yeah, that's a very misleading part. I mean, I'll tell you, I'm playing on ACR now just because – since we've been in this pandem- pandemic, I've been playing more and more online poker, and uh, WSOP just isn't cutting it for me. Yeah, right. So sometimes that- I'll be up at a certain time, and I want to play, and there's no games. Yeah. I'm getting tired of – now that I've played a lot over the six months, and I know the games that are good, the games that are bad, and it's just I, – I need more. Yeah. And, you know, so, and I don't have – for someone like me especially, I don't even have – illegal sites I can you – know, I don't have a ton of illegal sites I can choose between. I don't have Bovada. You know, I don't have uh, – Ignition. I have basically this and bet online. Yeah, you know, for legal sites. Yeah, but, so yeah. he goes on to say, I streamed roughly twelve weeks, answering these same questions many times, and I eventually wrote something like, "Do not keep money in unlicensed sites that you care about," because I was tired of answering the same question over and over. I had a video of Maggie Simpson sucking that I would put up when I got outdrawn saying naggied again. It was clearly a joke. When anyone said or mentioned the site is maybe rigged, I always said I do not think it's rigged or that I'm being cheated in any way. And you know what? Now that I think about it more, though, I I can see what this guy did. It's one thing to, you know, be constructive in your criticism. But if he's literally – if he has 60,000 or so viewers, whatever you call tweet twitchers, whatever you call it, and he's even – in any way inferring that the site may be rigged. I mean, the guy's got to protect his business. As a business owner, you understand that. I mean, that kind of, that kind of, now I'm kind of sliding a little bit towards, more towards Nagy, to be honest. I yeah. mean, you can't, yeah, what is he supposed to do? If he's like basically saying, you know, hey, there might be 
60,000 people that are watching this or, you know, half of that, that are like, you know what, honey, I'm not going to play on ACR because Jonathan Little says it's rigged or it may give somebody reservation. Yeah. I know it, it probably would me. Well, and this, I, like, and this isn't getting, him. right. And this isn't getting enough attention. What's getting all the attention is, oh, he's saying you should get, get your money off the site and Nagy doesn't like that and, and Nagy banned him. It, it's really not about that. That may have been the final straw, but that was yeah. not the, that's not the main thing that, that, that is going on here. That's, that's the stuff that, Little was saying that was right and okay to say. What's not okay to say is all the stuff implying it's rigged. And by the way, remember, he's saying right here he was just making jokes and even had like a, a some kind of video of Maggie Simpson uh, uh, sucking and putting all the Maggie suck out. Well, that's that's where you can say it's a joke. It's not a joke though. When and I have videos of this well, of, of him of him actually complaining about the shills that he never beats them. Well, so, let me ask you this: If hypothetically, if ACR was legal. And he was saying, you know, and it was uh, licensed and, you know, whatever. And that, and, and Jonathan Little was saying the same things. Couldn't that be technically construed as libel or slander? Well, if, if he's not direct about what he's saying, then no. If he's but- giving people the impression without any proof that his business is rigged and it's not fair. Would that be? Could that be possibly? Yeah. We'd have to. We'd have to ask uh, Eric Benson. No, but it's not a legal entity. So no, I, but no, no. I, I prefaced it. I prefaced it by saying if it was. But well, okay, was, I, I know, but we'd have to ask. I, I think if you don't directly say something, if you just kind of say things that have an implication to it, then uh, that's that's okay from a legal standpoint. Well, it's like, well, it's like saying if I went on your forum and I went on my Twitter and everywhere I could yell and scream when I'm in casinos and poker rooms that the WSOP.com was rigged, don't play on it, and it, it got some momentum and people were hearing me. Could could they technically sue me? If you, if, it depends on what you said. I, I believe if you just said things like it's it's funny on every other site I play on, I'm a big winner, but for some reason at WSOP.com, I miss every draw. No, I, not, I, no, but I'm going to use the word he used. I'm going to use the terminology he used and used the word rigged. No, no, but he's right? saying he's saying here that he didn't say it was that if, if asked directly that he would say it's not rigged and that that he only had he made comments like nagged again. Uh, and that's oh, what he, he never indirect. He never directly. Yeah, he never implied, directly said it. Was, okay, but but he did imply it. Like I, I as I said, he said uh, he doesn't talk about this in this response. But he 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 did. I do have him on video during one of these streams talking about how he can never hit against the shills and not in a joking way. But he's like really uh, strongly implying it's rigged. So that's uh, so. Let me let me go on what he's writing here. What once I made a Bitcoin cash out. I made a poll on social media asking how much money would arrive in my Bitcoin account because there was a few-day waiting period between when I cashed out and when it arrives, and you get a different amount than you asked for due to the currency fluctuations. It turned out they did not cheat me in any way besides taking a few days longer than they said it would, and I made it clear that they did everything correctly. Well, I don't know why he's even writing that. That was not uh, part of the complaint here. So as far as I can tell, ACR banned me for speaking poorly about their site more often than not. Okay, that that's actually probably true. Uh, while, while I certainly do not feel entitled to play on any site, it seems quite aggressive to ban someone for saying they do not like you. Of course, I imagine that they have in their terms they can ban people for any reason. I was told by their support that I would be cashed out in full, and then he goes on to say that he'll let you know if it doesn't happen. So he says, Mason, pertaining to your post, I was not recruiting anyone from his site, although my screen name was my training site's name. I have been told by many people who saw me stream that they started playing on ACR because they realized it was the best of the unregulated options, as I often stated – which I thought was true before today. Hopefully this has not set a precedent that it's fine to ban people because of the social media content. So I, I agree with him at the end there that he says that, well, two things. First, I do think he probably did bring some business to ACR 
because they saw him playing there, even when he made his snide comments about uh, how he can't beat the Chills, uh, just because they saw him playing and presumably saw him winning, uh, it brought it, it did bring attention to it, and probably they probably did have some signups because of him, and uh, he also now he made money also because of because of the Twitch stream, so that's he can't say that ACR didn't benefit him back. It did, but and, and also that this does set a precedent. So even though I totally agree, just like Brandon, that, that Nagy had a right to be pissed and that Jonathan Little was doing some inappropriate things, uh, I, I still think you've really got to watch out for banning people for criticism, even unfair criticism, because uh, this is something that other sites don't do and that other sites have had to deal with rig accusations and other things like that have been going on, which they hate, but they put up with because that's just part of running an online site and it's sure. very bad precedent to ban people. So that's, that's how I feel. Now let's get to the Mason Malmuth thing. Well, I'll tell you one other thing real fast that you did. I asked you earlier if it was cash games tournaments and something you read there, uh, it was tournaments. That's going to hurt him to a degree, or at the very least it's going to, it's going to annoy him because uh, as an American, assuming, you know, he doesn't ever travel to play on any of the other sites like in Canada or Mexico, that's his ba- and he's a tournament, you know, he's mainly a tournament type player. That's going to kill his main pool of like significant, you know, volume tournaments. You know, there's no other option for him to find tournaments where there's going to be thousands of people playing at once. Yeah. That, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's not, there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. What, is, what, what kind of volume does Bovada get? I mean, they don't get thousands of people regularly for small, medium, and large buying tournaments, do they? I don't. I even looked. Uh, Trader Risky, you play the tournaments there. What? What? Do they get oh, a lot of people? Quit. They stole his money. Oh they, no! But he used to. He played. Well, for, they took for, my, for, yeah. Wait, before or after they stole my? Before, before they stole your money. Before they stole. Before they stole your money. Like, what was the action there? Bitches. Yeah, I mean, it certainly. It was probably about maybe sixty percent of both of uh, ACR. Okay. Now, now Trader Risky, real fast. He can be our on the on the spot. Uh, ACR man on the street. How long have you been playing on ACR now, Trader Ruski? I guess about a month. And this is your first time in the history of uh, yeah. your yeah. poker career. What are your one month on? What are your thoughts? Uh, constructive now, positive and negative. Be fair. Don't be a shell of uh, ACR. It's been good. You know, I mean, cash outs have happened right away. Um, there's a lot of different huh. tournaments. I just, good little bit, Trader Ruski, was that the ACR pop-up window I just heard in the background right now? It was. Oh, look at him. Trophy's chilling. We're down, we're down to, a we're down to 22. Uh, yeah, Jonathan, Jonathan Little's not going to like him. Hold on. Wait, hold on. You're deep in an ACR tournament right now while we're talking about ACR? That's it. Don't you think maybe you should recuse yourself from this, or do you think you can still talk about this uh, independently? Without, I, you know, I think I just talk about it. So you know what? I, I, I think I think you better say positive things right now, or you're going to get nagged. <laughs> All right, listen, you don't have to tell us uh, your name, but I do want to sweat you now. If you say there's 22 left, what what is the tournament that you're on? I want to try to find you here, and I encourage all other listeners live to support our trader Ruski. Uh, what's the buy-in? What's it's, the tournament? Uh, Let's see. It's called the Mo 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 PKO number thirty-eight. I guess it's like a tournament. It's a Mo 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 PKO number thirty-eight, fifteen K guaranteed. Oh my gosh! Okay, so thirteen hundred forty-four. And look at you. Hold on. Let me see if I can find you. Why why do you say look at you if you can't see him yet? 
I see him right Ooh. now. Oh, look at him. You're in, uh, let's see what place you're in. Does he even tell you? Okay, I see you. I see. Oh, and you know, the one thing Trader Ruski does like about this uh, site, and I didn't even know about this, and I've had this so- software for years, is uh, this may be the first. I don't know. Does any other site do this? When you cash in a tournament, even if you mint cash and you're still in, it will immediately credit to your account the amount that you're going to get once you bust every time you go up in levels. So you're oh, in a tournament. I see. So you can start shooting it off before. That's, before that, that, that's actually smart. That's actually smart to, to yes, already give is. you the money. It's ingenious. I, I, when I saw that, when he told me about it, I'm like, I can't believe back in the day, stars or anywhere else never thought of that. Right. So, so these people get, they, they, yeah, they could be, they can so like, be broke before the tournament's even over. Yes. Exactly. If you're Chino, if you're Chino, every spot you advance, you can immediately hop over to the live Baccarat tables, <laughs> lose it, and then have to go to get another page enough just to be able to. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine there's probably someone that's gone broke or close to broke that's won a tournament before they even won the tournament, yeah, like that's, with the that's, money they that's, get that's from pretty, winning the tournament? That's pretty amazing. All right, yeah. let, let's uh, let's, let's see, before I get into the Mason Malma thing, let's take a call here. I think it's bad guy. Caller, you're on the air. What's up? Bad guy, what's going on? Bad guy? Yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, buddy, it's it's Drexel. Uh, I know. I hear you guys. I hear you guys. I, I want to talk about ACR for a second here. Yeah, I'm go ahead. Tell you something about. I'm going to tell you something about Phil Nagy. Yeah. Hold on. Let me turn. Well, this hold down. on. We got to yeah, 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 kill the show in the background. Turn turn the show off here. Yeah, I don't understand why it was still on. Hold up. You have to give the disclaimer, Druff, that bad guys' opinions do not reflect PFA, Brandon. Yeah, Drexel, make sure they reflect. They don't reflect PFA at all. Greater risky. These are his own opinions, Druff. Am I right? <laughs> They're 100 percent his own. They're from the residential you know, neighborhood well, in Pittsburgh. I, I gotta make sure Trader Ruski loses, man. He just beat me heads up in your tournament. I wish he would start paying <laughs> like ACR pays, man. I got second place today. What the fuck is going on here? Jesus. No, I'm being serious that was though here. Bad guys. That, that, that's always me, too, sweet, two, three, two, three. Listen, man, that ACR back in the day, it wasn't ACR then. Bookmaker used to have a poker room. And when you guys were talking about this, I'm not saying Nagy's a cheat or nothing, but ask him who Anthony is. You want, you really want to get under his skin? These no, motherfuckers we used to... We don't well, want I to do. get under... Okay, well, well I'm going to tell you something, man. They used to have guys there playing that worked at the freaking place, man, like... That that's how small their poker room was. They had a poker room in the sports book. Phil, if you're listening, you know what I'm talking about. Ask him who Anthony is. I think he was trying to take after Tony. I mean, he called himself Anthony. It was him, man. And he was always on there playing. This guy would come in if you won big in the if you won big on sports, this motherfucking Anthony guy come in and just lick your fucking chops, man. There was there was super using going on in poker before any of this other shit went on. I'm telling you guys. Well, let me ask. I you, swear to so you guys, bad guy. Other than the sports books, have you played whether it's cash game sit and goes MTTs on ACR ever or yes, recently? Always. Yeah. Okay. Do you trust it? I I do trust it, man. I actually do. I 100 percent trust it. Yeah. I trust it more than I trust Bet Online's poker. Just so you know that they got a bunch of Belarus motherfuckers on there. The Belarus, okay, yeah, the, the Belarus ones no, are, pro- they're probably bo- those are probably it's bots. Good that you're, it's good that you're telling me that because outside of WSOP, my only other options here in Nevada are ACR or Bet Online. And I actually listen, to me. You, you listen you, you're better than me at poker, man. So it could just be me. But I, I was laughing when you guys were talking about 
And then you brought up how Druff always says, like, when he get bad beats, everybody says shit like that. I guess I don't say it publicly, but anytime you're losing on a site, you're like, this fucking shit's rigged. I mean, even on your site, people probably say it, Druff. They probably think Belly Buster's rigging shit. They probably think that uh, it's rigged for the yeah, radio host. Well, Trey Ruski won tonight. Well, Trey I mean, wins, and, and Cal White always wins when he plays. Yeah, it's, uh, it might right. be rigged. No, it's just how it is, man, in any site. But I'm telling you, back in the day, I don't know if they were super using or if Phil Nagy was that good, but he was definitely involved back in the day, and he called himself Anthony. That was his name on the freaking site. There was hardly any players on the site, man, so you guys don't even know about it, man. I mean, I'm let, telling let, you the so, truth. Let me ask you one other question real fast, since you seem to know way more than me. Um, I live in Las Vegas, obviously. I have access to three different sportsbook accounts that I have on my phone, uh, you know, casinos, legal books. If I ever found a line, I probably wouldn't, but if I, if I ever found a line now that football season has started and I am going to be betting more on WPN that was better than what I could find in Vegas, what kind of limits do they give somebody with no uh, no history sports betting-wise? Are you talking about on, on the poker site? Yeah, on WPN, the sportsbook that's I- on ACR. Yeah, what well, kind of they're, limits they're owned by bookmaker, man. So I mean, I don't, I, I, I bet sports on there. I haven't bet high, but they have a sports book. I, if it's bookmaker, bookmaker give you the highest limits there is. So wait, bookmaker so, dot com. I don't know if they have that poker room anymore because I thought they got away from it, and then he went on his own. Listen, bookmaker and ACR are the same company. Okay, you, know, you ever hear bookmaker dot ag? Yes, when I but when I log into their casino online, it, it just says, I don't know what Bookmaker AG looks like, so I don't know if it's the same software. It just connects and it says WPN, then it says sports.dpn. Right. Is that is that a third-party site that they're using? No, listen, Bookmaker, this is what I know, but I think they might have got away from them, but they still use all the, they still use their bookmaking software for sure. Bookmaker and ACR used to be hand-in-hand. Like they, okay. the, when it was when it was called, that used to be hand in hand. I don't know if it still is. I think it's. I think they still use the same processes, and definitely they use the same sports book. I don't know if their limits are the same anymore. But back in the day, you could transfer from bookmaker right to it, it was a, it was like another skin. So you could have the WPN network or the ACR America's Card Room, but you could have a bookmaker account, and it, it's the same. It's the same exact card room. Is what I, was trying. I don't know if they still do that on Bookmaker or not because I don't play there anymore. But you guys can look it up. I mean, Bookmaker well, I was just, take any bet. You I want. was just, I was just curious for somebody with no history sports wise, what their default limits would be for NFL. But anyhow, in other breaking news, I, 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 you you be able to. I mean, you're not going to be able to get like thirty grand down. No, in the, in I the just mean like if I want to bet a couple thousand. You know, okay. If you go to Bookmaker, you could. And they used to have, listen, Bookmaker and ACR were the same company at one point. And then I think Nagy, or they were getting heat from this, and I think they, like, I'm telling you guys, you can look this up. They, like, separated from each other. I don't know if they still have poker on Bookmaker or not, but it was the same sports book. They still are using them as a sports book. There's no doubt about it. I don't know if you'll get the same limits, though. In sad news... PFA Radio's Trader Ruski, after five hours and 50 minutes of play, just busted. And uh, I won't say it so no one could know exactly what his screen name is, but he just kind of busted relatively in the 20s, uh, mid-20s, high-20s in a tournament. Yeah, that's unfortunate. 
Big tournament. Played almost six hours. Trader Ruski, what was the hand you went out on, buddy? Uh oh, do we lose him? I he he so... killed himself. Yeah, yeah, I, I, PFA tournament. I busted with a with a with a pair of ducks. <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh. I couldn't find the phone. I pocket nines against um, oh. he had kings. I got. Hey, listen, I'll call back in the five dime segment if it's not okay. too late, man. All Hopefully right. you get there right. before six a.m. Right. Eastern. Thanks. Thanks for calling, right, guys. Buddy. Nice talking to you, man. All right, thank you. Thanks for the information. Okay, so let's talk about why Mason Malmuth doesn't like him. And then after that, I'm going to play a little thing from uh, Phil Nagy that he put up on Twitter, a little video he put up for like a minute. But uh, let, let's take a little detour from that and talk about Mason and Jonathan Little and what the issue is. I, I, a lot of people wondered, why doesn't he like him? What's going on in the background there? Someone's like eating a I'm microphone. I'm on mute. I'm so, on mute. Someone's eating a microphone. Someone's actually like That's chomp, chomping on a microphone. What are you doing, Trader Ruski? Here's what happened with uh, Mason and Jonathan Little. It looks like that he doesn't like Jonathan Little because he feels that Jonathan insulted him and 2 plus 2 management, and he was, quote, tired of it. But then that asked, that begged the question, okay, but why was Jonathan Little insulting 2 plus 2 management and Mason? Well, then in a subsequent post from Jonathan, he revealed that the feud actually dates back about 15 or so years he claims that Mason refused to publish his book and then went on to uh, bash future projects that he did with another publisher. This is what he said, uh, uh, at least from my perspective, this is from Jonathan Little on 2 Plus 2. You've been unhappy with me for quite a while because you're unhappy with your decision not to publish my first book when I presented it to you about 15 years ago. Once you turned it down, I went to D&B, which is another publisher, who happily accepted. The book was a success, as were my 14 other books. As proof of this, you have consistently given my work generally poor reviews while giving every other project I've been involved with with, uh, high reviews. Uh, you've, that he's referring to like that, uh, anything where Jonathan Little's name's on it, that Mason gave it a bad review, and if it was something where Jonathan just worked behind the scenes, then, uh, Mason would give it a high review, not knowing Jonathan was involved. And then he goes on to say, you, you also frequently take my work out of context, and it is clear you are attempting to make me look bad to hopefully better your image. I'm sorry you don't like me, and I hope you do not continue with your various attacks on me, given I do not even reference or talk about you anywhere besides exactly 2 plus 2, where you take my work out of context. So, they got into this back and forth over that. Mason denied that this happened. He said that uh, he doesn't even remember uh, rejecting his book and that uh, around 15 years ago, they got tons of offers from people to write for them, which I believe because the poker boom was at full swing at that point and uh, 2 Plus 2 was a very big uh, publisher of poker content then, so there's probably a lot of people who wanted to publish through 2 Plus 2. So he's Mason saying, I don't even remember you submitting that. And uh, I, I asked... Uh, uh, Matt Sklansky or someone else that works with him, he said he, he didn't remember it either. And so they, Mason was basically denying that that has anything to do with it. And they went back and forth, back and forth. But it, it all has something to do with that. Mason did admit that he gave some bad reviews to some of Jonathan Little's work, but he said, hey, you, you know, I just didn't think it was very good. Uh, so they, they went back and forth in this petty squabble that uh, I actually lost interest in after after reading it for a while. I, they've written a lot more than I've read, and I'm probably not even going to read it. Uh, Mason snuck in a slam against Poker Fraud Alert in one of the posts, which is weird because this all has nothing to do with Poker Fraud Alert or me, as you can tell. But uh, when 
when uh, Jonathan wrote about Phil Nagy, hopefully this does not set a precedent that it is fine to ban people because of their social media content. Mason wrote, there are lots of reasons to ban people because of the social media content. Recently, we decided to let some poker podcasts have a thread on our MVG forum, but I told another website owner, and you can see the post here, that we would not allow him to have a thread for his podcast. And this is referring to Poker Fraud Alert, and you can go read uh, that thread uh, from that link where Mason's telling me that it, that specific post he's linking that because of certain content in the forum that uh, that he's not going to allow this podcast to be there. Now, this was a, a cheap shot for Mason to take at me because I have nothing to do with any of this stuff going on. I had not even that's comment- what I That's what I was referencing before when I said the preface of we here don't like. It's just un- – does he not see a lot of – just the way he comes across is so just at times mean spirited. Yeah, I know. Necessarily mean spirited. What I said to like him, you can you can have a stance. You don't have to like everyone, but it's like you know that old adage that you know be the better person. You know, blah blah blah. You know, he's he doesn't want to be that person. It's like he he comes across as being spiteful, and you know what I mean. Like it just it's so much vile that doesn't. That's unnecessary, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. And, you know and, what I mean? Well, I wrote to him there. The funny thing is the thread he's referring to is actually the best that we have gotten along in a long time. In that thread, I actually conceded to him that he doesn't owe Poker Fraud Alert anything. I said, if you want to have it on your site, that's great. If you don't, then this is your decision, and you don't owe me anything. And I'll know, and I, I, I I'll say that right up front. And, uh, and then at one point in the thread later on, he actually admitted that I, I quote, uh, am a man of some talent – referring to this yep. show, which is the best thing he's ever said about me. So that was the best we've ever gotten along was in that thread, and now he's making reference to it, like, like posturing that uh, they chose not to carry the Poker Fraud Alert show because of our content. Like, wh- why bring this up? This has nothing to do with any of this. Well, this is just taking I mean. a shot. He's just, he doesn't... I don't... Yeah, if, if, I mean, talk about... I, I, I was shocked to see I was mentioned there because I had not commented on this anywhere you yet. You know, I guess the best way to say it is for someone that has accomplished, you know, we can't like him or not. You can't disagree. He has, you know, he has numerous accomplishments and contributions to the poker world. But for someone, you know, as accomplished as, as him, how does he not realize he comes across as, as bitter and petty so often? Yeah. He's not very I mean, self-aware. Don't you agree? Like, yeah, I'm just yeah, being honest. Like yeah, I'm not, he, I'm not, I'm past the silly games and all, all that stuff with him. But like, it just, he doesn't need to, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's just mind-boggling. Like yeah, I don't know. For someone who's obviously intelligent, how does he not know he just comes across as being mean-spirited and ugly? Yeah, he's so just off. He's just he not very self-aware. It, yeah, it's, it's just I don't get it. I don't know. I don't understand it. Yeah, so, but anyhow, so, yeah, anyhow. So that that was that was a little side note there. Now, now let me play what Phil Nagy said. So for those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm a big proponent of happiness, EB. Uh, yeah, I do funny things like mo, 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 and the high five, and, uh, and, and, and I like to have a good time. Uh, that being said, I take business very, very seriously. Uh, and I, th- I think our history proves itself that, that we're, we're, we're here and we've been weathering the storm dealing cards. Uh, after watching Jonathan Little's videos, I realized they didn't make me happy, and... There was not a world where I was going to win him over or make him happy, uh, unless, unless, you know, it's, ACR got regulated, in which case he wouldn't be dealt cards by us anyway. So he wouldn't be happy again. Uh, so when you're, when you're in a no-win situation or drawing dead, <clears throat> you fold the hand. 
that's that, that, that's all. I, I was just, I was in a no win no win situation and backed into a corner with uh, uh, and, and and I folded the hand. Would you do any different? First of all, he shouldn't be making these stupid poker analogies. I, I hate when people do that. But putting that aside. He didn't have a choice. He wasn't backed into a corner. He 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 made an emotional decision that he was just tired of hearing this shit and, and banned him. That's what happened here. He wasn't forced to do this. And as I said, he could have gone to Jonathan Little and said and asked, uh, "Please stop this." And I didn't realize before Jonathan Little made his post that they already had some history that uh, that Jonathan Little had blocked him before. So I guess that's what prevented the dialogue. But let me ask you real fast, for my knowledge and also your listeners, uh, if you could do it briefly, if you even know. What is the history behind Phil Nagy? What do we know of him? I, he's obviously a, is he, he's an American. Where did he get his start? How does he have a company that he owns and he's a CEO all of a sudden? Like what? How I don't did he know. Get to where he is now? I, I don't. I don't. I don't have that information. I, I I wonder that too. But I I've never attempted. We don't know to where read. he went to college. No. Where he grew up. No, I know very little I, about him other than uh, his time at ACR. That's all. Where, I know. Where is ACR based? Where does he live? Maybe Costa Rica, something like that. Do we know if he's an American even? No, but he probably is. So it's safe to say he probably can never come back to the United States in his lifetime. Yeah, there's a good chance of that. Okay. No, no, I'm not saying that as a joke. I just no, it's not a joke. I don't think I've ever read a biography about. No, I haven't either. No, it's a good point. Curious to know if he got his start working for another site or you know what he did to become who he is now. That's a good question, and maybe one of the listeners knows. But uh, in fact, if, right. you go, if you guys know it, you can text me, 775-FRAUD-55, uh, 775-372-8355. You can uh, text that, and I will uh, read it on the air if you know that uh, if you know the history behind Phil Nagy himself and what he did before ACR. Now, there is something in recent history that has come out from Phil Nagy that doesn't look very good. On December 7th, 2019, just nine months ago, Phil Nagy wrote this. Wow, I just read a post where someone got banned for talking bad about a site. My personal opinion is this is bad form as people make a living playing poker and to take someone's livelihood for being vocal about non-standard terms and conditions is like you have a gob complex. <laughs> I have had people call me every bad name in the book. Joe Ingram voiced many opinions about Winning Poker Network and myself. After after talking, he was right on some things and some clarification was needed on others, but never would I take someone's ability to make a living for disagreeing with me. And yes, I'm on a hot monkey tilt about this, and if you're not, you, you should be. Where are the regulators on something like this? Never say anything bad about us or you're dead to me. Let's go burn some books while we're at it. So he was, I'm not even sure what he was referring to there, but he was very, very emphatic about something that happened in December with another site where they, they banned someone. Uh, I don't even sure which, which one it was, but, uh, he claimed that, uh, this is getting very angry and then he does it in September 2020, just nine months after writing that. So that's, uh, that is something that really makes him look like a big hypocrite. And I guess it's one of these things where, when you're on the outside and you're watching somebody else's psyche criticized and you watch the owner take action against them, that it's a lot easier to criticize that owner's action until you're dealing with it. Now, he claimed that he dealt with it from Joey Ingram and didn't ban him. That's true, but I think he didn't ban Joey Ingram because he knew Joey Ingram was right about a lot of the stuff, like about the bots and everything. Like He knew he had a bot problem, and if his response was to ban Joey Ingram, that would have looked really terrible. So he, he had to kind of address it with Joey in a more cordial way. He was pissed off about it, but he had to do it. 
He can't just ban him because Joey's pointing out that there's tons of bots on the site. There were tons of bots on the site. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing someone in the thread saying that it is in Costa Rica, but again, I still don't know his background, which, which is an interesting question. And I never really thought of before, but it's, it's a good question. So that happened and that made Phil not look very good. And, uh, that's, Pretty much where we stand at the moment here, and uh, as far as I know, Jonathan Little's still not back on the site yet, and they still have the issues back and forth, and we'll see if uh, Phil Nagy eventually budges. As far as how the poker community is taking it, it's kind of split, and you can kind of see why. There's some people who think this is awful and are bagging on Phil Nagy and saying this is terrible and ACR is crap and we should boycott ACR, and there's others saying, no, Jonathan Little deserved it. He shouldn't say shit like this, referring to the stuff about about the site being rigged and all that. So there's some people who say, yeah, this is totally within his rights and it makes sense and uh, Jonathan shouldn't have been saying these things and uh, he only has himself to blame. So there, there's really... I see both sides of this and... So there, do I. And, and so does Brandon and there's and there's a lot of number of people who see both sides and there's a number of people who don't see both sides but are on either side. Where there's, so this is really a split one and this one is not that easy to say there's a clear-cut person who is right or wrong. You can kind of be in each person's shoes and, and understand why they're frustrated. Uh, Trader Ruski, final thoughts before we move on? His final he thoughts is. are he's he's depressed that he busted. Trader Ruski. Will we lose the Ruski? All right. I don't know. Trader Ruski, he just, uh, he must be licking his wounds and they don't say the words ACR. It's, it's traumatizing me. I just busted. I just, I could have been first place. I could have been a ACR champion. Okay. Let, let, I want to move on here to talk about the 21 Blitz story, which uh, I know will interest Brandon because Brandon plays it himself. In fact, he played it more than I, I thought he did. So here, here's here's the story of 21 Blitz. And uh, the I just broke 12,000 recently for the first time ever. Oh, yeah, the points you're saying? Yeah, that's yeah. I, I've never done that. I've like 11 something there, but I actually haven't played it in about six months. And I'll explain. Well, I'll explain it took me that about too. three years, but yep, I'll explain that too. So I want to explain 21 Blitz to people so you understand and. It, it, I'll tell you something I don't understand about it in a second about why more people don't know about it. But 21 Blitz is run by a company called Skills. That's S-K-I-L-L-Z. And it is an app that you would download uh, on the App Store for your phone. You cannot play it on computer. 21 Blitz is a card game. It was very, very heavily advertised. I was finding so many 21 Blitz ads in games I would play on my phone. And I'm not talking about any kind of card games or gambling games. I'm just saying you know, just games, regular games on my iPhone. And, and when you'd watch ads to get extra power-ups or whatever, I would get so many ads for 21 Blitz. I must have watched hundreds of those before actually downloading the, uh, the, the app. And part of the reason I didn't have interest to get it at first was that I wasn't quite understanding what it was. At first I was thinking it was something where you, you're getting paid to watch ads. You're, you're, you're getting, like, you're earning money slowly. Like, you, you play the game for free and then you watch ads in the middle. I, I kind of thought that's how you do it. You accumulate, you accumulate money that way. I didn't realize it was a competitive game, kind of like the same way poker is, where you're trying to win money from other people and the house takes a rake. Had I known that, I, I actually would have downloaded it earlier and checked it out to see if it was a money-making opportunity. Well, finally, the ads worked after hammering me with hundreds of them. I said, okay, I've got to see what this is finally. So I downloaded it. And I go, oh, this is actually kind of fun. And it's a quick thing to learn. 
and the the matches are very quick. The matches typically take about two minutes each, and you can play for free. So you you can play for free. Little, they call Z on there, which is like the the free money chips on there, which aren't worth anything, but it's a good way to practice. And it's uh, a pretty simple game as far as learning how to play it. Uh, you have like four. Well, technically, that's not true. You could actually use the, and it would take you forever. But I actually built it up before I played for real money. You can play. What are they called here? You can play with the uh, play money and build up. These tickets, they're, what are they, what are the tickets called? Yeah, it's, like it's, actually, tickets. it's actually, you know, it's actually called tickets with a Z. Tickets. My tickets with a Z and then use those to redeem prizes. So for instance, I played for like the first, I don't even know, year and a half without ever depositing and I earned about $25,000 or $25,000 of these tickets which I could have redeemed for a dollar in bonus. Yeah, I was gonna cash. say it's like two dollars. Yeah. Well, it's not much, but I'm well, I'm just saying. But I had to play a lot. Like you know, if you were playing religiously, you know, six eight hours a day, you could, in essence, you know. Yeah. Okay. Technically, you could, but it would take so long to get like a dollar. Right. Okay. I'm just pointing that out. Yeah. Okay. So so anyway, the, they you can play there for this Z and, and and learn it. And basically, the way the game works is you have these. Uh, it, it kind of looks like solitaire, but it isn't solitaire. But it has kind of uh, it's kind of solitaire like. You have these lanes of cards where you you can drop you you draw a card you have to drop it in one of uh, several lanes there I think like four lanes that are that are there, and uh, the goal is to make twenty one you know like like blackjack it works in that way it works exactly like blackjack like an ace and a jack is twenty one uh, an eight and eight and a five would be twenty one anything that adds up to twenty one then clears the lane and you get points for it. Then there's other ways to get points like if you can get uh, six cards uh, together, then it will give you 600 points. So that's that's a good thing to do. If you get a lot of small cards, it doesn't matter if they add up to 21 or not, you'll get those. Or you can actually get 1,000 points by making six cards that also add up to 21. So you can try to go for that. And then uh, you'll get a bonus based upon how much time is left. You have a three-minute timer, and the faster you do it, the more bonus points you get for time remaining. And there's other some other strategy elements to it. There's two wild well, cards, both both jacks that are both of the black jacks in the deck, not blackjack, but you know both jacks that are black in color are wild cards. And but, but uh, the biggest the biggest key to getting a high score is getting a run of obviously of twenty ones. The more that you get in a row, if you can get a string of five or six, you know, in a row. You're going to get a, a very good score. You get seven or eight on a lucky run. You're going to have a massive score. Well, right. That's, so, so, that's right, the so, biggest multiplier. Is and the key is you could have seventeen twenty ones, but if you don't have any that are back to back or only one or two, your score is going to be mediocre. Yeah. You have to get them in runs. Yes, and and, and so what and what Brandon means is like if you if you make two twenty ones like exactly back to back, where let's say you have two elevens out there and then you get a ten and a ten, so you put a ten on the first one and a ten on the second one. Uh, that would be considered back to back, so you get a 250 point bonus. If you make three in a row, then on, uh, you get the 250 and then 500 for the next one. Then if you get four in a row, you get 250, 500, then 750. If you make uh, four in a row, then you get 250, 500, 750, 1000. So you keep, you keep accumulating these bonus points if you get in a row. So yes, the more 21s you make in a row, or the, or anything you do in a row, the wild card, a 21, a, a six, uh, uh, of six, anything that clears a lane, uh, is considered, uh, 
working towards the bonus. And the other thing that, that's important to know is whoever you're playing has the exact same run of cards that you do. Yeah, the exact same so, deck, yeah. Yeah, the exact same deck with the exact cards coming out at the same time. So there's no advantage there. Um, meaning, so if you get a bad run of cards, you have to remember your opponent's going to get the same bad run. Yes, and, you know? and, 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 you're, and you may wonder, how do you get this opponent? It, it actually matches you with, and I'll get to the matching thing in a second. That's actually a big part of this story. It matches you with what's supposed to be a random opponent or semi-random. And uh, it, it is a real human being you're playing against. And the uh, and, and then you're competing with the exact same deck in the exact same order. And whoever has the higher score wins. So that's, that's how the game works. And as I said, you can play for, uh, for these Z things, which is the free games. Or you can deposit real money and play real money matches, which are very high rake. By the way, the, the rake is very high on these, especially at the lower stakes. The percentage of rake that comes out is uh, is pretty insane. Like for example, the lowest stakes you can play is the uh, is the 60, six, 60, sixty cent match, where you're you're each putting in sixty cents, and then one of you will win forty, one of you will lose sixty. I'm talking about cents, and the house will take twenty. So that's that's <laughs> that's pretty bad. That you're you're winning sixty cents, and the house is taking a third. So that's that's pretty brutal. Uh, so so the uh, I'm talking about what you're winning, not what you're getting your money. You guess you're getting your own money back, but I'm saying the money you're winning, they're actually taking a third. Now it's not as bad as you go up in stakes, but it's still always high as you go up, and that will figure into this uh, story as well. So I saw this and I thought, okay, there's definitely a skill element to this. I definitely have to practice and learn it for myself. I immediately tried to Google uh, for tips for 21 Blitz, and surprisingly. It came up blank, and I'm like, how could something that is so heavily advertised and seems to have a lot of players, how can there be no like no strategy written up for it? But there wasn't any, so I said, okay, I'll have to figure this out myself. So I, I practiced it. I mentioned it to Brandon, and uh, he started playing. And I also had wondered how many other. Actually, that's not what happened. I, I you didn't learn it from me. I thought you did. I learned it because well. You had made a post on your other website about it that that you thought it was beatable, and there was discussion about it. Or maybe you didn't make the post. Somebody no, made I a did. Post I did make. The, I did make a post there. Yes, that was my post. Yeah, and that's how I. That's oh, how I learned okay, about okay. it. And that's well. And then we talked about it later. But if I hadn't read that post, that's what you. Yeah, you get it. You get okay. Well, in a way, yeah. I told you. I just told you through yeah, the post. Well, yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I didn't know you got it through the post, but whatever. Okay. So yeah. anyway, we. Uh, I, I was wondering if it was beatable. And the reason I thought this is because it's a skill game, it's a card game, and I also thought, hey, if maybe people don't know about this. Maybe this is something that isn't really known in the advantage play world, in the poker world, and this is where you'd expect the good players to come from, the good blackjack card counters, uh, those type of people, the good poker players. These are all people you would expect to adapt to beat it. This is why, like, open-faced Chinese, which isn't really poker... Who are the great open face Chinese players? It's just randoms. No, it's it's people who were good at, right. at poker. So, oh, so, and one other thing, uh, just so people do know, they have high stakes. Like you could play for hundreds of dollars a single match. Yes, if uh, I mean it's not like this is just oh sixty cents and the high stakes are five bucks. They're they're I've, I've never played. I never will. But they're I think what is two hundred dollars? It's actually is high. That? It's actually higher. There's secret matches that are higher that unlock once you've played the highest they have to wow. offer. So so uh, so they. There, there, there are uh, semi-high stakes there, especially as you can play them very fast, so it really adds up quickly. And that will definitely figure big time in the story I'm about to tell you. 
So I was really wondering, can I get good enough to rise up and beat this and have this as like a hidden opportunity to make a lot of money? So I, in fact, I kind of regretted even posting on my site, on the Vegas Casino Talk about it a little bit because uh, I was thinking maybe I should have kept it silent. But I was uh, the reason I posted there is at the time I was having a little bit of a hard time uh, doing well on there. So I'll tell you the pattern I was noticing. And I, I did improve at the game. I did learn some things since making that post of, of new strategies. And I'm not going to get into all the strategy with it. But I, I did get better and better over time practicing it. Both, you know, both at of course. Play, play money and real money. And I'll, I'll tell you how I got real money on there shortly. But uh, I, so I was, I was playing and, and I was trying to learn to get good and beat it. And I was aware the rake was very high and that may not be beatable. But uh, And there's one other thing you should know. How do they match people? Well, some of it's random, but some of it also isn't. They say that they have a fair play algorithm, and that sounds good, but sometimes fair, what others call fair is really unfair. They match you based upon what they call your skill level. So they say, oh, this is good. You're always playing against people at your own skill level, so you don't have to worry about, about experts beating you. Well, that's one way of putting it, but another way to put it is no matter how good you get, you get matched with someone who's as good as you. Uh, think of that. Let me put it a different way. Let's say you go into a poker room and there's a table with with uh, uh, a bunch of fish, but you're a fish yourself. So you sit down and play with a bunch of fish. And as you're sitting at the table, you 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 rapidly learn and get better and start crushing the fish because you just get better than them very quickly, and the fish don't really improve. What if someone in the poker room then came over and said, "Ah, ah, ah, ah we've noticed at this table that you've improved while you're here." And now you're not a fish anymore. So uh, we're moving you to this other table of tougher players. Well, why are you moving me? Just because we think you've, you've gotten better. Well, that's not fair. Well, too bad. We're, we're moving you to the player who is as good as you. And by the way, if you get better at this table and beat these people, we're going to move you to an even tougher table. You'd be pissed, right? Well, that's what basically what they, what they admit they're doing here. They actually say here that they are matching you on each match that you do. Because when you say, I want to play, say, a $5 match, they're going to look at everybody who wants to play a $5 match and match you with somebody they think is at your skill level. That's that They admit they do this. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is something they admit they do. In fact, they brag that they do this. Now, it doesn't take a genius to figure out why they do this. They do this to maximize rake because what they really hope is that people pretty much uh, who are even play each other and just rake them to death and nobody catches like out. A, just like a sports book. It's like a sports book or even like what the poker sites are trying to do by banning pros is they, they're really trying to keep the, uh, best players off. They're keeping everybody or trading. Or they just keep everyone winning half their matches. They just collect a rake and they're, they're fine. Right. That's, 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 that's the goal. So, so that's already annoying, but you can say, okay, well, you, uh, at least you still have a fair game. It's just they're, the, the way they're matching you with people kind of sucks because they're how, improving doesn't really help you because then you just end up with other people who just improved. Well, that's problem number one. Problem number two is something I came to suspect but cannot prove because I don't have their algorithm. There's no way I could have their algorithm since it's proprietary. But there's something I suspect. And and this is from a lot of experimentation uh, in in the – I'm talking about the cash games, not the the free money. The free money I got good enough to pretty much crush everybody. Like it was very rare I'd lose the free money. When when I would lose, it was was just because of bad luck that – I would play better, but the person would happen to run into a better run of cards the way they were playing it because they'd get a, like consecutive 21s because of the way they put things down. So, so you're not going to win every time as the better player. Sometimes the, the, the worst player will luck into it. And by the way, 
you may ask, why do they have the same deck for both people in the match? Why why isn't it a, a different shuffle for each person? Why why is it the same deck? Brandon, can you tell them? Oh, you go ahead. The I'm reason it's the same. The reason it's the same deck is because it takes out the element of chance and makes it no longer a gambling game according to the law in most states. So the way that uh, gambling law works is there has to be an element of chance, there has to be uh, an element of risk, and an element of, of reward. So, uh, And these three elements have to be there. So if you take the chance element out, then it becomes legally a skill game. Well, I have some issues with this because there is chance here. Because even though it's using the same deck for both people, depending upon the way the person plays the deck, then there is, you, because you don't know what's coming, that there is the luck factor of the way you play it that the next card may happen to screw you even if you've done the right thing. So there is an element of, it, it's not like, uh, um, it's not like something like chess where there is just no chance element to it, where there, there it's all skill. Here, there definitely is a chance element. It's just not uh, random chance, but there is a chance based upon uh, because you don't know what's coming. That there's a chance that the the way the deck now, is shuffled is going to it's going to help you or hurt you. I see a bunch of videos now for Blitz Twenty One on YouTube. That's what I was looking up. Uh, when you said you looked and didn't see anything, was that I guess a couple of years ago? I didn't see. I, I'll say I, yes, but uh, I will also okay. say this. I'll also say I didn't see anything useful. I'd see like. Uh, Bliss twenty one strategy, and I'll, I'll just see really basic lame strategy, which wasn't helpful at all. It was kind okay, of, I haven't watched any. Of these, yeah, there's so, a lot on you. There's a lot on. Okay, YouTube. well, may, maybe there's some now, but the, but a lot of these things are not going to help you beyond like learning it for the first uh, hour you play. Uh, I was looking for advanced things that really give you helpful tips. But anyway, I, I have learned a lot of things over time playing that would be helpful to someone, which I'm not going to get into. But but I'll tell you what I uh, what I'll get back to something I noticed that I think might be happening but can't prove and i it's very important for everybody to understand here i can't prove this and i'm not saying for sure this is happening i'm saying that i think it might be and that is remember you're, you're getting matched with somebody but when did they actually play the match or when are they going to play because what's the chance that i'll be matched with somebody that wants to play this exact same stakes as me at the exact second i want to play well, it's it's not all that high. They're, they're, they probably want to play either a little bit before I wanted to play or a little after I wanted to play. Maybe a few seconds before or after, maybe minutes before or after. But, um, well, hold, hold on. Let me tell you, the article, real fast, I, I might disagree with you here. The article I read today in regards to this lawsuit, there is a claim by the author that there were 18 million accounts for the skills. And that doesn't say how many for, you know, Blitz and other games, but if that's pretty act, 18 million worldwide. So if that was the case, I think it'd be pretty fair that there could be hundreds or even thousands that are playing. So like I'm looking now and there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, four, 15 different prizes or, or amounts of money you could play for with the lowest, as we said, being 60 cents and the highest being 180. Now you said there were some, uh, the secret was, ones that but, you but, but I, I can answer this. I know, I know what you're getting to, but I can answer this. Uh, it's, okay, uh, sure. it, it's not as much as you think as far as the number of players it, it, for real money. And also because of the thing of where they're trying to match people of similar skills, it's a smaller pool than you think that you could personally be matched to. But, but, uh, it does happen sometimes that, that 
Well, when you're, it does happen sometimes when you're playing that the person's playing simultaneously to you, but a lot of times they're me, not. Okay. A lot of times let me ask. Well, let me no, ask you something. Do you ever? And I'm being serious here. You're going to laugh at me for even telling you. Are you ever active in the chat? Yes. Because I mean, I, I constantly look at the chat, and some of the people that I play against are in the chat posting when they say I'm ready to play or this or that or let's bring it on. So. And I'm looking now, it's, what is it? It's one o'clock in the morning and there's one, two, there's about at least 20 people that are chatting right now constant, like back and forth. I, I'm not saying it's, no, no, they get plenty of players. I'm not denying that. I'm saying that, that, uh, when you start cutting down the pool of number one, are they playing real money or, or, or free money? Number two, are they playing, which stakes are they playing? Number three, what skill level are they? Like all these things are lowering the sure. number of people. So, but let me get to the point I was trying to get to here. And that is that I was noticing for sure that it, two things would happen sometimes. One, where it would say, we're waiting an opponent to match you. And I'd sit and sit and sit and I'd play my match out because you don't need a second person to be there to play. You can play and you have to wait for the result of the other person. But I've sat there for sometimes hours before it matches me with someone. Uh, and then I've real, also, real money or fake yeah, money? real money, real money. I've, and, I've never seen well, that. I've, I've, I've had so a lot much. of times. And then I've also had it where the second I'm done, the person has already completed. If you're done with your match and instantly they have someone they've matched you with and is done already, either they happen to finish at the same second as you or at least during while you were playing, or they finished before you. And I know for a fact that there are cases where they finished before you because I have finished before them. Remember, I've, I've had it where I have played and it, it waits hours to match me. That's not common, but it's happened. And it, 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 and it's more common where I have to wait a few minutes to get matched. So for sure, I have completed my matches before someone's been matched with me. And I'm sure the reverse has happened a lot of times where the instant score I get from the other person, and I know right away when I'm done if I've beaten them or not, because right away when I'm done, they're done, uh, they've played, they finished before I started. Now, why does this matter if we can't actually watch each other play? You can watch afterwards. You can watch a replay how the other person played. But, uh, but why does this matter when you played? Well, what if they're not only matching you based upon your skill level? What if they're matching you based upon the score attained? And you may say, well, why does that matter? Why does it matter if, if, if they're matching you based on the score you already got or, or the score? Well, then it's not fair. What do you mean? Well, no, but if they match two people are already done, it's not fair. Then they're actually choosing who wins. But they, they've guaranteed, I saw in one of the terms of service, that they don't match two people who are already done. And I, and I think I believe them. Okay, so if they match you to one person who's already done, why does it matter if they've completed it already or if they've or if they haven't completed yet? Well, it matters if they are matching you based upon that score. And here's an example. Let's say I'm a 200 average bowler. I'm not, but let's say I am. Okay, let's say I go to a bowling alley and I'm a 200 average bowler. And let's say five other people there are 200 average bowlers. And the bowling alley says, hey, let's have a little competition. Each of you throw in some money, and uh, we're, we're each going to match you. The, the three of you will win, three of you will lose, and, and we're going to match you to one of these other five people. And I go, well, which one? They say, well, it doesn't matter because you're all, you're all 200 bowlers, right? Yes. Okay, well, then it, it should be fair whoever you get matched again, right? I go, yeah, okay, that's true. So then I'm the last one to go. They don't tell me who I'm matching with, and then, be- then before I go, they go, um, or, or when I'm done, or let's see, no, that's not when I'm done. Let's say, before I go, they say, okay, 
you're matched against the guy who bowled 264. And I go, wait a minute, but he got the best score of those five. Like one of them got 172, one got 191, one got 203, one got 220, one got 264. Why do I get the guy with 264? Well, we just decided that's who you're getting. Well, when did you decide this? Right now. Like, well, that's not fair. You decided based up. You want me to lose? They go, well, no. You, you you may be you may be two sixty four. I go, well, but why should I be put against the one with the highest score? They said, well, but they're all the same. Pe- they all have the same average. I go, I don't care about their average. We're talking. I have to beat a score he got that was higher than everybody else's. So you're not matching me with a two hundred average bowler. You're matching me with a two sixty four score that I've got to beat. So I've got to be a two sixty four average bowler to have uh, an even chance against this guy. Even though this is his average is normally 200, if he's already achieved 264 in this one match, and that's what I have to beat, then I really, it's like I'm being matched with a 264 bowler. So if that might be happening on skills, where if they're matching you based upon an already completed score, not the person's overall skill level, then they have a lot of control whether you win or lose. And if they are doing that, that's a big problem. And I've tried to ask them about this, and I don't get a straight answer. So I've emailed support, and I said... Um, I, I have a, I have a question for you guys. Do you? I know you don't ever match two players who are already completed, but I know you do match players to already completed games. So what is this based on? Is this based upon skill level only, or is it based upon uh, whether is it based upon the score someone just got? And I get back. We never match two players who completed, and as far as matching to already completed matches, that will happen sometimes. We match players based on skill level. I go, okay, but is it is it also based upon how high their score was in this individual match? I couldn't get a straight answer. I would not. I, they never said to me, "No, we don't do that. It's only based upon your average score or your, your where you are in the percent in the percentile." Because here's here's another thing to to understand about the 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 way the game works is that. Your actual score, your average, your average score is not that relevant until you've played a ton of matches. Why? Because each deck has a potential score that uh, is like the best you're going to do. So um, there's some decks which just happen to be to fall to where everybody who's competent at the game is going to get a really high score. There's also some decks where it's literally impossible to finish them without busting. Because if you if you bust three times, then the game's over. So you've got to be careful not to bust. Bust meaning having to put uh, uh, the, the same way you bust in blackjack, where you get over twenty-one in a lane. So if you run out of lanes and you you have to put a card that's too high, like if, let's say you have twenty in one lane, eighteen in one lane, nineteen in one lane, seventeen in one lane, and you draw a six. Well, the six is going to have to go somewhere. You'll bust in one of them. So if you do that three times, you're out, and whatever your score is at that point is is your score. So there are some decks the way they happen to be shuffled. That no one can complete it. They, it's going to be impossible to complete. So there, everybody's going to get a low score. And then there's other decks where you can get a great score, and everybody's going to get a great score. And then there's ones in the middle. So it really, it somewhat depends on the deck. Someone depends on the player's skill. There's a little bit of luck to it. So really, the what they're going to, I bet the way they're rating players, they haven't said this, is they look at your percentile of where your score matches up with others that play that deck. So the deck you're playing, there's tons of other players playing that same deck. Only one against you, but in in the game, there's tons of other people using that same deck, and so they'll they probably look where you rank on that. So if you're ranking in the top one percent of all scorers most of the time, you're one of the best players on the site. If you're in the bottom one percent of scorers all the time, then you're 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 one of the worst players on the site. So it's like that. They probably rank players that way. So if they're just matching people up that way, I still don't like that the fact that they match you based on skill, but at least they're doing it fairly. 
But if they're matching you to exact to already completed scores based upon those individual scores, that is very unethical. And I could not get a straight answer whether or not they do that, no matter how many times I asked. So I started to worry that if they're doing that, that that allows them to control winning and losing streaks. How? Well, if they want me to lose, they can match me with one of the people that got one of the best scores in the deck. So that particular deck, they see someone who is one of the top scorers of, it, of all the people who've played that deck. Yeah, there's a tiny chance I can beat it, but probably I'm going to lose, even if I'm a very good player. Even if I'm better than that player overall, if he happened to luck out and get a really good score on that deck, then my chance to beat him is almost zero. And then there's the opposite. If they want me to win, they can match me with people who got really awful scores. Again, even these can even be good players who just happen to lay the cards out in a way that, that made them bust early. So I always worried about that, and that, and I, what, something else I noticed that was kind of shady is that your first seven or so real money matches, and I found this is like at any level, at least up to the $20 level, I didn't try higher than that, your first seven or so real money ma- matches, uh, you had incredibly weak opponents you'd be up against. Either opponents that just suck or ones that just happen to get a low score. But whatever it was, like even if I not do very well, I seem to always win. And then right after that, it gets much, much harder, and you start losing, like abruptly. Or you start kind of, not losing, but you start kind of trading back and forth at that point, and then, and then you start just going on this tremendous losing streak where no matter how well you think you did, someone's done a little bit better than you. And I started to think maybe they are matching me with existing scores when they want me to lose, that are very high on purpose. So I, so I go on a losing streak. Why would they do that? Well, because if you start off winning your first seven real money matches, what are you going to think? You're going to think I'm a great player. Even if you suck, you're going to think I'm great because I've won my first seven real money matches. Wow, this is easy. I'm good. Then if you kind of trade back and forth for a little bit, then you think, okay, that's, you know, I'm not doing quite as well as before, but I'm still competitive. Then you go on a losing streak. Well, what do you, And then you bust. What do you want to do at that point? You probably want to reload because you remember that you were kicking ass a short time ago. There have been people who just lost tons of money on there who I think are enticed by their initial winning streak. So I think it's crappy and I'm sure it's intentional that they match you with some of the weakest scores at the very beginning when you play real money to really falsely give you the impression you're winning. And notice Vegas doesn't do this. Do you, when, when you sit down at a blackjack table in Vegas, do they artificially let you win the first few? Even a slot machine, do they do? They do that? Never. They can't do that. But here they do it. Here they definitely make it much easier for you to win, like the first seven matches or so. When I say easier, I mean much easier. You don't have to be very good and you can win all or most of the first five to seven matches you play. Uh, now, the better you get at the game, the longer you can keep the winning going at the very beginning. And I noticed it isn't really attached to stakes. It's not even at the lowest level. You can you can just keep moving up really quickly on the same like first two dollars uh, you play with, and then uh, move up very quickly. So uh, I started to worry that no matter how good I get at this thing, I'm going to keep running into this, and that they're basically not letting anybody win. I'm not saying I was the very best player, but I felt that I got very good at it, and I still could not consistently win. So I never even tried the high-stakes matches. So I can't speak to those. Now, what about the people trying the high-stakes matches? Are Is there anybody on there winning a lot of money? 
Well, there's people playing for a lot of money. I don't know who's winning, but there's people playing for a lot of money. And I would look at who they were, and I kind of wondered also, might these be people I could know through poker or gambling if I knew who they were behind the screen names? There were two names last year I saw very often at the top. In fact, I saw them so often that Benjamin, who watched me play, also saw them and got to know who they were. I got to know them on the site, not not like who they are in real life, but uh, I got to be familiar with seeing them on the leaderboard constantly. The leaderboard matters because on the real money leaderboard, if you finish in the top spots, you can, you can get a lot of money. Like the very top spot gets like six thousand bucks. It, it varies depending on. Uh, how many people have been playing, but it, it's, you, know, you get thousands of dollars for being the top, and even the top few, you get a lot of money. So I noticed this one guy on the top all the time. I don't know if you saw him, Brandon. Uh, Prignum. Do you remember Prignum? I do not. Okay, Prignum, he had a picture of like a dog next to his, like his face and a dog next to him. Well, Prignum, was, uh, he was constantly on top. I mean, so frequently, Prignum was number one. Now, how do you get on this leaderboard? You, you, get, it, you get on the leaderboard through volume, meaning playing a lot, because every time you win you get points. And if the higher stakes you win, the more points you get. And if you lose, you don't lose points. Now, what does this remind you of in poker, where the people on the top of the leaderboard are the ones who play the most at the highest stakes? What might this remind you of? The Hendon mob. The Hendon mob works exactly like that. That you'll see a guy with $8 million in cashes, and then you have to ask yourself, wait a minute, is he a winner? And that's a legitimate question because if the guy bought in ten million to cash eight million, he lost two million dollars. But if you look at the Hendon mob, it looks like he's won eight million. So same thing here, and I knew that. So I did have to wonder, is Prignum a winner? Yes, he's the top every time, but maybe he just puts in so much volume that this six thousand he's winning every week on the leaderboard is just a small dent in everything he's spending. Because remember, you can play these high stakes matches for like I think uh, a $300 buy-in at the maximum. And it takes like two minutes to complete. So if you play a ton of these, which he has to to get to the top, uh, the $6,000 isn't even that much if you're, if you're losing a lot of money here. So I wondered, is Prignum maybe just the guy with a lot of money to burn who's, who appears to be winning but isn't, much like some tournament players who appear to be cashing a ton but are actually losing. So I wondered that. I said I'd really love to talk to one of these guys and get close enough to them to where they're willing to tell me the truth. And I wasn't going to screw them over. Like, I wasn't planning to find this out and then uh, say, hey, everybody, guess what? Prignum's losing. Like, I wasn't looking to do that. I was really hoping to get to know them so I could find out the truth here. Because if they were really winning, then I was going to really put effort into being like them. I was going to try to do that myself. Because if someone can still beat the rake and maybe maybe at the highest matches they aren't doing this matching based upon someone's existing score, maybe there's not enough players at that level to do that with, Whatever it is, if there's people who can actually win on there and make a lot of money, then maybe I should aspire to do that. So I was very interested in this. But the problem is it's easier said than done. You can't just go chat people. There's a, there, there's a way to add people as a friend, but the, the thing is they have to accept you. And uh, I, I was hoping to just catch one of them in the chat room and talk to them there and then get to message them privately after that and get to know them. Well, unfortunately, the top players there just didn't chat very often. Prignum was in there once, but but he didn't seem that interested in talking to me. But there was someone who was even more interesting that was on the leaderboard. You still with us, Brandon? I think he got cut. Yeah, he did get cut. Okay, we lost you for a second. 
Oh, I'm back. So, so hey, Prignum, I, I couldn't really get to talk to me, but there was someone else even more interesting on the leaderboard that was always up there. Not usually first, but usually like second, third, fourth. It was a female who went by Lisnico. L-Y-S-N-Y-C-O. Lisnico. Lisnico was interesting because Prignum was, he's kind of what you'd picture to be a guy who'd be on top of the leaderboard. Kind of like, looked like kind of a 30s guy. Just kind of an average dude with his dog. Like, he didn't look like that different way you'd expect. Liz Nico looked like a very young and very pretty girl. And I'm going, no, that couldn't be who's up on this leaderboard. Like talk about who you wouldn't expect to be up there. Is this uh, when I say young, I mean, really young. I don't mean like 25. I don't mean 23. I mean, she looked like a teenager, very pretty, but like a teenager, like a late teen, not like 14, but she looked like, you know, 18, 19, something like that in her pictures. And, and almost could look like, like almost like a, look like a model, of that age. And I think, what's the chance of someone like that being on this leaderboard? Where would this girl even get the money to play at these stakes? And, and how would she have the interest and patience to get there? How, how many girls of that age do you know who'd sit playing on an app like this and have the, the, both the bankroll to do it and the interest and even ability to get to that level? And I'm not saying girls can't. I'm saying that, uh, you know, th- think about the pretty girls you went to high school with. Uh, even if you put them in a different era, could could you see them uh, on the top of this leaderboard? You, you wouldn't. It's, it's just something you wouldn't expect at, at that age. But I, so I was wondering: Is Liz Nico really a man? Is it is this an old picture of her? Maybe is this uh, is this maybe the person who who's plays it? Maybe their maybe their daughter. Like I, I didn't know what the deal was, but it was it was kind of weird. And I saw Liz Nico in chat, so I talked to Liz Nico. And I, I was talking, and I, I'm honest here. I'm not trying to just say this to sound noble or to sound like I'm not a pervert. I was not talking to Liz Nico because she was a pretty young girl. I was talking to Liz Nico because I wanted to talk to someone who was consistently up on that leaderboard and find out are they winning. That's that's really what I wanted to do. I had tried to Google these people. And Prignum, I, I, nothing came up. I'm talking about last year. Prignum, nothing came up. Liz Nico, I did find that she played on Global Poker. And in fact, uh, upon talking to one of my friends who plays on Global Poker, they told me they'd played with her before. Not often, but that they had seen her before on there. I said, do you know someone Liz Nico? And they said, yes, we've played with her sometimes, but she's not constantly on here, but I've, I've played with her before. So I thought, oh, you know, if I ever talk to her, this is going to be my in. I'm going to tell her that I played with her on Global Poker and recognized her from there. Because the problem with Liz Nico is I, I had a feeling that if I ever saw her in chat, there's probably tons of dudes wanting to talk to her because of what she looks like. And I didn't want to come off that way. I didn't want to come off as a pervert. But I wasn't being a pervert. I just wanted to know about the freaking game. So I figured that was a good in to separate myself from all the pervs on there that I was. I had played with her before on Global, which wasn't true, but I knew someone that did, so close enough, and I, I thought it was a good in to the conversation. Well, I was right. It was. And she was interested in talking to me because she thought we had played on Global before. So we started talking about poker, and, and I started – yeah, I, I was asking her some questions. So this is what she told me at the time, that she is – 19, that she lives in Las Vegas, and that she is the daughter of two poker players, but that they don't play much, uh, they don't play as much anymore. She would not say who her parents were. I said, well, uh, your parents, I'm guessing they're probably around my age if you're 19. And she said, yes, they are. And I think her mom was uh, actually a little older than me, and her dad was younger than me. I think her mom was like, 
50 and her dad was 43, something like that. Wouldn't say who they were. She seemed nice. In fact, I expected her to be kind of arrogant. She wasn't at all. She was very down to earth. And uh, uh, she was, we were talking back and forth. Then she had to go. I was hoping to continue talking to her so I could get some information out of her about this. Uh, the problem is we didn't have many more conversations. We, we talked like a little bit again another day, and then that was it. I couldn't really get that much going. Then we lost our conversation, I assume, because she's getting inundated with private message requests from dudes that see her picture. And probably I got lost in that whole shuffle and I was gone. You know, who was I? I was just some dude who claimed to have played poker with her. So that was that. No big deal. I was... Uh, Sad I didn't get to find out what I wanted to find out, but I kind of believed that she was real. Like, after that whole, I kind of got a feel from the whole thing that she was legit and she was actually the girl in the picture. And, like, I, I just got that vibe from her. I've I've been online for over three decades, and I've been able to sniff out phonies pretty easily, especially dudes pretending to be girls. And she did not give me that impression that she was pretending. But... I didn't get to find out much about the game. The thing I was really trying to find out, I couldn't find out. Well, then she vanished. I mean, completely vanished. And I know because she wasn't on the leaderboard anymore. And guess who also vanished around that same time? Prignum. Prignum was gone. Now, I did briefly see him shortly after he disappeared from the leaderboard playing the free money games. And then he was gone completely. Well, I assume Prignum went bust. I mean, it totally looked like it. He disappears from the leaderboard, plays briefly at free money, and then he's gone. Totally looked like he went busto, and I go, ah, okay, I figured it out. Nobody's really winning here. Even the people who are on the leaderboard are, are just bleeding away money because they're still spending more in entry fees and they're cashing. So even with the, the leaderboard prize every week, it's still not enough, and they, uh, they eventually go busto. And so I was convinced that what I, all I've been seeing here is the top players going busto and new top players taking their place, and they'll eventually go busto too, and it's a big cycle. This was further uh, solidified in my mind at the time, though not now not so much with the recent developments, but at the time, uh, a player, I don't remember his name, but he was repeat, He was also consistently on the leaderboard, but much later after Lisnico and Prignum were gone. It was like a new guy I hadn't seen before, but he, he had been there for, for, I guess, a month consistently on the leaderboard of, like, top five. And this guy actually came in chat, and I said, hey, you know, just a question for you. You don't have to answer, but like, are you legitimately winning? And, and can you be honest, please? Or if you don't want to answer, fine. But just like, I've always wondered the people on that leaderboard, are they really winning or just cashing a lot and losing? And he says, okay, you want to know the truth? I'm losing my ass. I said, really? He said, yeah, I'm not kidding. I've, I've, yes, I'm up there, but I've, I've been losing a lot here. So the guy admitted he's good, that he's, uh, the leaderboard is misleading. And he was serious and he seemed like he wasn't fucking around. So, I was convinced then that I made the right decision not trying to get up there and not trying to spend money at this because it uh, it looked like a fool's errand and it looked like I was going to end up uh, just chunking off money and all the money was going to go to rake and ultimately the only winner was going to be skills. Well, that was enough to dissuade me from continue playing. So I never attempted to reach the high or even middle high stakes. I quit. Stopped touching the app. I haven't opened it in about six months. And occasionally I think about it, but I thought I had come to my conclusions and that was that. Until the other night when I was on Twitter late at night and I saw a tweet from Matt, Mac Verstandig saying that the – remember, Mac Verstandig is a poker lawyer who takes a lot of poker cases. He's a poker player himself. 
if, if basically if you want to uh, get involved with if, if you want to sue someone related to the poker community, someone or something like a casino, uh, he's often who you go to because he understands the community really well. Which, by the way, if, if you're in the right state, I think Eric Benzamokin could do a great job with that too. But uh, Mac is the one who takes most of these cases. Eric really, he, uh, he's been taking mostly uh, unrelated cases unrelated to gambling. But uh, they have some similarities in that these are both poker players who understand the community well, who uh, who are lawyers. And uh, but Mac really revolves his practice around that, where whereas Eric does not. Eric just uh, he he does uh, lots of other types of cases. So anyway. Uh, Mac was the one who did the Stones cases. You guys probably know. He he's been. In, I've talked about him a lot on the show because whenever a legal case comes up involving poker players, it's usually him who's representing uh, one side there. Usually, like his player versus casino, it, it's usually he's their attorney. So he's carved out that little niche for himself. Uh, I've always gotten along with him, and we even collaborated on a little joke arbitration thing with Alan, involving Alan Kessler, and we. Uh, We've, we're not friends, but we've, we've always gotten along uh, fairly well. But he's often been a subject on this show. And so he tweeted out that the Verstandig Law Firm is proud to be the firm that's representing clients suing one of the biggest apps on the App Store. And I thought, hmm... Could that possibly be 21 Blitz? No, there's so many apps in the App Store that there's so many apps that have been accused of wrongdoing in various ways. Like, how could it be 21 Blitz? So I click on the article and I go, please be 21 Blitz. Please be 21 Blitz. It was freaking 21 Blitz. It was 21 Blitz that he is suing. He's suing skills over a matter with 21 Blitz. And the clients he has, two of the three clients, there's actually three clients now, but two of the three clients are Liz Nigo and Prignum. So those two I saw most often on the leaderboard last year, one of whom I've talked to, are Max clients suing 21 Blitz. So what happened? Why are they suing 21 Blitz? Is it because they think it's rigged? Actually, no. That's actually not the reason they're suing. In fact, I don't even think they believe it's rigged. If they do, they haven't said so. But they are suing because, number one, they feel they got cheated by a cheater on there that uh, skills did not put a stop to. And number two, they got banned and their money was taken. It's a very interesting allegation. The whole story is very interesting to me. And then we'll get into a bit more about uh, Liz Nico's story. Uh, by the way, uh, Brandon, have you seen the thread that I made about this on Poker Fraud Alert? We have not, no. Okay, if you go to Scam Scandals and Shadiness Forum, there, you, you may want to take a look right now. It's a, it's a skills owner of popular 21 Blitz uh, app uh, being sued, blah, blah, blah. Go take a look in the Scam Scandals and Shadiness Forum of Poker Fraud Alert, and you will see some pictures of Liz Nico. Okay, I'll look right now. Thank you. Okay. That's a, so <laughs> uh, anyway, but, but you'll see the whole thing I'm explaining there too. But they were suing because, number one, both Liz Nico and – Prignum claimed that they ran into a player who was like impossible to beat, who they believe was cheating. Now, how was the guy cheating? Did he hack the system somehow? Was he able to see all the cards? Uh, was he able to manipulate the scores? No. The allegation is that the guy was cheating 
using an exploit that I discovered. So, and in fact, it's very simple. It's nothing I discovered and told someone about. In fact, I told nobody except for Benjamin. But it's an exploit that you can figure out pretty easily if you really think about it. So it was. I was surprised that more people weren't doing this. There is a pause button in the game, and the pause button is intended in case, like, you need to go to the bathroom in the middle of a match or you get a phone call. Something happens where you can't continue the match all the way through right away, but you need to take a short break. Now, if you take more than an hour, then you forfeit the match. But it allows you to pause up to an hour. I think you have to complete the match within an hour from when you start. Which, given that the match is like three minutes maximum and usually two minutes, that uh, you have a lot of time to pause if you want. And on on its face, it would seem like that's a good idea. Again, so if something interrupts you, 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 you don't have to uh, put aside whatever's happening. Let's say, let's say your kid runs into the room and, and needs something urgently. Or let's say you get a phone call. Let's say someone comes to the door. This way you don't have to forfeit the match. So, okay, the pause button is fine, but the pause button had a big flaw. And the pause button's flaw was that you could do unlimited pauses, and as long as you complete within an hour, then it's okay. Then you're not going to be penalized in any way. Well, what would be a big advantage in a game like 21 Blitz? The biggest possible advantage would be to know the way the deck is laid out. But there's no way to know that. But, since it is a 52-card deck, and since it gets dealt all the way to the end, what if you were to keep track of every card coming out, and you knew at the end what was left? It's pretty much a form of card counting. But that's very hard to do when you have to play this whole thing within three minutes, and in fact two minutes really to be competitive to get enough bonus points, and you're putting your mind into doing this efficiently, so you're having to strategize as you're playing and have to rush through it. How do you keep track of every single card coming out? I mean, yeah, you have an idea. You'll know when the, how many aces came out if you really, if you really pay attention or, or when the wild cards have come out. But you're not going to remember how many fours were out or how many fives were out. It's, it's going to start getting confusing. It's going to be very hard to remember at the end what you haven't seen yet. I mean, whether it's... Five cards left, which are the five that are left? It may, it may be very hard to remember that, if not impossible in many cases. So, not quite impossible, but very, very difficult for most people. You have to be like Rain Man to be able to do it. So, there is a way to do it without being like Rain Man. What if you just use the pause button, and every time a card is dealt, you note it down somewhere? You can either note it down on a piece of paper... Or you can actually have a deck with you, a physical deck, and you just pull out that card every time a card is dealt to you, and it'll show you right in front of you what's left. You could write a computer program which does this. There's a number of ways to do it. Even if you have no technical skill, as I think you write it down on a freaking piece of paper, by using the pause button, by the end, you can know exactly what's left in the deck. And that's a big edge. Because you know the optimal way to lay it out at the end. You don't have to take a guess. Hmm, you know, I kind of want to uh, uh, finish. I, I kind of want to finish this uh, twenty-one, but I also might want to try to get the six-card thing by putting a, a small card here. And uh, but what if I? What if there's no more small cards left, and I can't make uh, six cards with it? Like there's there's a lot of decisions at the end you have to make of what you want to do with the very last moves. And if you know exactly what's coming and what's left then you can really make the optimal plays. And it doesn't take a lot of thought to do. You just have to know what's in there. So if you use the pause button to keep track of what's been dealt to you, you can know for sure what's in there. And I thought to myself, 
Well, that's a huge flaw. I thought about this last year. I thought, I wonder if the best players on here are doing this. I wonder if it's even possible to beat the game, to beat the players at the highest stakes without doing this. I also considered whether or not this is cheating. Because in one way, it's not because it's a feature of the game. You can pause it. You're allowed to pause it for up to an hour. You're allowed to pause it unlimited times. So what if you just pause it a bunch of times to write down what there is? So I was even considering whether this is ethical or not. I actually uh, tested this at free money. I wrote a little program to keep track. I would enter it. I'd quickly enter on my computer everything I would see that would come out, and the computer would keep track of what's left in the deck. Now, I never unleashed this at real money. I only did this in play money. I saw that it worked, and I saw that I knew exactly the cards that were coming at the end. I didn't know what order, but that didn't matter that much. I knew, like, you know, the last five cards is the big edge. But I never used it at real money because I felt it wasn't ethical. I just kind of felt like, you know what, I'm giving myself an edge that others don't have, except for those that are doing this too. So I don't really think that's fair. If I beat people because I'm just better than them, or I figure out strategies to beat them, then that's totally fair. And that's just me being better, and I have no guilt about that. But if I beat them because I'm kind of doing an exploit, it's not hacking anything, but it's it's kind of an exploit. It's not meant to be this way. I know the pause button was not meant. They didn't put it in for this reason. I I kind of felt like it was kind of like semi-cheating, and I just didn't feel comfortable. So, And I I even told Benjamin this. I was showing Benjamin my program. He's saying, oh, this is cool. You know what's there at the end. He was all excited. And then I told Ben, you know what? I'm not going to use this. I uh, I, I just don't think this is right. So I, I, I didn't, other than that, the free money games. But anyway, I, I knew that there would be many people who would, and I wondered if that was the key to winning there. Well, apparently it was, but Lisnico and Prignum claimed they were not winning that way. They claimed they were not doing that, and I think I might believe them. But they were getting crushed by somebody who was. So there's one guy, I don't know what his screen name was, but there's this one guy on there who was uh, crushing both of them. And they came to suspect, and I guess these two got to know each other, Liz Nico and Prignum, just because they were always on the leaderboard. I guess they must have communicated. So they communicated with each other and say, there's something weird with this guy. He's killing us. I wonder if he's cheating in some way. And they they concluded, I'm not sure how, that he was using this, this pause exploit. So Liz Nico complained about him. And somehow Liz Nico got a copy. It's not clear how, but she got a copy of what was written to this guy. And they basically warned him. Skills, and this is in the lawsuit. This is I, I read the complaint that Mac filed. This is back in May he filed this. I read the complaint, and it said that uh, Skills agreed that this guy was using that pause exploit and that that was considered cheating. But they did not throw him off, and they did not confiscate his money. They just sent him a warning. They said, don't do this anymore. It's cheating. Stop it. Well, they claim that he continued anyway and Skills did nothing about it. Now, you're going to love this. Lisnico claims that she lost $600,000, sorry, $650,000 to this one guy. That's insane. But even more insane, Prignum claims that he lost... One million dollars. To this guy and a few others who were using this exploit. 
You may say, well, why, is he, why are they playing this guy? Well, you don't have control of who you're matched with. You just say, I want to play this level match, and they put you with that person. So now, now why they kept beating their heads against the wall, losing against them over and over, and not just give up and cash out. But maybe they were beating everybody else so much, they, they, they were still willing to keep playing. So uh, there were some other things going on. Do you remember uh, Dario Minieri, Brandon, from uh, Poker Stars in the 2000s? In, in, of course. Yeah. What was he best known for? What did he, what did he accomplish that he was best known for? Wearing a scarf? Well, that's what he looked like. But what did he do on Poker Stars that uh, got a lot of press in 2007? Do you remember? Didn't he play a lot of tables at once? Well, yes. And it led to, do you remember something having to do with the, FP, the FPP store that he got? He got like a Porsche or something? Correct. Dario Minieri yeah. accomplished what, I don't know if Poker Stars even thought someone would, but they had in the FPP store, and this is before you could trade your FPPs on Poker Stars for uh Cash bonuses. Hey, pretty good. I remember that, huh? I mean, yeah, it's not an easy question. Yeah, there was. Got a Porsche. Yeah, yeah so so or it was so, a Porsche. And not only a Porsche it was. A, I know the kind of Porsche it was. Do you? Yeah, I think it was a Porsche Cayman S. Was that it? Yes, it was. Okay. Pretty good. Yes. <laughs> You're a sick fuck. All right, good job. So it wasn't just because I just looked this up because of the story either. I rem- I remembered this before even writing this on the forum the other day. But uh, Dario got that Porsche by earning so many frequent player points from playing that many tables at once that he got the Porsche that I don't think Poker Stars ever intended to really give away. Not that they were going to cheat anyone, but I think they, they put that up there as something to shoot for, but it was so many points they thought, who's ever going to get here? And they didn't consider at the time that I someone... I think I know where you're going with I think I know where you're going with this, but I'm going to keep quiet just in case I'm wrong. Yeah, but so, so... I'd be shocked if... I mean, if you are about to say what I think you are, then wow. Okay, so, 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 so Dario... Are you about to say what I think you are? Probably. So, so Dario, okay. Dario won the Porsche by earning a shitload of frequent player points on Poker Stars. And Poker Stars, to their credit, gave him the Porsche, and they did the smart thing, because Isai Scheinberg was a smart guy, a smart and ethical guy. He was a, the, Isai Scheinberg ran the whole thing well. And he uh, not, not only they awarded Dario the Porsche that he legitimately earned, but they also used it as a marketing opportunity. And Poker Stars put out on their blog pictures of Dario in front of his Porsche in Italy, and uh, as an as an aside, by the way, many people that I respect seem to believe that he, by far, I'm talking about Eastside, deserves to be in the Poker Hall of Fame. Yeah, like not one day, but like now that he's done that much, and even more so the way he treated his employees, all you know, all the way around. Which I know for a fact because of you know personal relationships that he he. of us, if we would have ever worked for him in our lifetime, he would have been far and away the best boss we've ever had in our, we'd ever have in our life. Yeah, yeah, I I heard that too. And incredibly uh, generous with money, with, with everything. He was just a great boss. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, so everything with Poker Stars was good there. None of this is a criticism of Poker Stars, it's the opposite. They, they did everything right and they even got something out of it because they got to market the thing with the, with the Porsche and people would shoot for it to be like Dario. So I don't know if anyone else got it and then they start, then they introduced other things you can get with your points like, cash bonuses, so that became less relevant, but whatever. Dario earned a Porsche through frequent player points. Well, guess who else was giving away a Porsche? Yes, Skills was giving a Porsche if you earned enough of these tickets that Brandon was talking about. That's tickets with a Z. Not tickets with an S, tickets with a Z. That was the name of their tickets. So every time you play a real money match, you get tickets, and, and you also earn them very slowly playing a play money, as Brandon talked about earlier. But uh, the the higher stakes you play the more tickets you get. In fact, it's more related to the rake you're paying them 
of what they're giving you. Of course, higher stakes, you're paying more dollars in rake, even though the percentage is lower. So people like Prignum were earning a shitload of tickets because they were playing so many matches at the highest stakes. Prignum would just sit there all day and all night and play. Uh, just to uh, give, give an example, um, I was playing mainly between like $3 and $10 matches. So I'd say my average bet stake was about $5. And I'll also say two more things. For my entire life, I'm down $30. Um, I know that because I actually deposited 30, but I deposited 20. Actually, no, I'm actually down less than that because I got deposit bonuses. So I'm actually down 20 bucks. And one, the first, well, anyway, I'll get to all that later if we even want to talk about it, but I've, I've deposited 20 bucks. Um, so that's what I'm in for playing for a year. But anyhow, just with 20 bucks and playing those stakes, I earned in about two months about 250,000 of these red tickets. Which isn't a whole lot, but it's not nothing either, considering how small I was playing. So anyhow, I got about a quarter million in about two months, playing you know between two dollars and sometimes I play the brackets, which is that's in a whole other thing. But anyhow, between two and, and the most I ever played was was ten dollar matches, and I got a quarter of a million uh, within literally maybe even forty five days. Um, and I was playing maybe at night, maybe sometimes in the morning. I'd say maybe two hours a day, like of total time of like hitting the buttons on my phone, like two, three hours at the most. I wasn't definitely playing all day. I never have, but I'd say maybe two, three hours a day on and off. And I earned, you know, I guess about a hundred thousand plus a month. So anyhow, go on. Yeah. So it's like billions of tickets to get to this port. It's something that it looks like similar to what stars thought when they put their Porsche up there, they thought no one's going to get there. Now you can earn this across all their other games. They have other games they run that are kind of similar to blitz, but are, are, a different game, but it's a lot of the same format. So I have like uh, maybe six or more games like that. So I mean, hell, they even have they even have bingo. Yeah, they, they have even have like a bingo game. one, right? So so the tickets are across all of them. You don't have to earn them for each specific game, but still, they just probably thought, and I don't know this for sure, but they probably thought uh, no one's going to get there. No one's going to get the Porsche. Well, Prignum got the Porsche. Prignum got enough tickets to get the Porsche, and he started seeing how fast he was earning them, and he said, "Okay, you know." This is doable. If I if I keep playing at this rate for, for some time, I'm going to get the Porsche. Okay, I want the Porsche. Now, in this case, it was a Porsche Boxster. It was not a Porsche that came in S, but uh, he wanted the Porsche Boxster. And he shot for it and didn't redeem any of the tickets and waited till he got enough tickets to get the Boxster. And he made it. So he emailed them and said, okay, uh, I'd like to claim my Boxster, please. And they said they gave him the runaround. They were not giving him the box through. They, it started to become clear to him. This is according to the complaint. This is, of course, only I'm only hearing one side here, but this is uh, his complaint that uh, was submitted in court by Matt Mac for Standig, that they were giving him the runaround and that they were coming up with different excuses of why they can't give it to him. And at one point, they told him, well, just to let you know, it's actually a used Porsche Boxster. Which is <laughs> so funny. Like, it said nothing about used. I saw that Porsche up there. You, you can't do that and then say it's actually used. So they, they tried every trick in the book, according to him, to not award I mean, that was, Porsche. Hold on. I'm going to look now, but as recently as maybe a month ago, I remember looking, and it was still on there. I just, like, look at the prizes, you know, every couple months. Well, right. That's another saying- problem. That, that's another thing. Did they take it down? No, they raised the requirement by 66% right when he got there. So that was the other thing. They said, oh, actually, uh, we, we, uh, it's actually higher. It's not that anymore. He says, no, 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 it was when I earned it. 
Uh, no, you're mistaken. So they, they, he says they pulled that on him. They claimed he was, he didn't have enough points because they, they raised it as soon as he got there and then they finally conceded. Okay. Do you remember, do you remember what it, do you remember what it was before when he earned it? No, but the, but, but the lawsuit claims that it was, it went up 66%. Uh, right, it's one point seven four billion now. Yeah, right when he got there, they claim he, he raised it sixty six percent. So, and, and use that as an excuse not to award it to him. Then they tried to give him a used one. Anyway, he wouldn't budge. He says, "No, I want my Porsche Boxster. I earned it. I want you to give it to me." So he was not backing down, and uh, then he found himself banned from the site. Now, how can they justify banning him just because he's unhappy about the Boxster? Well, I'll get to that shortly. Well, Liz, let's go back to Liz Nico. Liz Nico has actually a funnier story than the boxer. Even though when, when I told the stories, Benjamin's very fascinated with this lawsuit. Isn't it funny that when I when I read about this whole thing, my first thought after after reading the whole thing was it was the middle of the night. I thought I can't wait till ben, Benjamin wakes up so I can tell him this story. <laughs> the, the only time that Benjamin has been really fascinated about a lawsuit, but he but he was very fascinated by this story. Was it because he played the game and he, it, he yes. understood the game? Yes, that's why, and, and because he was yeah. familiar with with Prignum and Lesnico. So I and and they, yeah, they're the ones suing. It was I, I knew it was going to be very fascinating. So he loved the Porsche story. The Porsche was he and he was making comments about. And the, his comments were actually very correct. He was saying, "Why are they not giving the Porsche? It's it's so small because uh, something else that's going on is that and I'll." tell you this before I get to the Liz Nico part. They're actually going public. Skills is going public with... Well, I, I, was, I was just going to say the company's valued valuation recently was over $13 billion. No, it was, it, it was, just... well, it was actually $3.6 billion, but clo- close enough. It's a, it's a, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, right, yeah. $3.6 billion. Yeah. Yeah, $3. is the valuation. So Benjamin, I, I said this to Benjamin, and Benjamin says... Why are they not giving the Porsche? It's not like they're trying to get the president's jet here. This is the Porsche. Why would you? Why would they not? Why would they try to not give He's that? Right. That's nothing. It's, I said it's totally correct. It's, I, I said I don't understand this. Uh, and my only guess as to the Porsche of why they're acting this way is I think he ran into someone. I think they didn't intend to give it. This is just my guess, of course. But I think they just put it up there, thought, oh, no one's going to reach this. It's just a cool thing to to entice people. Then someone got there, and whoever put this up in the first place felt like a chump. Even though it's not that much money for the company, whoever put that up there felt like, shit, we didn't mean for this to happen. Oh, oh we don't want to give this away. Like, like oh, we didn't mean to do this. Like, let's get out of this in some way. Like they, And then they just kind of got stuck on finding a way to deny it when it really made no logical sense. The, the smart thing is to do what Poker stars. Did. I don't. I don't buy. I don't buy that. Well, there's that something happened. Why would they not give it? That Porsche has been on there for three years. So if 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 you if, if they you know the argument that somebody put it on there and nobody saw it. I mean, yeah, okay. You know, you make a mistake with your marketing, and it's a couple of weeks, couple of months, even. But for three years, you're going to tell me the CEO and every high-level exec in that company never looked at it and never knew that it was on there? We're talking years. No, I don't think they I didn't know it was it. there. I think they believed that people weren't going to get there. I think they didn't realize that you could play enough to get there. And uh, well, so, Okay, nonetheless, with that even withstanding, for the kind of money that that company's worth, for the amount of bad publicity this is going to buy them, it doesn't make sense. Well, of course the whole thing if, makes no sense. If, I'm, I'm not saying it makes sense. Back, if you go back to when this company blew up in 2014... CNBC did a story on a woman that won like 67, I don't know, something like that, 70, it's on YouTube, so almost 70,000 playing this game on her phone. And, and, you know, so they had paid her 70,000, whatever it was, but 
the advertising and, and the value that, that that CNBC story bought alone was worth a hundred times that. And it's the same thing with this. It doesn't make sense. Why would they? Why would a company that's that? Uh, okay, but I mean? I'll, but I'll get to, I'll, they, I'll get to why this uh, why. It's Prigna just might be, I, I'll get to why it doesn't I, make sense. We might be, but okay. I'll get to why Prigna might be right here. So, so anyway, they, uh, so they denied the Porsche, according to Prigna, and then banned him when he complained about it too hard. Lisnico got banned also, but for a different reason. So Lisnico was complaining about this alleged cheater, and she found out somehow that they warned the cheater, and, but the cheater, she claims, kept playing and, and doing the same thing. Well, she uh, she claimed she lost uh, six hundred fifty thousand to this cheater, and that uh, she was still overall winner on the site. That she, that she was winning so much against everybody else that she's still overall winner, but but that she lost six hundred fifty thousand to this cheater. So she wanted to. So so uh, she asked again, like, what's going on? Why is this guy still playing? Why is he still able to do this? And all of a sudden, she gets this notice that she's suspended, not banned, but suspended for. Identity verification purposes, which they had never done before. All of a sudden, they want to do this stringent identity verification. So she claims that she tried a lot of different things. She said, I'll send you my ID. I'll even fly to your headquarters in San Francisco and meet someone in person if necessary. I'll prove it was me playing. What do you want me to do? And, uh, and, and that they were, they didn't act very interested and they were just giving her the runaround and didn't seem to want to reinstate her. They weren't, uh, they weren't, saying no you're banned permanently but they were being very slow with responding to her various offers to prove herself she was just to tell me what you want me to do to prove it and i'll prove it she had twenty eight thousand on the site when she was uh suspended prignum had like two hundred eighty six thousand on there he was doing pretty well he had two eighty six thousand in his role when he got suspended he claims or he got banned he got outright banned she was suspended but not banned then she decided you know what I'm going to track down the, the CEO. Maybe maybe I'm just dealing with monkeys here. Maybe I can speak to the CEO and uh, he'll he'll get this sorted out for me. So she found him. It was a guy who was 37 years old named Andrew Paradise, and he was the founder of it. Andrew Paradise, in articles, claims to have learned how to write code at the age of seven, and she found Andrew Paradise on Instagram. But he had a private Instagram. So she tried to add him. Now, what do you think happened when Liz Nico tried to add Andrew Paradise, given what she looks like? Do you think he accepted? The answer is yes, of course he did. So, so, uh. I already read the article. I didn't know any of this until, well, listen, you know, give me some credit. Even I read the post or the pre-show, you know, intro or the segments and I research it. But yeah, I found it very bizarre that, that, and then his, his reasoning for why he stopped, why, or why he suggested well, it's, they it's, shouldn't meet up was even weirder. Well, so I'll, I'll get to that here. So, yeah, so she, so she, so she, so he, uh, accepted her. And remember, he, he probably only accepted her because she, she was a pretty girl. And, uh, in fact, he didn't know why she was adding him. There was just some chick adding him on Instagram. He looks, he likes, the, he likes what he sees. And, uh, so he thinks, oh, cool. Okay. This girl's adding me. All right. I'm not going to reject that. So, and he was single. So he was perfect timing for him. He'd recently got out of a relationship. And th- this is all alleged in the lawsuit. This is, of course, still one side, but this is what's actually alleged in court documents filed by Matt Versandig. So he accepted her and he said, uh, this is what he first wrote to her. Have we met somewhere? I feel like I'd remember as you're too beautiful to be forgettable. 
Ha ha, and if we haven't met, we should. I'm in Vegas all the time. He saw she was listed as Las Vegas, Nevada. So he didn't know yet this was about any of his games. He thought this was just some hot chick who who added him because she knew him from somewhere. And he's like, hey, I couldn't forget you the way you look. Very, very clumsy flirting, to be honest. Uh, you're too beautiful to be forgettable. Come on. But uh, anyway, that, that was what he said. So then, then he went on to say that he just got out of a long-term relationship and said, oh, by the way, how old are you? Well, that's a good question because you can't tell from looking at Liz Nico if – you can tell she's very young, but you can't tell for sure if she's underage or not. Uh, and so he said, how old are you? And she told him 19, which was true. And he responded, I'm 37, and then did the emoji of the monkey covering its eyes, you know, the hear no evil, see no evil uh, monkeys. So the, the, he did the monkey covering its eyes like, oh, I'm 37, ha, <laughs> like, like, almost like he's embarrassed to tell her, like, I'm a lot older than you. So then the next thing that he asked, according to the lawsuit, do you like older guys? He's trying to put the moves on the 19-year-old. Still does not know why Liz Nico's contacting him. He has no idea. And from looking at her, he would never guess. He said, I'd love to meet you in Vegas maybe later in February. This is referring to 2020. Uh, of course, this is before the coronavirus is of great concern. So uh, that was not figuring into this. But have to crash for now. We're doing a ribbon-cutting ceremony with Steve Young, Jerry Rice, and the mayor of Miami tomorrow. So he's definitely dropping that there to look like he's important. And so they, they went back and forth, and finally she dropped it on him that, I uh, hate to tell you, but I'm not adding you because uh, I, I'm interested. I, I, I'm i talking about your games here. I know you're the CEO of Skills, and, and I'm getting screwed here. They've uh, There's a cheater on your site, and I complained about him, and then suddenly they suspend me for identity verification, but then they won't verify me. And uh, Can you please clear this up? Well, at this point, he's a little disappointed that this is like a customer service matter being escalated to him and not a hot chick interested in him, but... Still, she's a hot chick. He thinks, okay, maybe I'll solve it for her and, uh, and I'll get something out of this. So, I, I'm, I mean, I don't know for sure, but you'd think this is probably why he was uh, willing to continue the conversation at this point. So, she asked, can you please call me? He said, well, I mean, I could, but, uh, you know, I'd really prefer if we did this by video chat. <laughs> Guys, do you think that he would have said that to me if I contacted him about a matter on skills? You think he'd say, no, don't talk. Let's, let's talk on video chat. I want to see you. Let's, let's talk on video chat. I, the phone's not good enough. I want to see your face. I want to see your beautiful face. You think that's what he would have said to me if I made the identical uh, request of him? He wants video chat. <laughs> he should have said, I want video chat in a bikini. But anyway, she agreed. She's like, okay, whatever. Like, I'm sure she knew why he wanted to talk video chat, but she's like, okay, whatever, whatever gets this done. If, 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 if we got to do video chat for him to agree to help me, whatever. And I don't blame her. I mean, it's not like he, he wasn't demanding nudes. He's just saying, let's talk on video chat. It's just, okay, fine, video chat. So he says, okay, well, you know, I got to go, but let me get back to you. About two days later, she gets an email from him or an Instagram message or something saying, ah, my team doesn't want me to do this, so we shall have to postpone. They're concerned that you are part of a ring known for cheating and fraud involving a user named Prignum. Oh, no. So now she is roped into the Prignum thing, who was banned for, quote, cheating. That's the excuse they gave him for why he was being banned when he complained about the Porsche, according to the lawsuit. And now 
he was refusing to talk to her because he's claiming his team said that uh, she's part of a cheating ring with Prignum. Shortly after that, her account was outright banned, no longer suspended for verification, but outright banned, and her 28K there was confiscated. Lisnico's real name is Alyssa Ball. A-L-Y-S-S-A, last name Ball, the way it sounds. Prignum's real name is John Prignano, P-R-I-G-N-A-N-O. Now you can see where Prignum came from. I don't know the num part, but Prignano kind of looks like and sounds like Prignum. John Prignano, I, I saw a picture of him on the app, but I can't find an independent picture of him that's more clear. I cannot find that, but he's from Texas. So he kind of looks like he's in his 30s to me. As I mentioned, uh, Liz Nico is from Vegas, 19 years old. Name is Alyssa Ball. You can look at her Instagram if you like, where you can see a lot of pictures of her in bikinis and other uh, poses where she doesn't have very much on. There's no nudes of her, but you can see uh, close to that. Instagram.com slash Lissa Ball. Not Alyssa Ball, but just Lissa. L-Y-S-S-A-B-A-L-L. And you can see various pictures up there of her. She is very young, but she's very pretty. Like, she actually would... She looks like an Instagram model. So, she's real, and I know she's real, because Mac Verstandig is her attorney, and she is suing Skills. And this is really her. I don't know how they found Mac, but they did. They... Maybe it's her connection to the poker community in some way, but yeah, she couldn't play live. She wasn't 21 yet, so I, I don't know how she would have done that, but whatever. Somehow they found Mac, and this lawsuit was filed. The lawsuit is for $6 million. These, you know, they're combined plaintiffs here. It's the same case. It's not class action. Or they, they're just combined plaintiffs, similar to what the Stones lawsuit was, except there's two people instead of 88. Well, there were two. Now there's three. I'll get to the third one shortly. The... Lawsuit is asking for Prignum's, uh, the, the million dollars he was cheated out of, the $286,000 that they confiscated from him, and the value of the Porsche that they did not award him. And then Liz Nico is asking for the twenty-eight k they confiscated from her and the $650,000 that she lost to the alleged cheater and... Then they're asking for punitive damages, and so the lawsuit is for uh, $6 million. Prignum looks like he would be getting the larger share of it, whatever it is, if this were to be successful. Now, there's a third plaintiff now. The third plaintiff is uh, a woman who lost $60,000 on the app. She has a bit of a different story. She was not a winning player. She was never a winning player. She was basically a fish. And she saw these ads for 21 Blitz, which are definitely aimed at women. Now, Brandon, have you ever seen the ads for 21 Blitz? Yeah, I have all, all, all other games on my phone. Right. And so have you noticed that these are really aimed towards, like, housewives? Yeah, they show people at home, like, like yeah, drinking a glass of wine, or there's the one with the woman that's pregnant. Uh, yeah, absolutely. What I noticed about these ads is that, number one, they seem to be aimed at women. Number two... They are showing most of the most of the ads with the people holding the big checks, like you know, like the raffled size, you know, yeah, three foot long checks are always women. I don't even know if I remember seeing any. There, men. There's one guy they show with like a fifty thousand check who's a man, but yeah, it's mostly okay. it's mostly women. But but especially the ones that aren't holding those checks that are real, like the the ones that aren't real players that were actually posed for these uh, in various activities and playing this for the ads. Uh, 
sure. that's like all women, and and they're they're in various settings, usually either in their home or exercising or something, but just basically showing the way what women are doing throughout their day, uh, doing stuff at home, uh, lying in bed next to their husband, uh, exercising, whatever it is, and they're showing them on their phone playing the game, and then it has there's no sound, but it has. Uh, printing, uh, of nar- kind of narrating the whole thing by print, and it's 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 basically saying that each game takes three minutes or less. That uh, e- that you can earn money really fast there, and even if you earn only ten dollars a day, that's three hundred extra dollars a month. And could you use three hundred dollars a month? It, it makes it seem like it's an effortless thing to just get the app, make ten dollars a day, play for a short time every day because the matches are so short. Quit, make a quick ten bucks every day, and that hey, it adds up to three hundred dollars a month. Could you use the three hundred dollars a month? It makes it seem like just anyone could do this. Like it's just trivial. If you're going to do it, you can make the three hundred dollars a month, and it's not going to take much time. This is aimed at women who have money, housewives who you know not rich, but people who have you know the, the little money to put in or whatever. It doesn't it doesn't even mention you deposit, but whatever. It uh, most of those ads are aimed at women, and the, the the interesting thing there is they're careful to show all types of women. It's not all beautiful women. There's some pretty girls in the ad, but there, there's some that they intentionally show that are not beautiful. There's some that are very overweight. There are some that are very plain looking. They, they're trying to show that so women see themselves. So if they're not beautiful, like all the women in an ad where everyone's beautiful, it's hard for them to identify with it. So this way, when they see average looking women there, they, they can identify with that much more. And uh, it, it's definitely meant to attract women where if these were aimed at men, they would be all hot chicks playing. Because men don't care about a realistic depiction of women in these ads. They just want to look at hot chicks. Women, when they watch this, they want to see women that remind them of, of themselves. They they, uh, they want to be able to picture themselves in these scenes. So so uh, these are definitely aimed at just like average housewives. And it definitely implies in the ads that it's effortless to win money. It doesn't say it's effortless, but it, it implies it very strongly. So uh, let me tell you what I believe the reality to be. And then I'll get to about this third person who's part of the lawsuit. From my observations here, it is incredibly difficult to win long-term there, especially if you don't make it to the highest stakes. Maybe if you make it to the highest stakes like Prignum did, and you're the best at the highest stakes, then you can win money. Uh, obviously, Prignum was probably a winner there from the fact that it's 200... I, I played off uh, two $10 deposits, one of them with a $10 bonus of 20 bucks, which turned into 30 I... I played with it for 18 months and I'd go up, but I'd never go crazy. You know what? I think the most I've had in there was like maybe 70, 60 bucks. And the least I've had in there is like 10 or 12 bucks. I like, I'm the probably what you'd really define as the typical recreational player. Meaning like I I never like want to go crazy. You know what I mean? I'm not, I, I, I've never cashed out. Okay, which is funny because it's PayPal. You have to cash out. I think that's the only option. Maybe the million. No, they they, they actually took that away. It's now just checks. Well, PayPal is on there the other day. Uh, may, maybe they took right. it away for some people. I, I didn't have it in. Okay, I'll check in a minute. Um, but what I did notice is it's very very swingy. Like as soon as I got to my all time high of you know like seventy eighty dollars, I'd start losing every match. Right. That's, like that's what I found too. One hundred. Like in. No matter what I did, like, and I wasn't playing any different, but it was, you know, and then right when I think I'm going to bust, then I start winning again. Yeah, that's what I was talking like about. Was teasing me. That's what I was talking about with matching you with people who, uh, 
who who have already completed the matches and may be using yeah. that. So 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 there's that. So and, then the other thing, maybe I shouldn't even do this because I guess I'm not. I, I never did it thinking I was going to win a ton of money. I also played a lot and I actually won a couple times. I like playing the brackets, which you haven't explained. You probably should explain that too, since you're giving everyone a full version of what this is. Oh, I can explain it. The, the brackets are literally like March Madness, where there are 64 players, I think maybe even 128 at times, and it's just what it sounds like. You play heads up, and then you advance. So like if it's a 64-person bracket, and they all have different buy-ins, uh, like a $3.64, uh, or I'd say $3.60. And like 60 cents. That would mean $0.60 cents goes to the rake, $3 of the prize pool, if they're 64 then the prize would prize pool be $172. And then if you win like your first round match, you get like a dollar eighty back. And then if you win your second round match, you get like five dollars, which you've already made a profit. You always have to win two matches to to make a profit. And then if you win the whole thing, it's just like a poker tournament. The, the winner gets like, I don't know, I'd never broke it down, but it's over or close to fifty percent of what the prize the total prize pool is. So I like playing those and it's just fun. But um, I, I always kind of knew it wasn't up and up. That's why even in all this time, I've only – the highest I've ever done is $10. I've never wanted to go higher. Um, and it's very swingy. And I, I guess maybe you're right. Maybe you know it makes sense then that maybe I'm good enough to just like break even. Yeah. Because I've, you know, I've never had to deposit again, but I've never got it over 80 bucks. Yeah. And I, I play good. Like, I mean, you know, I'm not, like, no, I believe that, that's, guys, but that's what I'm going to say here is that I, I think that, you see, you're someone with a poker background. With, with a gambling background, you're someone of the profile who, with, with some time put into this and who thinks about the strategy, can probably become uh, very good at the game. And I, and I believe you probably have been. I, I wish we could play heads up there, but it, there's no way to make that happen. You, you can't pick opponents. I wish we could. Otherwise, I'd totally play you, uh, even just for fun. But uh, uh, the, uh, the fact that you haven't been able to make much progress on there, in fact, you're slightly down over time, uh, that's uh, that's an example. Can you imagine these just regular housewives who go try to play? Like uh, you know what happens. So a woman lost sixty thousand dollars, which was her life savings. She didn't lose sixty k and go. Okay, now it's time to quit. She lost every penny she had, and and then went through terrible depression, according to the lawsuit. And uh, uh, there's a lot of bad things allegedly happened. Oh, you're right. By the way, I just checked while you're talking. Uh, the, the PayPal option is now removed, and all I have is a check option. Yeah, that's what the I saw. The last time too. I checked, it was PayPal. Well, it, it's funny. I just looked. My balance is eighteen thirty-six. So technnically, if you just count what I'm in on a on a credit card, I'm down a dollar and seventy-four cents. That's probably better than most the, most people. I, I actually believe, and I have no stats to back this up, and I have not. And done any- by the way, I've never. I've never even min cashed on the leaderboard because I've never put in enough volume. <laughs> no, no, of I've course. Never, uh, yeah. A couple times at first, I'm like, you know what? Is it worth trying? Like, and then I look at it and I'm like, right when the leaderboard resets, some dude already has like eight thousand dollars. I'm like, how the fuck did he do this? And I, I kind of wondered that, and I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, they're they're playing volume, obviously. Yeah, that's what they're doing. Um, but it's ridiculous. It's, it, I mean, it's yeah, ridiculous it's, it's not it's not worth it to change when the, the leaderboard. leaderboard resets. When the leaderboard resets within an hour or two, these people have raked tens of thousands of dollars in matches or, or total volume put in. Yeah. It's amazing. Within, within like an hour. So sometimes these leaderboards reset at like six in the morning. And you're, so I'm thinking they're waking up that early. 
Like, you know what I mean? They have to be setting alarms. Just to, it, it's insane. Yeah, like, yeah. It'd be an interesting like Netflix documentary. Well, that's why that's, that's why I wanted to talk. Now, now you know why I wanted to talk to all these people because I, I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear the truth. Like I wanted to like I wanted to get to know one of them well enough for they just be honest with me. And I'd even promise I'm not going to sure. tell anybody. But like I, I that's why I was so happy when Lisnico answered me at first. But so so I was so curious about all this. So anyway. This woman lost $60,000, according to the lawsuit, and she claimed it was because she was enticed by the ads and, and made to believe that you can win. And that, that if she just keeps trying at it, she's going to get better, and, and she'll win. And uh, and so she claims she was influenced by the ads. Now, I know... I'm kind, of, I, I'm kind of surprised she didn't charge any of it back on her credit cards. I, I'm kind of surprised, too. <laughs> and some, Now, something I'll tell you here, uh, that... Uh, you can't just say, oh, the, you know, I learned from the ads. There is some personal responsibility. By the way, Brandon, can you uh, mute the vaping? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sorry. So the uh, there is some personal responsibility in here, and I, as far as the third person. I'm not talking about Liz Nico or Prignum. And you do have to get yourself under control, and if you're losing in one of these things, there is some responsibility on you to quit. However, I will also say that, in my opinion, the ads are very misleading. The ads uh, make it seem like this is not that difficult to win, or maybe even almost automatic. It, it really implies that. And in reality, it is my estimation that almost nobody wins, that there's a very small percentage of people who are long-term winners there. To me, it looks like that everybody loses, that the between the rake, between this weird way they match people, between the... Uh, you just all that together, the that everybody just get, gets basically eaten up by the rake, and that unless maybe you're one of the top few on the site, that you're going to lose. You're destined to lose. Even if you're one of the best players on there, if you're not in the very very best category, then you're going to lose. If not now, sometime down the line. And I don't mean like poker when you run bad for a while. I mean you're going to lose overall. I think the number of winners there compared to the number of players is, a, I think, is a tiny percentage, much less than poker. Poker, a lot of people, most people lose. Oh, too. It's, what do you mean? It's not even. It's not even close because the rake is just insane. Like, yes. you, listen, I said this before, and anyone that's listening, because you know, there are going to be people that have never heard of this that are going to try it. Unless you go into this solely saying to yourself you're going to do it for entertainment and just to have fun, and you know, like I said. I spent 20 bucks of entertainment, 18 months. You're going to get crushed. Yes. Like it just, you can't like, I mean, if you start jumping and playing 20, $50 matches, because you know, the match takes two minutes, you can lose hundreds of dollars in half an hour, you know, easily, if not more. And the rake, it just, I mean, I would probably say maybe two tenths of 1%, you know, can be ahead. I mean, it just, yeah, it, that's it, what I, that's kind of so, what I think. I kind of think like, like 98 it's so point, small nine, because I, the rake, Right. Even if you're good at it, like and I'm good, like I'm not bad. I put in, you know, decent time. It's just the rake makes it, you know. And then if you, if it's true what they're saying, and you're matching up against people of similar skill, then it, it you have no, you have no shot. Well, no, for sure they're matching. Don't have for, they the admit they, they admit they're matching you with similar skill. That's right there on their website. So that's not even a theory. That one I can say 100 percent is happening. What my additional theory is that they're also matching you based upon people's individual scores. That they well, already know. Imagine, like, when you play the lowest ones. Imagine if you play in a tournament that costs uh, that that the entry fees a hundred dollars, and forty dollars of it goes towards rake. 
you know, potentially, and only 60 goes towards the prize pool. Like, it's just, it's terrible. Oh, yeah. It's really, really Right. Bad. It's terrible. And also think about if you played poker and you were forbidden from playing with fish, that's all it would do is match you. you you'd only, you'd only be able to play heads up against people who are right around your level. Uh, you, you, you wouldn't win. How could you win? You just, you would just keep trading money back and forth and losing to the rake. So there's got to be a tiny percentage who wins. And I think this sort of thing just shouldn't even be legal. Because of the way they, because of the reality versus what they advertise are so different. Can you imagine if they put, uh, let, let's say, 0.1% wins long term, 0.2% wins. Can you imagine if they put that in the ad that, that uh, you know, 99.8% lose? Uh, nobody would do it. Like it's, uh, you can't make it seem like this is what people can do for extra money if almost nobody wins. And, and, yeah. and and this definitely is gambling. It's unregulated because of they they technically have the chance element out of it. Now it's not legal everywhere. There are some states that have smartly clamped down on this and said no, we're we're not going it, to. It's not legal. Well, you know, here. I'll tell you, this is a state where they I mean, you know this already where they really really are protective about where everybody's recreational dollar goes to the point where they literally pass legislation banning. Uh, fantasy sports in the city where, you know, it's the sports betting capital and gambling capital of the world, meaning like, you know, uh, fantasy, what, what's it, or DraftKings and, you know, Yahoo Fantasy, all of them. I would say to you within a year, maybe a little less, maybe a little more, this will be illegal, at least in the state of Nevada. If not everywhere. Well, right, like and that, the, right. Then this can be this can be a, a potential problem for them. If once the the thing that's going to really get everyone's attention, I don't know if from this lawsuit, but eventually. The things that get someone's attention will be the hard luck stories, like the woman in Colorado. Well, that's well, the, right. The, 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 the winner, the, the winner who doesn't get paid, who, who's accused yeah. of being a cheater. Uh, we know that there may be something shady going on that they're screwing them, but the average person to read this go, oh, okay, well, you know, they're punishing a cheater. That's that makes sense to me. But but when you have some sympathetic woman who just lost from the get go and chunked off sixty k, believing she could win because of the ads, and when it and so. I'm going to be so interested to see when Mac goes, unless there's a settlement, which, by the way, this has been going on through since May, and they haven't settled yet. And and uh, and Mac, there's got to be a delay. There's got to be a reason well, for I the was delay. Just say that means nothing because everything is at a absolute snail's pace now because of the virus. Well, no, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why that doesn't mean something. Why it means something because Mac filed this in May and made this public the other day. And there's no way that he took four months to do this. If he wanted this no, to be public... No, I know public, that, but I'm looking that this discovery hasn't even been passed. No, you're right. It, ha- it, ha- it hasn't. It hasn't. But what I'm saying so here is... They haven't even shared discovery. No, no. I, I, it's I, at a snail's pace. Of course it is. Of, it's, it's, it, these are at a snail's yeah. pace anyway, but we're... I'm talking about the negotiation phase. When you file one of these, usually they don't even go to trial. They don't even go to discovery. There's there's uh, the, the both the sides' attorneys talk. They kind of get an idea of where the case is going to go, there what it's going to cost. Been, there hasn't even been mediation yet. Drive. No, there doesn't there's have to, there doesn't yeah. have to be mediation. There can a lot of times yeah. what happens with these is that both sides assess their chance of winning and their costs of, of litigation and all of that, and then a, a possible settlement is discussed, and then they're settled, and they never even get to mediation. They never even get to discovery. Of course, they don't get to litigation. That's the way most of these go, and. The fact that four months have passed and now Mac is putting it out there on Twitter, to me, kind of looks like that uh, th- there must have been something that he he must have just felt like it's there's it's less likely to be settled 
than at the beginning, because otherwise he would have dropped this on May 9th when he filed the case. He would have put it right on Twitter. Okay, we're suing skills. Uh, hey, everybody, look, we're suing, we're suing skills. Uh, it's happening. He, he puts this out four months later. There's some reason for that delay. I don't think he forgot about it. I think that, I don't think he just got the idea to put it out of social media. I think for four months he probably thought, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see where this goes, and then uh, and then he must have felt that the chance of, of settlement is, is lower now. This is just my guess, but uh, there, there's some reason why he put this out in September versus in May. So so anyway, there's, this is the third plaintiff in discovery, if it gets there. I'm sure Mac's going to want to find out what the true win rate is of players on there, because that is relevant to the third plaintiff. It's not so relevant to Liz Nico or, or Prignum, who are supposedly beating everybody except for this uh, alleged cheater. But for this third person, that's very relevant, because the whole point is she was misled into playing, believing she could make money, when almost nobody does. So, of course, it's going to be a very big question for skills, as far as the court is concerned, is what percentage win. And if they have to go on record saying, uh, well, actually, 0.1% wins, like if they have to say something like that, and then that gets out, that'll make them look awful. And keep in mind, they're going public. That's the last thing they want now. So this is actually very good timing for the lawsuit in that since they're trying to go public, since they have to disclose the lawsuit, that this may be, this may entice them to settle and make it go away, uh, even if they feel that they could otherwise beat it. Now, looking at this lawsuit, there's some elements of it that I think have a good chance of succeeding. This is if it were to go all the way, which is a good chance it won't, but... If it were to, there's certain elements I feel would have a good chance for, I'm talking about for Prignum and Liz Nico. I'm sorry, can I ask you something? Yeah. Uh, forgive me if you've already covered this. I'm reading the actual lawsuit now um, on one of these document sites. And what I want to know is it claims in the lawsuit that Alyssa Ball started playing this game less than a year ago in August. And it said she immediately, and so she was 18 at the time. It says she immediately lost $50,000. Okay. Yes. How the hell did an eighteen-year-old have fifty thousand that, dollars? That's a fine question. That is one I asked. That's one even Benjamin asked. That's something we're going to discuss shortly about Liz Nico and the weirdness surrounding her as well. There's a lot of weirdness surrounding her that I don't. I still don't understand. Uh, that right. and that's that's the big, that's one of the biggest questions. Where did she get the fifty thousand dollars to lose in the first place? But but anyway, as far as the chance of them to win, and then we'll get to that. What you're talking about here? I think the cheating thing is the weakest part of the case. Why? How do you prove it? How do you prove there was cheating? Like even if they say that they warned him, they can say, "Look, this is something that uh, wasn't intended, but we don't consider it as cheating. This is a, someone was using a feature of the software to pause, which was really intended with with just to help people be able to stop the match if they have to do something urgently. That someone used that in a way that we didn't expect, so so we asked them to stop. And it's very hard to prove." cheating like it's it, this is gonna be the hardest one to prove i think uh maybe there's some details about this i don't know they haven't been disclosed publicly and aren't apparent from the complaint that was filed i, I have a copy of the complaint not that i think there was an amended complaint i don't have a copy of that yet but um i think the amended one is what mentions the details of the third person but uh th- this complaint i have is just mentioning uh liz nico and prignum but i, I think the cheating is going to be the hardest thing to prove the Porsche thing, I think, provided it's the way that they're claiming it happened. That's going to be one of the strongest parts of the case because that's kind of indefensible. I can't imagine how they can possibly claim that he's not entitled to that if he earned it with the points. Then I think them getting their balance back, and this is my just 
opinion as a non-attorney and as someone who only read one side of this, but my opinion that the other thing that may be of decent strength for them is getting their confiscated balances back. It's, it's one thing to get back what they confiscated. It's another thing to and it's another thing to get back you know, a prize you won that they wouldn't give you. It's another thing to get additional money that someone else beat you out of when you're accusing them of cheating. The burden of proof is on you at that point to show that they cheated, and that's a very tough thing to prove in court. As we found in another case that had to do with the, with uh, cheating, uh, Mike Possel, uh, where we're, they didn't even get to that point, but that would have been a big challenge had it made it to court to prove that Mike Possel was cheating. So, so uh, that's just my opinion. Now, what has Skills had to say about this? And then and we'll talk about Liz Nico herself. Has Skills responded? They actually have. I haven't seen their actual the legal document of their response yet, but I, in an article I read about it, uh, they made a statement. And here's what Skills said, and then I'll explain what they mean here. The suit was filed by two people who colluded to cheat the Skills community. Hmm. They were caught by our trust and safety team and kicked off our platform in accordance with our terms of service and commitment to honesty, integrity, and fairness. Their case has no merit and is an attempt to intimidate our company and obtain illegitimate gains. We will defend ourselves vigorously and are evaluating all legal remedies to protect our community. Okay, so what do they mean by cheating the skills community and colluding? How can you collude in a heads-up match where you can't even pick your opponent? How is that possible? Well, the answer is it's not. So what do they mean? What is alleged, and this is according to articles I've read, what is alleged is that the method of cheating was that whenever they got matched with each other, Liz Nico and Prignum, they would both disconnect. And if both of you disconnect, it's considered an aborted match, and both people automatically get their money back and pay no rake. So they're basically avoiding playing each other. That every time they, instead of playing each other and having to pay $60 in rake, or whatever whatever it was, uh, I think even more than $60, whatever, at the highest stakes, I think it would probably be like uh, 120 or something. It, it was a 16.67% rake they were paying. It, that they could just both disconnect and pay zero rake and just not play each other. Which, skills is saying is against the terms of service, which does appear to be the case. But, let's take a look at this. How is that cheating the other players? It's, if this happened, it is cheating skills out of rake. I'll give them that. I, I would say skills would have merit to say that uh, they want that rake back that those two should have paid, and they can count the number of times this happened and say, let's deduct this from your balance. And I think skills would have a point, because when you're when you're playing the matches there, you are agreeing they can match you with who they want, and you can't intentionally dis, you can't mutually disconnect your way out of it. Like that, that makes sense. But does this cheat the other players? Answer, no. It has nothing to do with the other players. Now you may say, what about the leaderboard? Well, it doesn't affect the leaderboard because losing does not lower you on the leaderboard. In fact, it helps the other players who are on the leaderboard because there is no win that would otherwise be recorded. Because if Lisnico and Prignum played each other, one would win, one would lose, one would get points, one would get zero points. Nobody would get negative points. So one would be helped by the, for the leaderboard if they were to have played heads up without aborting. So, if anything, this helped other players make money by finishing higher in the leaderboard, not lose money. So there's no way you can say that this was cheating the skills community. At the very most, you could say this behavior, if it took place, which they're not admitting to, but if, uh, but uh, I haven't seen them denying it either. If this took place, at the worst, this was costing skills money, was cheating skills out of rake. So... Uh, 
would this be reason enough to confiscate their balance for doing this? I don't really think so. Uh, I Maybe attorneys could chime into this one, but I would think this would be reason enough to kick them off. And, of course, they could kick them off anyway. I think it would also be reason enough to kick them off and also deduct from their balance all the times they aborted and paid no rake. I, I would think the fair solution there would be kick them off and pay them what's in their balance minus the rake that they didn't pay in all these matches where they aborted. And uh, that's that's what I think would be the fair solution, but not to, not to punish them by taking their rake. Because the problem is skills is being the judge, jury, and executioner. They're saying, hey, we don't like that you were doing this aborting thing, so uh, we're taking all your money. And they can't do that. This isn't up to them to decide to take all your money. So um, the only way they can take your money is if they've proven you've won the money unfairly. When they beat other players, they were not winning the money unfairly. They were only uh, avoiding rake unfairly against each other by both disconnecting, if that's what was happening. So uh, I, I think that's kind of a weak answer from Skills, and it's interesting that that's their claim. Because notice what Skills is not claiming. Skills is not claiming that uh, Liz Nico and or Prignum hacked the system in some way. They're not claiming that either of them found an exploit in the app. They're not even claiming that either of them used that pause trick. They seem to be basically admitting that they played fairly except for that thing with the disconnect that they were doing when they got each other. And they claim they have uh, conversations that the two of them had within the app where they agreed to do this. If you asked me, what do I believe? Yeah, I believe they did it. I don't have any proof, but I, if, if, if you asked me, do you think they were pulling that trick? Yeah, I think they were. I think they didn't want to play each other. They got to be friends and uh, they figured, why do it? We're both good. Why, why, you know, why pay Rake to play each other? Why pay a lot of rake to play each other? And they probably drew each other a lot they, because there's not that many players at this high of stakes. So they probably figured the only way we're going to make money here is if we don't chunk off rake to each other. We're, we're the, the way we're going to really make money is by matching with everybody else. So Wait, so I'm sorry. I lost you there. Uh, how do they avoid playing each other? They both disconnect as soon as they see each other. They made oh, an agreement oh. beforehand, uh, and I think this is true. Like I, I don't know it's true, but uh, this is what Skills is alleging, and I believe it. This part I believe, but it didn't. That doesn't screw the other players. It does not screw the other players in any way. So that's uh, that's the problem with Skills' defense on that one. Uh, so Skills, they have a very good claim they got ripped off out of rake in this, but they, that's all they can say. So that's that's been Skills' response so far, as far as I can see, and. Uh, that seems to be where it stands right now. I haven't seen any response they've given about that third plaintiff, the one who just lost right off the bat, and, and just the, the one who was basically a fish on there that that played and lost right away and lost her life savings of $60,000. I think that these apps need very strict regulation, like all gaming uh, platforms do that are legalized in the U.S. This should be treated as gaming, and it needs to have very specific rules governing it. And I think one thing that should be stopped is this matching crap. They shouldn't be matching people of similar skill. That's actually not right. That's being done not to make it fair for people. It's making it so they so nobody can win. A true game of skill should be about skill. It should be that, and, and the way to separate that should be through stakes, that if people want to, if people aren't very good, they should be uh, encouraged to play low stakes. If people are, are, you can even make where you don't unlock the higher stakes until someone gets better. That, that's one thing you could do. You could say that, uh, 
you 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 can only play these uh, low recreational levels. You know, one dollar, five dollars, and until we see you're at a certain skill level, you can unlock higher ones. Something like that. Uh, or don't do that. But whatever. If like in poker, there's there's no uh, there's nothing that stops uh, fish from coming into poker games, even high stakes games. I think let each adult uh, be the keeper of their own finances, and also let them understand that this is a skill game, and that you're going to be playing against uh, people, some people who are good, including at the higher stakes, and will be very good. And don't put out marketing that makes it look like you effortlessly win money there, because you're, you're not. Even if it was not doing this uh, skill level matching, most people would lose, just like most people lose in poker, just w- not as many. Uh, and they're, they're, by the way, the reason a lot more people would win if they didn't do the skill matching would be that uh, not everybody would try to move up to the highest stakes. So you would have people that would be satisfied making a little bit of money playing fish, playing people at lower stakes who just aren't very good. So if you, if it was not matching based on skill, if it was totally random you'd be matched like, at the lowest level with some people who are good, some people who are awful, some people in the middle, and if you're a fairly good player, you should be able to um, maybe beat the rake. And uh, if there's enough bad players there and be able to make scratch out a little bit of money. And then you can keep trying to move up. Similar to poker. you know, In poker, uh, the higher you move, the, the tougher the games get. But uh, you know, there's a lot of factors of whether you should do that or not. How much you can afford, how good you are. So it should be like that. They have a they have a model for poker the way it works. So they should make it like that instead of matching people by skill. But they're matching people by skill, obviously, so they can collect the maximum rake. And maybe they're even matching people based upon completed matches, and and matching people to existing scores. I know they're not matching two existing scores together, but still, matching to one existing score could be a problem. And they won't give me a straight answer on that when I've asked them. So. Uh, these need to be regulated. There need to be rules set down, and there need to be rules set down on how they can market it. So I, I hope this lawsuit succeeds, and I hope that skills get some comeuppance for this. Now, they, they mentioned the thing about the CEO hitting on Liz Nico and asking, do you like older guys and all that. I don't think that has much to do it, – it's funny to talk about on the show here, but I don't think that has much to do with anything that happened here. I don't think that really uh, – it makes them kind of look bad and unprofessional, but I don't think that's going to really affect the lawsuit because it just doesn't seem like it's relevant. It's, it's kind of a good gossip topic, but that's about it. And, yeah, it shows some unprofessional behavior, but that's not really the crux of the argument here. Uh, it is kind of interesting that <laughs> that this is the way the guy approached it. I mean, you think if the, you're the CEO of a company that's about to be valued at $3.6 billion, you don't have to clumsily hit on girls on Facebook, uh, not, on Instagram, but apparently he did. So uh, let's get to talking about Liz Nico and her story. It's just so weird. So, of course, the first question, Brandon asked it, even Benjamin asked it, where does a 19-year-old, or maybe actually then an 18-year-old, get $50,000 to lose off the bat? Because her story is, I lost 50 k off the bat, I studied the game, I got better, I started to win, I became a winning player, and and then I got most of my winnings taken by that guy who was cheating. That, that's basically her story. So where did the first 50000 come from? How does an 18-year-old come up with 50000 And we don't have an answer to that. 
Also, uh, the, the whole thing with her is weird. Uh, so she claimed to me personally, she hasn't claimed this in any of the court filings, but she claimed to me personally that her parents were poker players. I can't find any evidence of that. Now that I have her name, and uh, someone on my forum even looked up who her parents probably are, and there's no indication that the parents ever had any kind of success in poker. Maybe they were cash players under the radar. I don't know any poker players with the last name of Ball. Do you? No. No. So I, I don't know. Maybe she maybe she exaggerated her parents' poker success. Maybe even they exaggerated her. Whatever it is, I, I don't think that her parents are, are uh, poker pros who are, who are great. But I still don't understand the 50000 Was it Was it a trust fund? Are her parents just rich from some other sources? Uh, was it an inheritance? It's really weird. And then it's then it's also just kind of strange to think about. This is a girl who, like, wh- why is this what she's doing with her time? Like, like how many girls who look like what Liz Nico does are spending their time on apps like this, like trying to get good at a card game? Like, you just don't see girls of eighteen years old doing that. Uh, it's just, you, you wouldn't expect that. You would you would totally not expect that, uh, one of the top players on there last year was her. You would totally think that's a fake picture. Like, it, it's really odd. Like, Prignum kind of looked like what you'd expect. And I'm not even talking about a gender thing. Like, if she were, uh, 35 years old, fine. You know, there's a lot of, uh, good female card players out there. We see that in poker. So I'm not saying a female can't be good at this. Like an 18-year-old female, a, a really pretty 18-year-old female who who goes on Instagram and posts bikini pictures and all these other scantily clad photos. Like that's never who I'd be expecting to be on the leaderboard, and especially not losing 50k off the bat. The whole thing is so strange. And also, when I talk to her, it's, it's I'll give her credit. She was very down to earth. She wasn't arrogant, and. Um, and there's a lot of people who get hit on on these sites. Like, here's kind of a funny story. Uh, people were, I, I never explicitly said who I was when I played on there, but um, I would sometimes talk about playing poker or things like that. I just, I, on purpose, I just didn't want to say who I was. But uh, one day, people were uh, posting, like, old pictures of themselves. So my picture on there was not a picture of me. It was just like, I'd have like random pictures up that weren't of people, just like whatever. Uh, that, but people were posting a bunch of old pictures of themselves. So I'm like, okay, I'll show you guys some old pictures of me. So I put up a picture of me from when I was 22 years old. And, and not to mislead anybody, I told them what my real age was. It, everybody in the chat was switching to old pictures. So I was cycling through various old pictures from the 90s. And the last picture I had up there was a picture from when I was 22. Well, I never, I just, neglected to change the picture so all of a sudden the next few days i started to get these random messages from girls on there and i actually had girls hitting on me who were in their 20s just randomly they saw my picture and they liked my picture which i guess was flattering that they thought i was attractive in the 1990s but they they thought this was current me so then i had to break it to them like they it, it was funny they just like sort of like hey what's up hi and I, <laughs> I never got that before never got that before and uh, like I, I talked to guys on there who had like pictures up there that were older and they, they never, I, I was getting girls that looked around the age that I was in the picture messaging me. <laughs> so I'm thinking if I'm getting this from girls here, I can imagine what the girls get. 
and then I had to break it to the girls as a number one, I'm not single, and number two, that was me like 25 years ago. And then like I just get silence, like just no response. And I got a number of these. I, I was very surprised that Liz Nico was like down to earth and like wasn't arrogant at all. She, it, The whole story with her is like such a mystery to me. I'd love to know the whole deal with her. And where'd she get the money? Where'd she get this intense interest in the games? Uh, like, what is her story? Other than claiming to have parents who are poker players and she lives in Vegas. And you know, does she have any further connection to poker? I don't know. So that's uh, that's what's going on with this. We'll see where it goes. Uh, an article appeared in the Las Vegas Review Journal about it. So that's I read that before anything else. So it's getting some publicity now, four months later. And we will continue to follow this. This isn't really being covered anywhere else except for the Review Journal article, but I hope that changes. I hope more media covers this, and I really hope some attention is brought. And the damn Jennifer, that damn Jennifer Newell wrote an article about it. She did. That she that, that There were a few articles written back in June. I don't know how they found out about it. I, I don't know how Jennifer Newell found out about it, and this also this other guy, uh, uh, he, he wrote an article about it, both, both in late June, and I don't know where they found it, but they found it way before I did somehow. I only found out it because uh, Mac Verstandig uh, wrote, uh, tweeted about it, and I was surprised I missed it because I usually read all these poker news sites which have articles like from people like Jennifer Newell, and uh, I that's where I find interesting stuff to talk about on here a lot of times. Sometimes stuff's brought to me directly. Sometimes we have exclusives, but uh, this one was reported on very lightly in poker and gambling media. And when I say lightly, I mean very lightly. There's like three articles on a total, and then nothing. And the only reason it's getting attention now is because Mac tweeted it, and then there's a Review Journal article, and I don't know how the Review Journal found out. Maybe Mac told them. Maybe they saw something else that was about this. Whatever it was, uh, I saw it when Mac was tweeting at the Review Journal article. So now we're covering it, and I will give you updates as this comes out. Okay, so I'll take a break. I'll be right back, and we will go on to the topic about the violence in Las Vegas. Okay, now most of you guys know that I'm very picky regarding which sponsors I take. If I don't believe in the product or service being offered, I don't take the ad. And that's why I lose money on the site every month, even though I'm a cheap Jew, and it kills me to send out that money every month knowing that it is not coming back in. But I'm really, really excited about this new Poker Fraud Alert sponsor because I feel he's providing a service to the poker community that they really, really need. Eric Bensamokin is an attorney and a longtime poker player who provides arbitration and mediation for poker and gambling-related disputes. Now, simply put, if someone owes you money, or if they think you owe them money, he's a fully impartial third party you can trust to listen, understand, and decide who's right. The reason you can trust him is because Eric is a licensed attorney in the state of California and federally, and he's able to arbitrate and mediate for you no matter where you live. So you don't have to be in California, you can be anywhere, and he can arbitrate or mediate for you. What makes Eric perfect for this is the fact that he's an attorney bound by the rules and ethics of the state bar. And he's also a longtime poker player, so he understands the issues of our community. And at the same time, he's an outsider, and he, he's probably not likely to know anybody connected to your dispute. So you're not going to have to worry that he's friends with a guy that you're disputing with, or even friends of a friend. He's really an outsider to the community who plays poker for fun, but knows the community really well. It's perfect, and he's a licensed attorney. You can't do better than that. 
This means you will get a completely impartial decision from a qualified attorney who understands everything. And I'll be honest, if I had a poker-related money dispute with someone, Eric is the exact type of arbitrator or mediator that I would be looking for. Take down his email address, eric at eblawfirm.us. That's eric at eblawfirm.us. If you feel you're being scammed or if someone owes you money or if someone's accusing you of owing them money, just send Eric an email. It's not going to cost you anything. It's not going to hurt you. Just send him an email, and he'll tell you what he thinks of the whole situation, and then you can go from there. Eric can perform both arbitration, where he decides who's right, and mediation, where he helps both of you figure out your own agreement. Keep the email address around, even if you don't have a dispute at the moment, because you never know when one will come up, and Eric is exactly the man you need for the job. That's eric at eblawfirm.us. That's attorney Eric Benzamokin, eric at eblawfirm.us. Okay, I'm back. Brandon is still missing. When he comes back, we're going to talk about the violence that is occurring in Las Vegas. If you want to text me, the phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can call, you can text. I may read your text on the air unless you ask me at the beginning not to. And remember, you can text me even after you have listened to the show in the archives. It does not have to be a live text. Here's a live phone call from Brandon, who's back. Let's, Can you uh, hear me? Yes. Hello. Okay, that's weird. I was there before. I heard you, and you didn't hear me. I could not hear you. Okay, well. I was playing some... Alexa, go to my homepage. Um, I was playing some music, and I maybe it didn't go through. Okay, anyhow. Uh, what did you decide? Is this going to be the last segment you think, or can you go? No, it won't, it won't be. The, it won't be the last segment. I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but let's let's go to the Vegas segment. Okay. We'll do that first. Sure. Las yeah. Vegas has changed a lot since the pandemic and since the reopening. And if you go to Las Vegas expecting the Las Vegas you saw in 2018 or 2019, you're going to be very surprised. And probably oh, New Year's of this year, St. Patrick's Day of this year, yeah. you won't see that Vegas. Yeah, yeah, you won't. So, not even going back years. Go yeah. back six months. That's correct. So. You have to understand that before you go. And now, some things you probably would expect at this point, but, like like yeah, hold uh, on, but hold on, real fast. So as a caveat to what you're saying, I th- and I, I you're right, a hundred percent right. But I think that's a fair statement everywhere. The Disneyland you go to is it going to be the Disneyland you went to? The this that you this resort that you you know what I mean? I think that poses to the, the airplane that your first class airplane or coach airplane ride experience nothing is going to be what it was so yeah. that's the main thing to understand so i i guess what i'm saying is i don't think people are going to come here and they're going to be like shocked oh my god it's this i mean you kind of know now no matter what you do what the limitations are going to be in right and, and I, I use or, that i use that argument as far as uh i mean with school with with when we had the choice about whether to send benjamin to regular school uh, or or by zoom which ended up only being by zoom anyway but back when the choice was presented sure. uh i actually said let's do it on zoom and one of the reasons i used was that the school he would return to in person wouldn't be the school that he was in last year that it would be so different and the students would be so restricted and so spaced out and it's just it's not going to be the same experience it's not like you know it's like this i told my dad today you know i I, i've been helping my dad a lot uh because you know i'm his only family out here and he's in that age range like but you know your dad he has his wife still and you know you have other siblings so he doesn't have you know 
I'm the only child that lives out here. And I, you know, there's certain things he needs help doing. And not, he's in great health. I mean, he's in better health than some 50 year olds, but still because the pandemic or, you know, anyhow. And today I, I, I said to him, you know, and I'm sure this is going to pose true to a lot of you that think about where we were in March and think of where we are now. And, and what I mean by that is, Today, for example, we went and we had to run some errands. We had to get some groceries and some other things I had to, I just had to help them with. And we have masks on and we have our, our disinfectant in our hands and all of it was second nature. In the beginning, like, you know, we had to get our masks comfortable and it was kind of like awkward, like the breathing and like, you know, like at first we weren't, it took us a while to get used to it. Now it's like second nature. Like, you know, you could, I could, if I had to, Go a whole day with the mask on. I wouldn't like it, but I could and I could function. But the point I'm making is in just in six months, we've adapted. Our bodies have adapted. Our minds have adapted that doing all these things with the, with, you know, the sanitizer in our hands constantly and the masks and new masks. And my dad wears gloves when he goes out just to make sure nothing even gets near his skin. You know, it's second nature. And like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's already like, it's, it's, not even like you're giving it a second thought. You're not complaining. You're not in discomfort. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it's already just ingrained in us that this is how our daily lives are. Yes. And, and it's, it's just, it's, it's very strange. And in a way, that's what Vegas is now too. Like you go to the casinos and dealers, the pit bosses there, everyone has masks on and everyone's following along the correct way and no one's even talking about it. It's almost like it's business as usual. Yes. Yeah, so, so, but ahead. then there's a lot of things, but there's a lot of things in Vegas for tourists that they don't have. They don't have the shows. They don't have, uh, and then uh, a lot of the restaurants are still closed. A lot, a lot of the attractions are still closed. Well, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. What I've noticed recently is that the majority of the high-end restaurants now, more more have been coming back as each passing weekend. But Labor Day, a lot of them reopened. And they weren't just going to reopen uh, for one weekend. So what they're doing now is like Delmonico's. I mean, I can name a ton of them. But I'll just use Delmonico's, which is a high-end steak place at, at the Venetian, for instance. They're doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And they're just going to stay closed because there's just not enough business during the week to justify the staff and the food and the, you know, the whole experience. But a lot of them are now just doing three day weeks. Yeah. So, okay, go ahead. I'm so you, you probably expect that to some degree. You probably know that you go there. It's not going to be the identical Vegas. We remember it'd be a lot of things closed, a lot of things just operating differently because of the having to wear masks and social distance. So that you probably know, you may not actively think of when you think about Vegas, you may still kind of picture it the way it was before, but, Something you probably don't think about, unless you've seen the recent footage, which you may have, but something you probably don't think about is who is going to be there with you and how do they behave. So it looks like to me, and Brandon can tell me from being there because I haven't been to Vegas in 2020, the demographic's gotten younger, and, and and the next thing I'm going to say applies to all the races of people coming there, the demographic has gotten trashier, where... There's, that, a, yes, there's a lot of people that are coming who are people you would not want to associate with, and I'm talking about black people you would not want to associate with, Hispanic people you wouldn't want to associate with, and white people you would not want to associate with. And if you watch these videos, you've seen these people. Of, uh, Asian as well. Asian as and, well. And so, so there's a, there's gang members. There's uh, there's there's white supremacist Nazi types coming in. There's uh, uh, all kinds of people coming in. And, and I'm, you know, I, I'm just being honest about everything. It, it, there is a lot more minority heavy than it was before, but 
the white people that are coming are a big problem too. So I don't want to blame this on the minorities because you'll see in the videos, like for example, there's a video of a guy pulling up his shirt and, and, and showing off that uh, he has a, a Nazi tattoo under there. So like, and then they, then he's like picking a fight with some Mexican guys and a big brawl breaks out. So that's happening as well. So it's like really the people who are coming are low class. That's the best way to put it. And, yes. and, and, and it's younger, which kind of goes together because uh, people who are older aren't as likely to cause well, you know trouble. Let me, let me correct you on something. It's not just that it's younger because there are certain casinos that the demographic is always skewed younger than, say, like, okay, here's an example. The Cosmopolitan is always is always skewed younger than, say, the Bellagio. And the, or the Palms is always skewed younger, especially at night, than, say, the Venetian or even the wind, and, you know, because so, it, it just, you know, they play music and it's loud and, you know, they, it's just more of a party kind of atmosphere that your clientele that are staying at the Aria or the Bellagio, you know, aren't interested in at that stage of their lives. Do you agree? Yeah, but, but I'm saying from what I've seen in the videos, like all over the place, it's, it's gotten younger. Well, okay, but there's a reason for that. Okay, go on. So, okay, so what what's occurred here, and it's really become a big, big dilemma. This is something, I mean, the city's been through everything. You know, it's been through well, the mass shooting. It's been through 9-11. It's been through the mob. You know, I mean, all these changes, but yet this is something the city hasn't seen. It's almost like a perfect storm. So this is what ended up happening. The casinos opened up in June, at the end of middle of June. I, what was the exact date? Uh, I mean, June fourth. I, I think casinos. it was June fourth. Okay, the first casinos. Yeah, and then some opened up the middle of June, and they didn't know what to expect. And after a few days, um, it opened up on a Thursday, right at midnight. And after a few days, their worst fears, you know, came true. Uh, which they kind of already gauged because of their lack of reservations. It was a ghost town here. And not only was it a ghost town for locals or for, for tourists not coming here, but the locals weren't going to the strip. Why would they? Most locals, you know, for people that don't know that, you know, I would say most of the locals that I know that aren't poker players and or don't work on the strip or, or you know, something to do with being on the strip, which is a lot. They at sometimes go years. I know people that, that even people that gamble from time to time that have been, you know, my ex-girlfriend's parents, for instance, and they're, you know, they're, they're well to do. Um, you know, they, they, they'll go and they'll gamble at their local casinos. I remember as recently as two years ago, they hadn't been down on the strip in over five years and they're like older, you know, they're like in their 60s or whatever, but still, but there's a lot of instances like that where there are people I know that just don't go to the strip. So anyhow, the strip was counting on people being pented up, you know, locked up so long and just have frustration. They want to come to Vegas. That didn't happen. They counted on locals, you know, because of the free parking that they offered and other things. That didn't happen either. I'll tell you right now, this is hilarious. Okay. And sorry to go on a little rant here, but it's really funny. Uh, I know I've joked in the past years ago that the palms was so desperate. They were enticing people to come and get batteries. And then there was another thing where there was some kind of cleaner they were giving away. Like a, like a spray thing, like a, you know, whatever, I don't know, Mr. Clean, something similar to get people to come in. Like, you know, these gifts, there's one casino. Okay. 
and there's a couple you could name, but oh, actually, you know what? Let me put it this way, Druff. Okay, you're familiar, of course you are, with the different gifts that casinos give, and there's two ways these are normally done. Either the casino just gives it to its players, meaning they just have to walk in the door, or you have to come in and you have to earn a nominal amount of points by playing either a video poker machine, a slot machine, or or a table game. So those are normally the two ways that these offers are given, but a lot of times they're just free. Like the Red Rock will give out apple pies to everybody, or you just have to have the minimal card, or the Orleans gives out a $3 bottle of wine that they probably buy in bulk, and it's a dollar. Okay, out of all the high-end and nice casinos that are in Vegas, name for me just the number one casino you think would never resort to such grandstanding of having to literally give out gifts to get people in their doors, that you're just even too classy to ever do that. Name a casino that you think you'd never see do that. I would think the Bellagio would be one. Okay. Uh, all right, name another one. I think uh, the Aria, the Venetian, the Wynn, something like that. Okay. I got an email today telling me, okay, and I'll send this to you. I never thought I'd see this day. Every Sunday for the month of September, starting this Sunday, I can come down to the Wynn between noon and 4 p.m. and pick up a piece of a pot and pan set. It's a four-piece set. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, are you there, Droff? Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead. Okay, I'm going to continue on. I want to send this to you. Okay. Because this right here just tells you how dire shape that they're in. So I'm going to I'm gonna send this to you because I never thought I'd see this day. Because it's just, I mean, they're, they're the epitome of class. So they don't want you just to come in one day of the month and get a pot. They're they're encouraging locals <laughs> to come in every Sunday so you can get the complete set. The complete set of pots and pans. Pots and pans. Druff. Okay, well send it to me. I wanna I gotta see okay, it now. I'm sending it to you now. So then this is just funny. Okay. Okay, I sent it to you. Maybe an hour or two later I check my email and I get this email. Okay. And this email says, this is not as funny as the one that I'm sending, Druff. Dear Brandon, we miss seeing you. We have a special offer for you on your next visit. This offer is from a casino in Biloxi called the Beau Rivage. Druff, do you know the last time I was at the Beau Rivage? If you had to guess. Ten years ago? I stayed there when I originally moved out to Vegas for one night with a comp back in 2002. Wow. 18 years ago and it says in big bold letters we miss seeing you it's been 18 years and then it gives me a free hotel offer for three nights $30 in gaming free play with another bonus if I earn points and then $20 a day in food and then a round of golf and anyhow it just so this is what we're dealing with and by the way I don't think my name was in that offer I sent you I think I blocked it, it doesn't matter but as long as it doesn't have my card information you can feel free to post that on PFA because it's something you'll never see again in yeah, your life. It's, it's, it's from the win. I don't know if you said that. Yeah, I did say that. Okay, I missed that. Because when you guess, you guess the Bellagio and then in your second group of casinos, you said the win. I said you were right. I mean, listen, this is a casino that really, really, really just prides itself on being on the epitome of class. Like if someone would have said, Druff, what do you think the odds are that the winds are going to try to get people to come in and get some cheap pan and pot set for the whole month? 
<laughs> you would have said, it, 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 I mean, it's not going to happen anytime soon. But that's where they're at right now to get locals in there. This isn't something they're sending to, you know, their players in California. Anyhow, okay. So, Druff, did you get the did you get the ad yet? Yes. Okay. What do you What do you think? What are your first thoughts on looking at that? Yeah, it's hilarious. It's it's it shows four different uh, two pots, a, a, a pan, and and like a, an oven tray. There's actually an oven tray, and yep. and it says uh, uh, set a weekly date at a, at Win Las Vegas from September second to twenty to twenty seventh for a chance to collect all four pieces of a cast iron cookware set. <laughs> yep. Now that's something again that like. If the Orleans sent it to me, the Silverton, Red Rock, I'd be like, okay, whatever. It's a normal, but this is, it's not a place that a four or five hundred dollar a night hotel is going to, it just, they don't do this, but that's how bad they're. Okay. So anyhow, backtracking a little bit. Once we reopened the casinos, they were way worse than anyone could imagine in terms of occupancy. Then the locals didn't show up either. And you know why the locals didn't show up? Because most of them were just, isolated and pissed and felt just neglected when the casino started charging for parking and all these other fees. So they lost them. They go to the locals here. They go to station casinos. They go to Boyd casinos. They go to Dotties. They go to all these taverns. They don't, the majority of locals, they, they have no interest in going to the strip. And a lot of them are, are educated now enough that they know whether it's, uh, you know, table games or video poker, whatever it may be, they're going to get better odds you know, away from the strip. They know now, like they're just, you know, they're not that many suckers that live here. So anyhow, the casinos had a dilemma. Okay. I mean, they, they had to get some beds or some heads in these beds. That's the the adage they use here. So what they immediately did is they dropped dramatically to literally all time lows, uh, or I shouldn't even say all time lows. They dropped room rates to historic lows and the only thing I can compare it to is since I've lived here, Druff, do you have any idea the slowest week the entire year in Las Vegas? Yes. I think it is the one uh, before the Christmas crowd comes in. It's the week. It's the week before Christmas. Yes. Okay. So I it got it right. so dead here. You can get – I mean if you ever wanted to come here, and I learned this about 20 years ago when I before I lived here, maybe 22 years ago, where I got – a really sick suite at the Mirage and at the Venetian, okay, for under a hundred dollars. A room that would have cost three, four hundred bucks. And I came with a girlfriend of mine. The week from like say the fifteenth, sixteenth to like the twenty third is always the lowest occupancy of the year because people are home with their families, they're not spending money because of the gifts. It's just it's dead. And they want to get people here. So if you ever want to come here, and you could around that time, and you want to stay, you know, in a nice room and do things, you know, that you could never afford or couldn't justify affording, or just want to get great deals, that's the time to well, do. Well, I, I want to put and an you, asterisk on it. Maybe things will change, but uh, they also had a number of things that were scheduled to be closed. Then certain shows would go dark. Uh, certain oh, restaurants right. would go dark. That's 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 true too. That's another reason why. Yep, absolutely. Everyone goes like does their pre-Christmas breakdown. Okay, so. Things were worse than that now in terms of occupancy. I mean, they just couldn't get anyone in here. So what did they immediately do? Well, you know, by the middle of June, when they were panicking, they dramatically reduced the rates everywhere. Okay. Not only did they dramatically reduce the rates because that didn't work. Some places stopped with resort fees. Some places such as station casinos now still are charging resort fees. Some places like Cosmo or certain days, certain offers, not charging resort fees. And that still didn't work. So then they started not only dropping the resort fees in many cases and 
always lowering the room rates, they started giving additive incentives, $50 in food a day, $75 in food a day, you know, th- this kind of resort credit. I mean, they were just doing everything they could. So then what started happening, and I noticed this late July, late July, I decided I wanted to stay at Caesars for a couple of days and I stayed there and I just played online poker, which is actually funny. People like laugh at me or people might laugh at me thinking like you live here. Why would you do that? Because I'd been in my house since March and I just wanted to get out for a few days and, you know, stay even staying in a room after being in the same home, just almost nonstop. I saw on PFA today, another forum member said, uh, Paul, is it Padre, El Padre, whatever his yeah, name yeah, was. Padre 33. He, yeah, he was talking about doing the same thing, just coming to Vegas and just staying in the room the whole time and eating well and just playing online poker just to get out of the house. So I did that, and I noticed right then and there that there was a lower class of, of people uh, that were in the casino. And I mean, just, you know, when you say lower class, they were dressed nice. They were loud. You could see them putting, like, throwing trash on the floor. It just was a lower class of people. And I had never seen, you know, that, that kind of, in, in that, in those numbers. It just, anyhow, I wasn't like, you know, I didn't feel unsafe or I didn't feel threatened, but you could just tell. So it didn't really pick up any publicity and, you know, but it, that, it started, you know, pretty soon thereafter. Then once we hit July 4th and then through August, this is what the trend became. And this is why what's occurred has occurred. It's a combination of things. Number one, as I said, casinos are at an all-time low, okay, in terms of resort or in terms of uh, occupancy rates and what they're charging. Um, you could, for instance, easily stay at Caesars for less than $100, you know, if not even free. Uh, same thing for Venetian Palazzo. Basically, if you have any play, any decent play that would never get you a room in your life, you probably are getting offers or could get offers. You could call a host. So they started mass marketing just to get people in there. I mean, basically, I don't know what the, the level of play was for the qualifications because you're talking about tons of different casinos, you know, obviously. But it was very minimal. It may just be in some cases people that have any history or, or you know, don't have a history that they just want to get in there. So what started happening was people were coming from out of state. These aren't like, you know, locals that are doing this. And they were using their money that they were getting from either PUA, their weekly money from PUA or unemployment, and they were staying in hotels that they never otherwise could have been able to afford. Okay. Places, you know, like the wind that used to charge three, four hundred a night plus tax and a resort fee or, you know, Aria, Bellagio, whatever it may be. And they're staying there because the rooms are cheap and they have weekly money coming in. Then adding to it, Okay, the, the limited liability that these customers were facing, they were staying in groups of four, six, and, and more per room, per room. <laughs> so if you're staying six people to a room and you're already getting a reduced, I mean, it, it's, it's basically just a nominal amount of money. In some cases, you could be talking 15, 20 bucks a night. I mean, if not less. So they're packing these rooms in large parties. Okay, like, like kind of like we used to do when we were in high school and we didn't have money and we'd kind of have like a party and, you know, six of us, seven of us would just stay in a hotel. People are on the floor. There's two or three to a bed, a couch. You know, I don't know if you ever did that kind of stuff when you were a kid. But, like, we did that, you know, I lived in Florida. Go get a hotel on the beach and, you know, with your close friends and everyone would just kind of crash out. It'd be a $60 a night, $80 a night hotel. Everyone puts in 10 bucks. But so that's, so that's in essence what was going on. So 
people noticed that the demographic was different, that these were people that were just in many cases being rude, they're being loud, they're partying in the rooms, which they're keeping other people awake, they're trashing the hotels, they're trashing the rooms, they're not dressing appropriately. And when I say that, I just mean, you know, even now, like in nice places, and there'll always be outliers, but you go to the Bellagio on a Friday night, Saturday night, you know, in many cases, any evening when the sun goes down, people are going to be wearing decent clothes. You're not going to see people wearing beach attire, people wearing, you know, flip-flop. You know, you just, there's a certain level of decor, especially in the higher end places, especially like the wind, you know, the wind, which actually has dress codes that, you know, they, they from time to time have to enforce. So you're seeing a lot of that. And you're just seeing like a loud kind of belligerent attitude, you know, that, that especially these high end properties aren't used to. So as the end of August and or I should say the middle of August up until Labor Day occurred, it's picking up steam and this is still happening. It's, it's, it's more and more. It's becoming, you know, more commonplace and more people are hearing about it. More people that visit, you know, once a month, twice a month are seeing the same experiences. So it got to a point, as I mentioned, during the introduction to the show that a couple of high-end uh, casino executives that were off the record told the Las Vegas Journal that they were genuinely concerned that they had numerous high-end whales, that, that was their term, they used the term whales, tell them that they nor their families feel safe and that no, that Las Vegas needs to get their house in order before they'll come back. And in the meantime, you know, don't expect business from us. Um, saying that literally like they, the last time or the last two times they were here, they didn't feel safe, like, you know, going down to the casino lobby. They didn't feel safe, you know, leaving their room that it was that bad. So this past weekend was Labor Day and it was the, I guess in a sense, the camel that broke, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, there were a number, okay, of arrests and violent altercations all throughout Las Vegas in hotels. And, you know, fights happen, like, in, but you have to remember, you know, the main majority of fights, and these are just small skirmishes that occur in Vegas, are usually in nightclubs, usually because of drinking. But we're talking, they, they had them at a number of casinos downtown. They had one at the Bellagio. They had them at the Aria. We're just talking about literally, like, in the casino, in the common areas that people are walking. We're talking, you know, like, fights of seven, eight, ten people. Some cases just pushing and shoving, other cases punching, you know, punches being thrown, thrown. So what really got the attention of, uh, I guess the average everyday American that follows it, trials and tribulations of Vegas was there is a brawl at a bar at the Encore, which uh, the Encore is connected to the, the win. It's the same company. It's the same design of the hotel, just an expansion from about six, six, seven years ago. Uh, maybe eight years ago. And it's just as lovely and, and gorgeous and pristine as the win is. And it's not used to that. You go to the win or you go to the encore on a Friday, Saturday night, you're going to see the nicest, most dressed up, you know, a lot of South Americans, a lot of Europeans. Um, you know, it's just the way it is. Like you're going to see a lot of high class people. Now you'll see other people that kind of, I mean, even the hookers, by the way, at the win and encore are high end. Like it's just, it's that, it's that vibe and they've done a really good job you know, over the years of maintaining that. And so anyhow, there was a brawl and somebody recorded the entirety of the brawl at, at the encore and they put it on YouTube. And then some other sites that cover Vegas started tweeting and it went viral and it got a lot of it. This got mainstream us and I'm sure it was even covered in the daily 
that what what is it? What's that paper that covers the U.S. events? The Daily Mail is it? Oh, yeah, the Daily Mail UK. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and this this was bad because this was the first time it kind of got out of Vegas. Like, what was going on? It was the media kind of referred to Vegas as a city out of control. So, the first thing that ended up happening is, you know, they realized after Labor Day, like, we have to do something. This is, you know, we're going to lose our high-end people. Like, we've lost control or we're losing control of the city. So the first thing they did was they announced that the win announced, and they're always very progressive and all these type of things, that regardless of their uh, occupancy, you know, the record historical low occupancy, they're jacking back up the rates. The second thing they announced was that they were – jacking up and i don't know the, the the number the amount i didn't research it but they said in the statement they're jacking up and when i say jacking up they're increasing the security deposit and then the third thing that they were implementing was there was going to be some sort of check at the elevator and they had determined i think two people allowed per bed per room so like technically you could have two couples and meaning they weren't going to allow even if they you just tried to say, hey, you know, we're all friends. They're not going to let eight people, ten people go into a room together. The other thing was Wynn said in a statement that they had over, listen to this, Jeff, they had over $150,000 in vandalism done to their rooms over Labor Day alone. Okay, not one room, just the, the property. Over $150,000 and just damages done to, wow. to various rooms, <laughs> which had never been done before. It, it just, they were stunned. Today, the Wynn had two of their attorneys go down to the Clark County courthouse before it closed. And they actually filed a lawsuit against the 15 individuals that were cited by Metro and detained for brawling at the encore. I didn't read yet what the actual claims in the lawsuit are for. And they're seeking damages from the 15. Now, I don't know if it's for, you know, loss of business for, you know, scaring customers. I, I don't know. But but it made it made the head of the first story. It's a six o'clock news. It's the front page of the Review Journal app. This was today. They literally said, "Fuck this. We're going to send a message." And they sent their two lawyers to file this lawsuit today to get it on the books before the weekend started. So they're suing the fifteen people that I guess they know of, like in terms of their names and their information. And they're without a doubt they're banned. They're eighty six. They'll never ever be able to legally step foot in the win again. Um, but anyhow, so so that so that's what it is, and there's no other real explanation other than the fact that the, the rates are low, you know, and the fact that people are still getting government money, and it went in many states. Ironically enough, not Las Vegas, people are back to getting not the thousand a week that they were, but they're getting you know seven or eight hundred dollars a week now again, and that with combined with the fact that yeah, you you know have six or seven people share a room at the win that normally would cost you know. Four or five hundred dollars, and now it's going to cost you a hundred twenty a night, and you're going to get seventy five bucks in food or whatever it may be. You know that it's nothing; it's pennies. You know, so so that's what the problem is. And I think now, you know, especially these high end casinos that aren't used to this, they've made the choice that they just have to. They're going to have to figure out a way, whether it's cutting back on other services, you know, like housekeeping or you know whatever it may be, you know. And they're just going to have to jack up the rates and put them back to close to what they were pre-pandemic to weed out people that, you know, aren't, that wouldn't come here, you know, if, if the rooms weren't so cheap. And that's what's, that's what's going on. And it's not even just that. I don't really understand this trend at all, but also what's happening is the people that are coming, coming or, or a lot, or I shouldn't say that, 
the undesirables that are coming, a lot of them are just congregating on the strip between hotels. I mean, they're not gambling. They're not staying in the hotels. So they're just like on the streets, like just kind of, you know, like between casinos and when people, you know, women, friends, whatever, are, are walking from hotel to hotel, they're reporting that they've been leered at, that they're being whistled, comments are being made. They, they feel intimidated. Like they're just like kind of, I don't know what the correct analogy is. I don't want to use the term gangs, but just a lot of people converging like right, you know, between the Venetian and Harris, between Harris and, and uh, the Flamingo, but just outside the casinos on the roads, you know, on the walkways. And that's where they're kind of just like chilling, smoking marijuana, just kind of hanging out with, with their friends. And they're not really even putting money or spending money, you know, in the city. So anyway, it's been a big problem. Um, Again, the one executive today that wasn't on the record, but, you know, journal, review journal said it was from a high end strip resort said that his 30 plus years of being in this industry, he's never seen anything like this. The fear that that was struck people and just how out of control things have gotten so quick. So that's really it. And, you know, it's, it's a terrible situation because what are you going to do? I mean, you know, you can't. You can't raise things so high that, you know, people that aren't going to come anyhow now, they're definitely not going to come. I mean, you know, who's going to pay the same amount of money they were for a, a room, you know, where there's way less amenities, way less things to do? I mean, you know, and a lot of people don't have the money and not everyone's getting this, you know, PUA or this unemployment. So I stand by what I've said before. I mean, this city is in a lot of trouble. I mean, it really, really is. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's really, really, it's a scary, scary thing to think about. Um, this, you know, this isn't something that's going to turn around anytime soon. Uh, you know, this is something that's going to probably put more stress on, on the infrastructure and just the, the industry here way worse than 9-11 did, way worse than, than the mass shooting did. I mean, we're talking 2022 you know, most likely before we begin to see this turnaround. I mean, it, you know, when you get to the fact that people now are like kind of scared to come here, like that's a word that they're using. They have a fear like of coming here. Like that's the one thing you don't want to hear. Well, yeah, you know, like, I'll, tell, just, I'll tell you what I've heard. I've heard from people yeah. who work in uh, work in or know people who work in security there. And they said that there's actually there hasn't been enough action on the part of casino because security either that the security kind of stands back and lets all this happen and kind of lets the police deal with it. Well, but the pro okay. But the thing you got to understand about that is look, these security guards are getting paid decent for, you know, their, their qualifications and, and, you know, the lack of like, you know, degrees, but in today's day and age, they don't want, first of all, they don't want to risk. A lot of them don't want to risk their lives or their livelihood or, or, you know, or whatever it may be. You know, and if you look, listen, I'm sure you've seen this. I've seen security guards at some of these casinos that, I mean, you could take out both of them. Like they're older, they're short. They're yeah, I have, I have seen somewhere. Cases. I have seen somewhere that like a hundred pounds yeah, the security guards. Yeah, right, right, right. So they're not much of a deterrent, you know. And then with everything that's going on in this world with the social, you know, issues that we have, I'm sure a lot of them are just hesitant to even get involved, and in, in, you know, they don't want to. It's just, it's a tough, it's a tough, tough, tough situation. Now, a place like the Wynn, I'll, I'll tell you, and even a place like the Venetian, they're going to spare no expense. Well, that's, what, that's, what, I was gonna, that's what I was going to say. The, the way you have to do it is you have to put a lot of security guards there and give them the authority to intervene whenever they see things starting up and, uh, and, and 
higher ones who really can't get the job done and just have such a presence there to where it's just not tolerated. And then uh, th- that'll be the end of it. I think some of the problem is that people have been able to just kind of run wild there without much interference. Yeah, but you know what? you got to be careful. You can't stereotype who's coming in. You can't. No, you, I know, you, know you can't, just, but you, you just wait till things happen. And, and then even if, and, and, you know, you, you, there's cameras all over the place. So you can show you can wait for the people to start up or do something. And then. Uh, well, right. But they want to cut it before that, because that's the word. Listen. You come here from you come here from wherever you know. You pick your exotic you know country. You know that you come here from somewhere in Europe. You come here in South America, and you're sitting with your wife and your you know your twenty year old twenty or twenty just turned twenty one year old you know college educated daughter, and you're having an expensive drink, and a brawl breaks out next to you. You know what's probably going to happen? They're never going to come back. Oh well, yeah, of course. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to go and they're going to tell their friends and their family it's crazy in America. Don't go to Vegas. This is what happened, and that's what that's what they don't want. They don't want it to get to that point that once it happens, security's right on it. They, you know, they want it the way it was six months ago, where people wouldn't think about doing that at the win or the encore. That's the kind of stuff you'd see happen at the Excalibur after, you know, a drunken night at, at a craps table or whatever it may be. That's not something. Well, that's that what I'm saying. That's class. what I mean by you jump on it right away. You, the reason these get to brawls is that they escalate. They don't just go from everything's fine to everybody's punching each other. You, 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 they escalate, and if you have security there that jumps in immediately, yeah. and also they can come up with rules which are uh, just generic rules that are not aimed at any uh, – not – not aimed at any particular group, but just say you can't have this many people congregating together. You you can't have this many. Like a lot of this would stop it if you just. Uh, well, they've started that at least in the sense that they're not going to let more than four people per room now for 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 a room with two doubles. If it's a king, you know they're only going to let two. So they're going to make sure now they have security at every elevator. Uh, I don't know how they're doing it, but they're going to enforce the occupancy. Uh, rules for the room but the point i'm making is even with all this in place it's a real tough situation man i mean you because you can't even now charge the rates to get people in here because it's proven that it's going to get the wrong kind of people in here you yeah. know uh so the the westgate and i know it's it's this is another one that's funny there's a football contest that i participated in in years past that i'm in again this year with yeah, yeah, I know. I know about that contest. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, uh, it's a fifteen hundred dollar buy-in contest. Last year, for and before people like say, oh, fifteen hundred—that's nuts. Last year, first place paid one point four five million dollars. Okay, so you know what? It, yeah, it's a lottery. You got to get lucky. Anyhow, with this year's entry, okay, with this year's entry, and you know, I got it in my little postcard. You get. Anyone that's on your, you know, because you can add like proxies, which are people that can submit your picks for you. Anyhow, you get two free nights, two free hotel night, two free nights in a hotel. Doesn't matter uh, the days, you know, it could be a weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever, for the entire 17 week season. <laughs> so they're giving you 34 <laughs> nights. Yep. Well, I, 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 well, I was thinking here, I, I, I thought about something I mean, else. If you go back to the old model of Vegas from the 80s, uh, one thing that they did, which you don't see anymore, is that they were using the hotel as a loss leader to bring people in to make sure. money on the gambling. Now, that that's not going to work anymore, but what they can do is they can treat it somewhat like that. They could look at the type of clientele that have spent money there in the past and really try to entice them in, not so much where they're going to lose money, but to where – uh, at least they'll get the occupancy they'll get instead of inviting people who will pay a low, a low dollar amount to actually pay to stay sure. in the room, get someone who's comped there that normally wouldn't be comped, uh, 
that uh, I mean, that hopefully will spend on other things, and, and and with the rationale of at least these people were here before and were fine and didn't cause any trouble. Sure. And, think think about what I said before. I stayed at the uh, now I, I used to go to the Bull Ravage a lot when I lived in when I went to Florida State because it was the closest casino. There, at that time, there's no casinos in, in the state of Florida at all, so it was the closest casino or the, the resort city with casinos that there was to Florida. It's about six hours, five hours, and it was straight down I-10. So I went there a lot when I was younger, and then the last time I was there, like I said, was literally on my move drive here. I did Tallahassee to Biloxi in one day, and then actually I was in Orlando. But when I moved here, the first time, Orlando to Biloxi one day, and I stayed there. And I didn't gamble. I just used it for a bed. It was a free room. I might have got one or two offers over the last 20 years, but maybe I didn't. You know, I, I was totally off the radar. Think about how desperate, how deep they are to send someone an offer for a free room and write in big bold letters, we've missed you, when it's been 20 years and they've never marketed to me. Like, yeah. think about that. That's nuts. Like, that's 20 years. Like, you know, think about, like, if you get one offer every 20 years from, you know, so the next one's going to be when I'm in my 60s and then <laughs> I probably won't live again for another one. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's very, very odd. But, Anyhow, the point I'm making you is there's no easy solution to any of this. It's really hard. So now apparently the wind's new solution is let's give away pots and pans. And I'll tell you something. <laughs> I didn't look it up yet to see what the brand was, but being that it's the wind, it probably is a semi-expensive set. I can't imagine they're going to give away some, you know, cheap set they bought in bulk that you could buy online for five bucks. But again, just think about that. The one thing they never wanted to become. They're like, they literally are like sitting there scratching their heads. Well, what can we do now? Well, let's give away, Bob, let's give away some pots and pans. Like, we're not even talking like a nice <laughs> bottle of wine or like, you know, so we're talking about pots and pans. Like, that's insane. Yeah. Think about that again. Like, that's just nuts. That's just absolutely nuts, nuts, nuts. You think if Steve Wynn was still there, the CEO, the final, the head honcho, the top dog, the Mason Malamuth of, of, you know, properties. Do you think he'd ever authorize a pots and pans giveaway? No, I couldn't see that. He was very obsessed with not coming <laughs> off that way. Yes, of course he would be. So, you know, like I said, it, it's really tough. Like, and you know, and these are high-end places. I can't imagine, like, a place like the Westgate, which, listen, the room, I, I have 30, I have 34 free nights there. And I can tell you, unless... Jesus, knock on wood, a hurricane destroys my home, a fire burns it down. There's no chance. Even with 34 free nights, I'll even use one there because, A, it's away from everything. The restaurants there aren't to my liking. The rooms are all I, – I just would – there's no need. I just wouldn't go. 34 free nights and I could care – you know, I'd, I'd never set foot in it. So just think about that. You know, that's that's just one. And, you know, we're, you talked on that show about a month ago how the Palms hasn't – you know, isn't – open and might not reopen uh what was the other one uh, um, uh texas station uh sunset not that sunset uh fiesta State, fiesta station fiesta rancho you know what as each day goes by it's more likely i think that either they're never going to open again or it's going to be a real long time and they're smart they're smart i'll give uh the the Fertita family the, the owners of station a lot of credit they're smart to not open them because they saw this coming Everyone else was rushing to reopen, and you know they saw it. It would have been a massive mistake. It would have been a massive mistake to, to flood the, the marketplace even more. Um, so you know what? Like people were excited. Like it's Labor Day. Maybe we're going to get some some you know some people in here. Didn't didn't pan out. Like it it, it wasn't even worth it. And now you know the weather the, the pool season's ending. You know so we're we're 
in the beginning of September. What what major holidays do we really have now until until New Year's Eve? Like holidays that draw people in. You, you have you Thanksgiving know. and you have Christmas. But those aren't really holidays that are like, you know, New Year's, Fourth of July. No, no, no they bring a lot. There's a lot of people on Thanksgiving weekend and there's a lot of people in the – once Christmas hits, before Christmas, as you said, very dead. Uh, yeah. But uh, but that's, that's what – But I'm talking like – well, do you think – do you think that Thanksgiving would compete with a labor with a three day Labor Day weekend type holiday or fourth? No, July? because because it's not- because it's cold. But uh, other than that, yeah. uh, But they do get a lot of people. I've been there. Uh, I lived there for a while. I was I, even when I visited on Thanksgiving, very crowded. But uh, this it, it is going to be a big problem, and they really do need to jump on this immediately. I I think that they should make some kind of public statement about some actions that they're going to be taking. Against all this stuff, because if, pe- if the people who are watching this from home get the impression that this is what they're going to encounter, even at the high end properties, they're really not going to want to go. It's, it's well, one, of course, it's of one course. thing. To, it's one thing to tolerate wearing masks and things being different, and things being closed. Sure. But to, but to know that to think to that, do all that and then you still don't even feel safe and you yeah, get harassed. Yeah, you walk or, around or, it, or even if you don't get harassed, just to see fights around you and gang members. Sure. Like you, you, you don't want it. You just say, hey, screw it. I'm not. I don't want to go and be around that. So, sure. And and. Uh, what they need to do is just jump on this, and now that it's now that it's not a secret anymore, and it's gotten out, and there's the videos, and too many people know they need to make a strong statement about how this is going to be handled going forward. And even uh, speaking of loss leaders, really just leave maybe raise the prices again, and just leave things empty if they have to. Well, that's that's what I was discussing with someone else today. I think the only the answer to this is once the unemployment runs out at the end of the summer. And prices go back up. That's going to naturally flush out the undesirables. But until then, it's, it's going to be something that's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to totally restrict because you know, think about places like Circus Circus, Excalibur, Luxor. I mean, they can't charge a lot anyhow. Yeah. Even if there wasn't a, you know, because they're not. I mean, they're old. They don't have a lot of amenities. You know, they're, they're beaten down. The rooms are, you know, so those places. But the high end places, you know, that are visible definitely can. I mean, there's no excuse for letting people run, you know, a muck and wild at, at, you know, Aria or at the Oxford. And, and honestly, yeah, the, the the age thing, which I mentioned before, that matters too because uh, people are uh, much more rowdy and much more troublesome when they're younger. And uh, if it was, let's say, it was mostly 65 year olds, you wouldn't see this, no matter what type of 65 year olds there were, because they're just not going to be. Uh, they're not going to have that type of energy or uh, desire to get into fights or criminal behavior uh, that much at that age. There's exceptions, but for the most part, people by that, that age really calm down uh, or, or in some cases even lack the physical capacity to, to do things like this anymore. Uh, young people are the ones most likely. In fact, most violent crime is committed by people under 35. And so the younger the crowd gets, that's another problem of – Worse behavior, and uh, in fact, when uh, I, I took a cruise five years ago, and I thought, you know, there may be a very old demographic. I thought about it. There was a cruise I took, a Canada and New England cruise, in September during the first week of school, which is going to eliminate most of the families, and it was a destination that wasn't that popular with young people. It doesn't go to anywhere that is beaches or anything like that. So I thought. With all that, and it's just a cruise, which are old, often older anyway. I thought this is going to be an old crowd. Well, boy, was I right. I was one of the youngest ones on board, and I was uh, 43. I was by far 
one of the youngest ones on board. It was just all old people. Hardly any kids, of course, because the families were too old to have kids. You know kids. what? I may be weird, but in that sense, I've noticed in the last decade or so, something like that wouldn't bother me. Well, that, well that's if what I, was, I said. That's actually what I said. If I was I on said. a cruise right now with my girlfriend and the crowd was mostly either 50s, 60s, late 60s, I'd still – you know what? Because it's not like I'm going to be going – to doing these wild things, I'd be going to dinner. I'd be going to like whatever show. I'd do the same things that you do. None of that it wouldn't, you know what I mean? I probably would. Well, you know, I'll tell you this: if I had a choice to go on like a carnival, not an actual carnival cruise, because I'd never go on carnival, but the demographic that's on a carnival cruise, which is young and and you know partying and rambunctious, versus going on like a Norwegian or you know one of the cruises that attract an older crowd, I'd pick the older crowd anyhow. Yeah, but Nor- Norwegian would. actually has um, usually kind of middle aged to old on there. Uh, this yep. this I, this I, this, I, this I had a suspicion, and I turned out to be right. In fact, more right than I thought I would be. That this was just old, not even middle aged. It was just, everybody was almost everybody was over sixty, many over seventy and eighty. Very very old demographic. So old that when I I, I sang karaoke there. I actually purposely forget songs from the 80s. I actually forget that. I'm going to sing songs from the 50s and 60s because that's what they're going yeah. to know. And I was right. Like, they, the 80s was too new for them in 2015. So, um, it, it was actually funny. They had an eight, they actually haven't had, have an 80s trivia there because it wasn't tailored for that cruise. They were doing it on every cruise. So the old people were so clueless about 80s stuff, like 80s music. And I walked in. And I heard people going, "Oh, I wish he was on our team." Like they were, the, the people really wanted me to see my age. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, so I, I was fine with that because it felt weird at first. But then I go, you know what? Th- there's not going to be problems here. People aren't going to be rowdy. People aren't. There, there's even less. Norwegian doesn't t- typically have a lot of problems anyway. But I, I figured that it's going to have even less because it's just going to be old people who are not going to cause any trouble. And I was right. There was like. Uh, it was the calmest crowd of any one I've seen because everyone was old. So, uh, and then the reverse, you get a crowd full of young people, and and you're going to have a lot more problems, like uh, on Carnival, as you mentioned. It's, it's just a much sure. more rowdy crowd. So, so you you combine kind of a trashier group of people coming in and a younger group of people. Uh, because if you had like a bunch of trashy uh, people who were 50, you'd still have some problems, but a lot less than trashy people who are 25. And, and okay, so let me ask you something. Looking now, I wanted to just get this information for you. Not last weekend, Sunday, because of Labor Day weekend, but we're going to go back uh, two weeks ago this Sunday, preceding the labor, the long holiday. A room at the Wynn, the lowest that you could find it online or any offer, was $124 a night plus the resort fee. And again, they had other offers that were a little less or a little more, but you know, you got a food credit, but the cheapest offer overall was $124 plus tax and resort fee. So you're talking about 180 and change, which is still a good deal for a, a deluxe, you know, a regular, you know, resort room. What do you think this coming Sunday the same room is? And there's no holiday. There's not obviously there's no shows. There's nothing going on in town. But what do you, they, they jacked it up. What do you think it is now? 124, the base rate before tax and resort fee. What do you think it is this Sunday? The cheapest room. 280 359 wow yep for the same room so they've already decided like you know what if if, yeah if we have 10 percent occupancy we're not going to be embarrassed again and i applaud them i do i applaud them i applaud them for you know taking a stand and just not you know letting things get any more out of control and i hope the other the other places uh do as well i mean look i you know 
I'll tell you, I said this before, and I, I stand by this. I said this on the show. I think, what are we in now? We're in September. I think middle of next month, end of next month, we're going to start hearing whisperings of potential bankruptcy filings for at least one or two of these smaller type, uh, you know, resorts. You know, maybe something like Pinnacle that owns the Tropicana, or I don't know. We'll see. But I, I they can't. You know, this isn't sustainable. No, like, it's Long term. I don't know. I, you know. I would love to see, and I, you know, I'm not an accountant. I've never seen the breakdown, but I'd love to really see in any of these cases if it actually is cheaper for these casinos to stay closed. Like meaning like they would lose less being closed than, than what they're doing now. I wonder if it is in some of the, some of the cases. Like I wonder if a place like, you know, I don't know what the operating costs are, but you know, okay, for instance, I mean, look, the Palazzo's already proved that. They proved that two months ago or a month and a half ago when they, they shut down the, the entire hotel during the week. The hotel's only well, I'll, tell, I'll, tell you the di- I'll tell you the difference, though. This, there's a long-term concern. If you shut down for too long, people can forget you. They, they just they start – they stop thinking of you as an option. They kind of think of you as just a closed place, even if they know why. Yeah, and, that and, makes and they, sense. And then sure. they, they start go when they do want to go, they go somewhere else. They get used to somewhere else. People a lot of times will be creatures of habit just because they know something, either because they know something, they had a decent experience, they, they just want to go back there. They, they may know there's good other good options or options that could even be better, and, and I'll even – Get that way too, where, where I, like, I'm not getting free cruises anymore and I'm not going to be taking a cruise anytime soon because of the coronavirus. In fact, it could be years until I ever take a cruise again. But if you ignore all of that, I was not a seven stars anymore, uh, and, and, uh, I was not going to be getting any, uh, these heavily discounted cruises. So it was really a matter of, uh, just, I could go to any cruise next and, uh, I still would have gone to Norwegian simply because of my very high level of familiarity with it. And I wouldn't want to learn another line as well as I know Norwegian. Yeah. So that would bring me the, but let's say Norwegian, not related to the pandemic again, let's just say with no coronavirus and Norwegian for whatever reason, uh, shut down for a while. And, and then mm-hmm. I, uh, I started going on Princess or, or, or one of these other, or Holland America and I get used to those. When Norwegian reopens, I'm like, oh great, I can come back to Norwegian. I may say, okay, you know, I'm kind of happy with Princess now. I'm going to go back to Princess. So, it's it's uh there is the my concern. first cruise ever was norwegian sky have you ever been on the sky yes okay what do you remember it enough to like say oh it's, this one was better i i you know or they all kind of seem the same they, after they, time when you reflect they're, they're mostly similar except for the very big ones that are newer when i went on the norwegian sky this is how long ago it was that was my first first norwegian cruise they were marketing heavily and uh, introducing at that point what they called freestyle cruising. Yeah, that was. Actually, remember that? Yeah, it was, it was actually very. It was actually you were innovative. Cruising, you were probably cruising before me. My first cruise I ever went on, I was I was twenty. It was twenty-one years old. The first time I ever actually, went on a we probably went around the same time then. Because I think I was like oh, okay. I think I was twenty-four. I, oh, I figured you were like you went when you were young with your family. No, like I, no were, not until oh, I was like twenty-four. But uh, I, I, what I was going to say is that I think that. Uh, if, if they're a little worried that if they're down too long, that people just uh, not sure. see them as an option, yeah, makes- so so they want to they want to reopen and kind of stay in a holding pattern. But I, I also understand your point, and and it's valid that if they are just hemorrhaging money, staying open, and it doesn't look like that's going to change, that maybe they just have to just do it. They just have to shut it down and uh, and and wait yeah. and and hope that there's some kind of change. In not too long, or at least even if not completely better, at least there's some kind of 
hopeful thing, like a a, a treatment that's effective or at least semi-effective, sure. a, a a vaccine that uh, not only is effective but people are willing to take. Yeah. So, so, something where we're in a different spot because if you look at it, if you put everything aside, if you look at the coronavirus danger right now and the coronavirus danger in April, we, we're not in a very different spot because – uh, there's still a lot of people getting it. I know it's shifted around who's get where people are getting it now. It's like instead of New York being bad now, it's uh, other places that didn't have it before that are bad. But uh, there's still a lot of people getting it. Still people, a lot of people dying. And if you get it, it's just a matter of okay, you've got to hope it doesn't kill you, and that's it. There's there's so, not much you can and, do. So, and let me ask you this: What do you think of my theory that once uh, the the unemployment money runs out around Christmas time? It's going to have a positive effect on uh, the situation here in Vegas with undesirables that otherwise wouldn't have the resources, the money, so on and so forth to come here, uh, that it's going to help improve that. Does that make sense to you? If they, I haven't if, read that anyway. That's if my they, theory. Well, okay. If they really end it, the problem is if there's not a return to the availability of jobs, there's going to be this problem, and it's it's really going to be – for sure there's going to be something done if, if Biden wins. Uh, but there's going to be this problem of, okay, what do you do for these people? And even if Trump wins again, I can't see the answer being, well, just tough luck. You, you can, you can starve. Well, are you're you? saying that they're going to extend it past this year? Yes. If, but maybe in a reduced form, but the, there, there will be some kind of extension. There's something, they're not going to just let people starve because there's not enough jobs around. Uh, but now they the situation could fix itself if they either make some, medical progress and scientific progress against the coronavirus that significantly improves things or if it just kind of vanishes sure. on well, its own. But assuming assuming that happens, if and assuming the aid is all cut off, just just assume, would you think that would have an effect on this situation? Yes, yes it would. I, I think I think it is correct that the, that the people are coming as a combination because it's cheaper and because they, they have extra money. There are people who now who receiving these benefits and this has been a big criticism of some of the benefits so they're making more than they were before more than they ever were and so to to, to them and instead of thinking oh we better save this in case these benefits stop one day the thought is oh sweet i've got got more money than i ever had before okay better use it so and and people were and, and that was also a problem that they when they distributed these benefits they everybody was afraid to say we're absolutely going to stop it by this date, or there's no way we're going to sure. you're going to keep receiving it. People kind of just got the idea the government's going to take care of them as long as this goes, so they don't have to save it up. They don't have to be careful so, with this money. Now, I know this is going to be the weirdest, and we can jump back here. So please forgive me for being so abrupt, because I do I really have to go. As much fun as I enjoy the banter with you. Speaking of money during the coronavirus, I know one person that's made more money than uh, probably any other poker player, at least that we know of, uh, by using his time wisely and making two profits. And oh, that poker player is one Mike McDonald. Yeah, we talked about it last he, week, actually. Oh, did you? I wasn't. Okay, yeah. did you talk about both of his profits? Um, no, I only talked about the one with the, with the free throws. He also got paid an, an insane amount of money. I think it was like something like 30 to 1 that he predicted back in February. Oh yeah, no, I talked about I talked about that a long time ago. The world's okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if you saw that. Yeah, I thought there was a recent prop bet that did No, no, the the, the okay. Well, I you know what I, I said about him on. last week. I said that anytime there's like a prop bet involved, whatever side he's on is what you want to be on because he he never is wrong with these things. He's he's always right with this stuff. Like all these yeah. all these business type decisions he makes always seem to be correct. 
So, uh, like, he's been very, very successful with everything I've seen him do financially. I've seen him tweet things that are weird and that uh, I'm surprised to come from him, just very odd things he'll say sometimes. And This is just a random thing, uh, but let's see if you know this. I didn't know this. This is just so random. Uh, So... Mike McDonald was on this, uh, the, the podcast with the two girls, the, the rake, which I enjoy. Like I said, I'm not even embarrassed. It's a good show. And he talked about how he got into poker. So he's Canadian. Back in like 2004, he was a freshman in high school. Yeah, I know. He's born in 89. So yeah. Oh, yeah. And somebody that went to his high school that was much older than him just hit it big time in poker. And Mike McDonald somehow got this person's phone number and called him, another Canadian, who turned out to be a total one-hit wonder and wanted, like, to meet up in person and, and you know, uh, wanted some tips. So him and another guy, I, I think his name was, oh, jeez, I can't remember his name. Him and another guy that was, like, in ninth grade literally went to this poker player's house. He agreed to see him. who was, like, in his early, mid-20s, and I thought it was insane. Like, I never knew this story. So it was a Canadian poker player. It was a one-hit wonder, and he won at the time what was either the biggest or one of the biggest ever tournaments. And I'll even – okay, and I'll tell you one other thing. He was probably the biggest one-hit wonder, non-like athlete, poker stars pro that ever existed. He was one of the first poker star pros that ever existed. Like one, It could be the probably the second maybe after Moneymaker, maybe third, but he was one of the top five. And he never did anything, but he was the Canadian that Mike McDonald went to his house, even though he was like seven years older. I'm trying to think and who gave, that would be. You know him. I Listen, when I say the name, you're going to be like, no, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm sure I know him. But I'm trying Just to try to think of one of the first three or four PokerStar pros here. that are irrelevant. But 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 you saw them online. You, you saw him you know, on the site. Okay, I'll give you one more hit. I thought this would give it away, but I'll give it to you. He won what was at the time, and it may even still stand, but I don't know. He won what was at the time the biggest PCA main event that ever stood, and that's where he got all of his notoriety from. He never won another thing. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank still. All right. Uh, Poker Pro from Canada, Poker Stars, Steve Paul Ambrose. Oh, yeah, okay. Do you you remember (laughs) remember that name? Yes. Yeah, I haven't thought of him forever. So apparently, or not apparently, he went to the same high school as Mike McDonald did. McDonald, and even though he was several years older, he cold called him, and him and another buddy, who I think actually also turned out to be a successful pro, were uh, you know Ambrose agreed to let him come over and like pick his brain after he won like one point. That's four, one that's point really four. interesting because it like, is interesting. I, I'm surprised yeah. he even let these kids come over. Like like why even? And then Mike McDonald becomes like the biggest, you know, the bigger superstar in their Canadian, you know, high oh, by school. By far. I mean, is, a, yeah, right, by far. Right. So <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, these little tidbits that, you know, what did we talk about before? We talked about the, the car that Dar Air won and, you know, just, yeah, uh, a lot of that stuff, it's still it's still interesting to, to reminisce on. So, but anyhow, uh, I know, I don't remember where it, it was. I remember reading the it either just started or it's about to start. Maybe it's just over. The first live poker tournament, like big field poker tournament, took or took to take place or it's about to. I remember reading it in Card Player. Um, other poker news: the Venetian has 
just started a couple days ago their first poker series since the pandemic. It's a deep stack series, um, mainly no limit. Uh, I think the main event's relatively small. I think it's a thousand dollar, maybe twenty five hundred dollar main event. There's a couple of uh, PLO tournaments, uh, but besides that, it's all no limit. I don't know if you covered that, but for no. anyone that's listening, you can just go to Card Player or if you're interested in that Venetian. I think it's six handed, but I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't. The last time I was there in the poker room was a while ago, a month ago. They didn't have the dividers. Um, but anyhow, there's a poker series going on now at, at the Venetian. I don't know, Druff, did, did you know that? I did not. It's a, okay, it's the first one. And yesterday, uh, or I'm sorry, two days ago, you would have liked this, Druff. The WSOP, they're having a 50th anniversary series now of tournaments. They had the first ever Limit Hold'em tournament. It was a $250 Limit Hold'em tournament. It was a... $15,000 guarantee. Straight limit hold'em. $15,000 guarantee. And there was a $5,000 overlay. <laughs> they couldn't even get it within $5,000 in terms of the, the regi. But in all fairness to them, I mean, I guess they had no choice. They ran it. You know, they lost, they lost 5K on running the tournament. Wow. And outside of that, I don't, I don't have any other real, you know, for those that really love the poker news, I don't have anything else other than that. If well, I've, got, I've want, got a bunch of stuff on the agenda here, so that's yeah, no, no, not, no, no, no shortage of stuff to talk about. It, since we're all talk, we just kind of switched over to poker stuff. If you want, what time is it? Four thirty. If you want to cover, because I'm kind of curious, I know nothing about this. If you want to get into the Sorrel thing, yeah, it's actually I'll, interesting, I'll, and it's, that one's not a long topic. This, that's not a long listen, topic. And I'm going to be honest, buddy. This this is going to be it because I I, I got to wake up at ten o'clock tomorrow. Oh, so I yeah. love football. It's opening weekend. So let's do this, and then I'll tell you this: if you can't make it and you decide you want to break it up, I'll I'll if we talk on the phone and coordinate, I'll come back for the other okay. segments. If you think you know, it's up to you. Yeah, I'll de- I'll decide uh, how I feel. So uh, I'll get into the Sorrell thing right now. So, well, for those who don't know, Sorrell himself kind of has a reputation. Well, right, I was going to get as, into that too. Yeah. So uh, Sorrell Mizzy is a controversial name in poker, to say the least. Even I had some uh, a battle with him on Poker Stars, and I don't mean a just a, a battle at the tables. Uh, we actually had a big argument at the tables. This is a long time ago. It was on Poker Stars, of course, and uh, I haven't been able to play there in nine years. But but we actually had such an intense argument there that that he was saying that that he's going to punch me next time he sees me, which didn't really happen. But uh, but that's how intense it got. I just laughed at that when he said it, by the way. But anyway. Uh, he has a history of doing shady things, some of which are verified, some of which have been accused. But for sure, he's someone who has not behaved well in the community over the years. And yeah, he was younger back then, and a lot of the stuff he's accused of, he was younger. But it's not just like one mistake the guy made. Like someone I mentioned earlier in the show, like Justin Bonomo, he's someone who made a one-off mistake when he was young, but since hasn't been involved in any scandals. He sometimes acts like a douche on social media. He even sometimes acted like a douche at the table at the World Series of Poker. But he, uh, Bonomo has not done anything unethical since that multi-accounting incident 14 years ago. So you can say, okay, he's reformed. He's, he's become a, at least a responsible member of the community. Uh, Sorrell Mizzy never seemed to have done that, uh, at least as far as I could tell. It, it was always one story after another with him. Uh, whatever you could think of, there was a different problem, uh, including multi-accounting and, uh, 
uh, including other various cheating accusations. There's a long list of, of uh, accusations over the years, as I said, some which were verified, some which weren't. Uh, there, there was one where he took over for a an amateur he knew who, who worked for Bluff Magazine on Full Tilt, where uh, the guy got deep in a tournament and wasn't that good, and Sorrell said, you know, sell me your position in the tournament, I'll take over for you, and that that was caught, and the and that was admitted to. That was that one was not a rumor. So uh, people don't trust Sorrell. He sort of made an attempt to reform by going to Choice Center of all things. I, somehow Negranu or someone, I assume it was Negranu, referred him to Choice Center to kind of uh, evaluate his life and his mistakes. And he claims to have changed after that, but I don't think he's involved with that anymore. He kind of bounces from one thing to another. Uh, I, I think he's never just had a very good code of ethics and always seems to be getting into scandals. You know, there's the guys in poker that are always in one scandal or after another, and then there's other ones you just never hear of in any kind of scandal. So he's definitely on the side of people in scandals. So when I heard that there is a scandal involving scamming and that Sorrell Mizzy was involved, I'm sure you know what I thought, that he was the one who did it. But no. He was the one complaining he was victimized, and from what I can see, it looks like he probably is right. And I say probably because I'm basing this on screenshots that he posted, but I have no reason to believe that these are uh, either fabricated or out of context. So uh, you're not going to find this anywhere else. Don't bother Googling it, but you can try. You're not going to find anything about this story anywhere except for Poker Fraud Alert. You're not going to find it on Twitter. You're not going to find it on 2 Plus 2. You're not going to find it on Poker News or Card Player or any other news site, no matter how gossipy it is. You're not going to find it anywhere except for Poker Fraud Alert, and I only know about it because listener and forum poster A. Hoosier A, yes, the same A. Hoosier A who was hit with a bogus restraining order by Christopher Mitchell, uh, he found this in a group on Facebook, not even on Sorrell's general Facebook. If you're one of Sorrell's Facebook friends, you're still not going to see it. You you have to be in a group. I don't even know which group because this was actually not shown in the screenshots. But uh, it was in a group on Facebook. I don't even know how big the group was where Sorrell Mizzy is talking about how Cord Garcia screwed him. Now, Cord Garcia is younger. Sorrell was once young pro, but he's not anymore. Sorrell's probably like, I'm guessing, late 30s now. Uh, Cord Garcia is a younger pro. I played with him uh, in 2018 at an event where I actually ended up doing pretty well. I I, uh, got 33rd in one of those big field no limit events that year. Uh, Cord, it was the first time I met him. He was very friendly. He introduced himself to me. He was, uh, uh, yeah, he seemed like a nice guy. And Wait, what tournament did you finish third in? Uh, 33rd. It was 33rd out of like 1,300-something in one of those 1,500 no limits two years ago. Oh, okay. Got yeah. You. So uh, Cord was best known for winning the Colossus in 2015, which, of course, was a huge field back then. It's not like the current Colossus, which is a shell of its former self. When I say current, I mean like last year's. Uh, this was when the Colossus was like the biggest event, and he got uh, – First place out of uh, 22,374 entries. Uh, this is before they made it a million guarantee, so that was unfortunate for him. He won $638,000. And he actually had some uh, good players at his final table that are known, despite the fact that it's a gigantic field. Ray Henson was in third place, and uh, Kenny Hallert was in fifth. 
the rest of the names I don't know, but even just to have uh, those two names at the table, I'm surprised given the gigantic field. Anyway, Cord was the winner. Cord is one of those young, aggressive pros who is good. Uh, I also just kind of got the impression from meeting him that, he, and just from watching him play, that he was someone who probably carried the aggression over to other areas in his finances. And I don't mean he was an aggressive person. Like he, he, he seemed like a nice guy, but he, uh, he seemed like the type who I could easily see being a degenerate, that someone who was, wasn't good at managing money. That was just my impression, not from anything he said. He, he has that Colossus win. He also has won three circuit rings. And I don't know how old he is, but he looks like he's in his twenties to me. And, uh, at the table when I played with him, he is kind of what you'd expect. And he ran up a stack pretty fast, and then he lost the stack pretty fast. Though to to his credit, uh, he lost his stack due to bad beats. So it wasn't even like he chunked it all off. He just ran bad. I had heard recently from him. And by the way, he added me on Twitter shortly after we played and even sent me a DM saying it was nice playing with you. So I, I thought nice things about him after after we were together at the table. And he never asked anything from me. There was no angle. He wasn't trying to scam me, nothing like that. I thought pretty good things about him. Then he was actually the victim of a scam earlier this year. And I had posted about this on Poker Fraud Alert and, in fact, covered it on this show. And this involved a sum of $600,000. And this was back in May when it was called out. And he wasn't even the one calling it out. It was a Dan Fleischman, of all people, who must be friends with Cord. I didn't even know about that. But I don't have the tweet anymore because Dan has deleted it for a reason I'll tell you in a second. But there is a, a player, a Greek player, described as a, quote, tall, young Greek kid who plays PLO. His name is uh, Philippos Leokunakos. And I did not know him, but uh, Dan Fleischman posted a tweet saying that uh, Philippos scammed, or I guess stiffed a cord out of $600,000 that he had borrowed from him and, and never paid. The, the exact details weren't given. But uh, this actually sprung from a separate Twitter thread when uh, back when Bill Perkins was through all that drama, going through all that drama, and uh, remember he was calling out people that were cheating him and all that. Uh, somehow on the side, even though it had nothing to do with the Bill Perkins drama or the accusations Perkins was making, uh, Fleischman separately brought up that this Filippos guy scammed Cord Garcia out of $600,000. And there was not any verification it was true, but I heard shortly afterwards that it was made right once this was called out, again, by Dan Fleischman, not by Cord, and that Filippos then made it right shortly afterwards. I don't know if it was for the full 600 k but it was considered done. And, uh, and in fact, Dan Fleischman stated that it was done, and he deleted the tweet. Filippos even called me, uh, not called, he emailed me at one point and wanted me to take down the poker, the poker fraud alert thread about this. And I said, well, I've got to hear this from Cord Garcia that it's all okay. And I, and I never heard back. And that was that. Uh, but I do believe that, uh, Cord was paid back all or most of that 600k. And Dan calling that out happened to work, which sometimes it does. Sometimes the way you get money out of people who rip you off is by, shaming them so this was back in may i don't know when cord got ripped off but i know cord got paid back in late may 2020 so he got several hundred thousand probably in late may 2020 well you would not expect at this point in september 2020 
that he would be broke, but it appears, yes, he's broke. And that doesn't really surprise me from having uh, played with him. Just kind of, I kind of got that impression he was the type who could easily go through 600K in that short of a time. He just kind of playing above his role and believing he could beat more games than he could beat or that his edge is bigger than it is or, or underestimating variance. Well, whatever happens, uh, there seems to be a problem going on. Now, Poker Bros, I've talked about before on this show, Poker Bros is one of those apps that uh, a lot of people are playing on to not do, me. I'm not either, but it's a, and I've talked about all the different problems with them. But uh, Poker Bros, it's it's an app that technically for free money games, but it isn't really used for that. And so what happens is you can start a club on Poker Bros, which basically makes you the club owner. You don't own the app, but you own that little sec- section of the app. So you get to you run a club on Poker Bros, and then you have agents working under you who are kind of like the marketing arm that bring people into the games. The agents, uh, of course, bring people together, and they all play against each other, but the agents handle the buy-ins and cash-outs, and the way they settle with each other is every so often, it's the guy who owns the club who handles the money that goes back and forth between the agents, and they settle every so often, and, and sometimes agents are given credit that they can then extend to their players, sometimes they don't, sometimes they have to pay up front in cash, it depends upon it's the decision of each uh, owner of each club within Poker Bros the way they want to run it, and also uh, depending on how much they trust the agent of, of what credit they'll give them. So I've never trusted this because there's so many different ways this model can break down, even if it's not intentional. Uh, the the club owner can be unreliable. The agent can be unreliable. The club owner or agent could be a scammer. The thing could just be mismanaged where they give too much credit and then one of the fish loses and just doesn't want to pay. And then someone it's got to come out of someone's pocket then. So and often it doesn't come out of the owner or agent, they just end up screwing people. So so even if they're intending it not to be a scam and try to run it responsibly, then someone stiffs them and they go, Oh shit, what do we do? You know what, we're just not gonna pay anybody goodbye. So there, there's all kinds of there's there's all kinds of problems that can happen on these poker bros clubs, and I assume that's why uh, Brandon, you're staying off of them, and that's that's why I'm staying off of them. So, absolutely. Uh, of all me? of all things, how can anyone that's knowledgeable about anything related to poker even contemplate going on one of those? Yeah, well, and another problem is oh. that uh, you don't know if there's collusion or anything else going on. Like these, there's no investigations department, no security department. So there, there's so many things that could be happening that you're going to have a hard time ever proving or getting anything done. So there's so many ways you can get screwed that even if the games are good... Like, you know, unless unless it was like a home game where it's like 10 of my friends from high school or like, you know, say you and me and Trader Ruski and, you know, PLO and, you know, like that where it's just us. You know what I mean? There's no chance I'd ever play one of them. It's just right. that, it's that's insane how I to me the amount of money that some people are playing on these things. Yeah. Especially after... What, what, what was it that came out with Bill Perkins at the Dewar's? Oh yeah, getting... yeah, yeah. That that they, that 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 there was uh, people playing on uh, on Fish's accounts and things like that to trick right. him yeah. against him. And then yeah, you get the listen. I, I I don't feel sorry. Anyone that gets cheated on there, especially someone that's a known pro, sorry, you should know, but you got to have to know better. Yeah, it's I mean, a, it's a lot of risk, do. and people say, "Well, online poker like Bovada's a risk, ACR is a risk." Yes, but way less of a risk. So, Absolutely. A, so anyway, uh, to show you what kind of risk these are, Sorel Mizzy runs one of these clubs. I, there's no way I would ever trust him to run one of these things after his history. I don't care if he claims to have changed. There's no way I would trust him. So, 
He's running one of these, and then Cord Garcia was the agent under him, or one of the agents under him. Now, from what we can see, of course, this is Sorrell's own story he posted to this Facebook group. Why Sorrell only chose to share it to this Facebook group and nowhere else, I don't know. That, which is kind of weird. Like he did, it seems kind of like he wanted to tell some people, but not really blow it up publicly, which is strange, but that's the way he did it. So, uh, I see the screenshots of what he posted because Ahujere brought them over here and I'm going to read it to you and, and you'll get an idea of what's going on with Cord. So this is from Sorrell in some poker group on Facebook. First week of being, uh, of being agent in my club, Cord Garcia brought in about 10 different players under him but lost almost all of the balance himself, roughly 27K. When, when I re-asked if he was sure he could handle paying the loss early follow, that following week, he told me it was no problem, but it might take an extra week, which I was okay with. This is over a month ago. He has promised on two separate occasions to make a payment, and neither timeline was met. What makes the situation particularly egregious is that he kept asking me for ACR and GG poker money, which I'm fairly confident he was trying to free-roll me for as well. He was like trying to borrow money to play on those sites to to pay him back later <laughs> while he owed this other money, and then he's like, shit, this is a free-roll to try to raise the other money, which is probably true. He says, also had the nerve to ask me to stake him after he free-rolled me. So, so then he provided screenshots of text messages they had back and forth. Now, let me stop here before I read you the text messages. Remember, Cord has people playing under him, some of who won, and this is from uh, Sorrell, that some people won under him, him meaning uh, Cord. Some people, some of his players that he brought won and some lost. Well, why does that matter? Well, Cord is responsible for both collecting the money from these people who lost and for paying out those who won. And that figures into this too. So he got credit from uh, from Sorrell, both for himself and for the players that he was basically vouching for, saying, "You know, can you give me credit for my players here?" And and he did. He got some. And so there's, there's two questions. Uh, first of all, is Cord going to pay back what he personally lost on the site? And second, the people who won under Cord possibly didn't get paid, because the way it works is that every so often the agents all settle through, you know, directed by the club owner, they all settle with each other. Because let's say I have, I brought six people to the site and they all win. Well, I need to be paid so I can pay out these people. And I get this money from the other agents of people who lost. And it's all handled by the guy in the middle who's running the club. So that's how these things work. So, uh, so, so what if the people under me all win, but then I stiff them and just don't pay them? Then, yeah, they're stiff, they don't get paid. Even if the guy running the club is trying to be honest, if the agent screws them, then they're screwed anyway. As I said, you can get screwed on two levels here, uh, among other things. So he he's saying that not only did uh, Cord got credit, but but and had people playing on credit, but Cord also lost money himself playing himself on there without putting up front the money. So this is what. Uh, so these what are, are these what are these people thinking? It's amazing how every couple of years there's something new like this where there's something where it just it's a new way for people to scam. Like it's just amazing. You know what I mean? It's just it's amazing. It, it really is. What are people even thinking? Putting serious money on this? Yeah, uh, it's crazy. So 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 he says. Uh, this is what Cord says to him. I, I want 10k cabinet for players. I assume that means like 10k credit that I can hand out to the players, and 10k chips for me. Again on credit. I don't know. Have a lot of play in between this one and online big weekend. So see where I am when the dust settles. This is referring to to settling up what's already previously owed. So uh, Sorrell stupidly said okay, 
And he's, so then to reassure him, Court said, I won't stiff, may need a week or two if I lose bad on all platforms, but I will always make good with you. I'm aware of how valuable you can be to me as, a long, as long as good business is done from on my end. I looked up to you for years in my youth. So I'm glad to be in this position with you, which is kind of funny that Sorrell is like now the veteran he's looking up to instead of being the, the irresponsible kid that he's like a, right. uh, he's like, when I was a kid, you, you were the guy I look up to and now you're the older guy, which is funny to me. It's, it's you know, people like Sorrell, I kind of still think of as, as being young. So he's the voice of reason now. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, so he's saying like, I won't stiff you. I've always looked up to you. I'm so glad I'm in this position to work under you here. I know it's make me a lot of money. So there's no way I'll stiff you here. So this actually convinced him and, and, and Sorrell said, okay, sounds good. I appreciate that. So he says, uh, appreciate it. Uh, did you send me 10 K for me and 5 K for my players having some confusion? Uh, and he says, I didn't send your players anything, just you. He says, okay, did you send me 15 K total? Let me see. Uh, after he said, I appreciate it, sound good, I appreciate it, when he promised he's not going to screw him, then Sorrell said back, appreciate it too, a tad bit confused, so I have 10K to play, this this is uh, him saying back to uh, Sorrell, this is Court Garcia saying it, so I have 10K to play with and the 10K for the players, right? Says, I, says I'm down still since I started, but I just want a bunch back to get up, is there a lag or delay on the numbers? And then he actually wrote, find any GG question mark, like, like you find any money on GG to send me. I'm not sure what that's exactly referring to, but something about asking GG money. Anyway, well, nothing further then. So then a few days passed, and, and he writes to him, hey, that's, Sorrell writes this. And so Cord Garcia says back, hey, bud, morning. Having trouble collecting money owed, but says he's going to pay me Sunday. We'll give you update tomorrow. And I, I like this one. This is my favorite line in the whole thing, in all the excuses made. He writes, uh, sorry, been with family, lost grandma on dad's side, not that close with that side, but my sister is. <laughs> well, that, that's a stupid excuse. Like, he, he should have just dropped it and lost my grandma and even, like, sent an obituary, if, if that's true, if he really did lose his grandma, who knows. But, but if he really did lose his grandma, th- I would think that'd actually be a good excuse to buy time. Like, hey, my grandma just died, here's her obituary, you'll see it says, you know, she, she lost, you know, she has grandson cord and all these other people that were related to her, that, you know, you, it's something you he could send just, someone. He probably do something stupid, like send a picture of the casket as proof. <laughs> he didn't even send anything, but but I, I but, yeah, but I, no. he, he's kind of killing his own excuse there by saying, "Yeah, I wasn't really close with her, but but my sister is." Well, who cares? What does that have to do with him here if his sister is? So was uh, his grandma? Yeah, yes. He How says, can he not be close with his grandma? Because it's on his dad's side. I'm guessing maybe his dad left when he was young and he didn't get to know oh. his dad well. It, it, it's what, he, what he's implying. What's this he, guy's last name? Court what? Cord Garcia. C O R D. And then last Wait, name. Wait, hold on. I'm sorry. One more time. C what? C O R D. Cord. Oh, Cord. What kind of name is I that? Don't, I don't know. I've never heard of Cord before. Cord Garcia. G A R C I A. I want to see what he has in earnings. He has about a million in, in, uh, Hendon Mob, but about 600 something thousand is that, uh. He's got three million in oh, Hendon Mob. Oh, three million. I, was, I don't know why I signed one million. Okay. Well, 2.9. Yeah. Okay. That sounded low to me. I must have missed, I must have seen it wrong. Okay. Anyway. Um, so he says he's with family. Because this, uh, his grandma died, but he wasn't close with her. It was just his sister was, which is a weird thing to say. Anyway, Sorrell says, yeah, I can't have this happen. It doesn't work for me. Can't be relying on other people aside from agent. Really puts me in a big bad spot, which, which is a good point. He, Cord's excuse, aside from the grandma that he didn't care about, was that there's a guy that owes him. And when this guy pays him, then he can pay Sorrell. And Sorrell's like, no, that's not. we're, we're not doing this like long chain of people who owe each other. You borrowed the money. For these people, you pay me. 
And and uh, so then he asked the big question. Also, did all your players that won get paid? Well, crickets, just no response. Rest of the day, no answer. Next day, August 8th, the, the previous conversation was August 7th, I just read you. Prior to that, it was a few days before that. August 8th, Cord dot, 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 is texted by Sorrell. So Cord answers him. Good morning. Just to, referring to the, uh, uh, the, the people that, uh, that won, just two and both of them owe me. So he's trying to say these people that won already owe him money anyway, so he's not paying them, which is already suspicious, like. Uh, yeah, I didn't pay the winners because they owe me anyway, so that, so it actually, they have to still pay me more. I'm not in a good spot this week. I have a meeting today with Hayden, not sure who that is, to, to do this with me. We'll let you know how it goes. I think maybe to get stakes or something. So, two days later, nothing. August 10th, texts uh, Sorrell, looks like out of nowhere, but at least he texts him, says, uh, Hey, bud, I'm doing horribly and need some time, or a chance to win it back this week by playing. If you're willing to back me, I'll grind out small wins each week. I'm not going to stiff you or ignore you, but paying isn't an option right now. The only people that owe me are in my position right now, so I have no choice but to wait for them. I know that's none of your business or problem, just being transparent about my situation. So the old story, uh, I'll pay you when I get paid because I got scammed too. We've heard that many times over the years in poker. Uh, and sometimes there's a grain of truth to it, but that's not an excuse. I'm as close to quitting poker as I've ever been. I have no solid concrete backing for playing, and waiting on people to pay me to have money has been really horrible mentally for me. Okay, let me stop this. Cord Garcia's been successful over the years. He won the Colossus. He's had other big hits. He's known to be a good tournament player. He can't find backing right now. Now, why do you think that is? I think it's because he's exhausted the backing he's had. I think this is not Probably. the only person he owes money to. I think that uh, he's run out of people that, he, that that can back him or borrow. But I think this is there's a number of people here he owes, and now he's hit the end. And so so then Sorrell gets pissed at this point and realizes that he was free-rolled. So Sorrell realizes that this, quote, credit that Cord asked for was uh, money he didn't have to back, and that, uh, and that perhaps the, the players that are playing under him Perhaps uh, he stiffed them, too. So he said, so you took a shot at me, is what you're saying, and continued to try to take a shot at me on Monday when you asked for more chips. Because remember, he asked for even more. Uh, promising that you had money that you would pay the following week. And then Cord writes back, uh, not directly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you were free-rolling me. How dare you? Well, uh, not directly. Yeah, I free-rolled you, but it wasn't a direct free-roll. Indirectly. <laughs> and, and, not, and not maliciously until I was over my head. Well, what kind of answer is that? He's not saying maliciously that he wants to hurt him. He just took advantage of him. That's it's, it's, it maliciously isn't. He wasn't accusing him of being malicious, just just ripping him off. Uh, so so then Sorrell writes, "Amazing, first time I've been scammed by an agent since I started. I guess I let, left my guard down. You tried to free roll me, pretty cut and dry." And court says back i'm not going to scan you uh, but uh, i'm in a bad spot liquid wise right now and sorrell says you need to be honest with me about the players that lost and won money so sorrell is actually still concerned that uh, that he stiffed the players under him as well that uh, not only is 27k owed but he also may have screwed people under him that uh, and and i have a feeling that sorrell is not worrying about this from the goodness of his heart i think he's worried that these people are just never going to come back to the club once they got screwed that this is that he may have lost active players because of this. 
So, and also he doesn't want this to come back at him later. Like I played on Sorrell's club and I got screwed when it wasn't even Sorrell's fault. So Sorrell really wants these people who wanted to get paid and, and, and he's not even being transparent about this. It looks it's, like he's really turned a leaf, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So he's, he's, uh, he's really frustrated about this and, and he's not even getting straight answers. All he's gotten is, oh, uh, the two people who won, uh, they owe me money, so it's fine. They're, they're not going to come looking for it because they actually owe me from other things. So, so then, Court says, I mean, no, the concept and idea sounded great. I can really make some long money long term at this. And I, I have no problem. I have no desire not to be honest with you. And then again, silence. And then I'm not sure what date this is. It cuts off. But it, I see Sorrell writing hello. And about 20 minutes later, hi, just woke. This is at 1056 a.m. Supposed to meet my guy this afternoon was going to call you directly. And so. Sorrell, they must have, I don't know where 5K comes from, but maybe they agreed at some point that they'll start off with 5K, even though 27K is owed. At least 27K. So Sorrell says, what time can I have someone pick up the 5K? And then with the old uh, check is in the mail or I'll, I'll meet you with the money excuse, I will text you this afternoon with concrete time. So Sorrell says, K. And then eight hours pass, no text, of course. Text them back at 6 a.m., Hey, nothing. Then he says, it's 6 p.m., question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Uh, he sends another three hours later. So now it's been almost 12 hours. No, just hasn't heard anything about concrete plans by quote this afternoon, even though the whole afternoon's passed, and now it's almost 10, almost 10 at night. Well, now you get him. He finally gets a message back at 9.45. Hey, in car to L.A. driving. Been waiting in Vegas to be paid since Monday. Got ran around. Trying to figure it out. We'll be able to give you more than 5K, but don't have it yet. I'm working on it. And so Sorrell says, just didn't really feel like following up on your commitment. He says, no, I'm just trying to get paid so I can fulfill it. Well, that's not true. If he if he's trying to get paid and real, if he says, look, I, I have a beat on somebody that's going to pay me here in Vegas. So give me a few more hours. Like he doesn't text that. He just It's amazing how desperate people, these people get to stay in action with the lying and the stories. I mean, it really is. Yeah. It is. Because it's like the stories aren't even even good. Like, I, think, I mean, you know what I mean? They're yes. Just, and he says, so, so Sorrell says, you told me to have I mean, five. You, know, you want to hear a good story? It's not even a good story. You go, you want to scam someone, you do something what a legend does. Okay? You you owe people money. You you delay it, stall it as long as you can. And then you say, oh, you promise them I'm taking care of it today. You go to the post office. You, you get stamps you get the envelopes you send them pictures of it with their addresses on it you mail it the people get the envelopes and then what happens they're empty there's nothing there's nothing in it <laughs> peter peter dc i mean to take the effort to actually go and mail it i mean that's just i mean that's what a real scam yes does. they've got to learn so 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 sorrell writes back you told Jesus. me you'd have 5k on wednesday then you said you'll text me this afternoon sounds like you're the one giving the runaround so then court says back, I just, I got told next day, every day since Monday, I'm handcuffed at the moment. Told next day meaning for people who owed him. So then, uh, court says, uh, fair, I'm waiting on the money that was supposed to be in my hands Monday. Uh, now I'm at the mercy of them. So that's, that's where the text cut off. And, uh, that's what Sorrell posted. And this, remember, this was almost a month ago. So, so who knows what's happened since then? Presumably, radio silence or something close to it. So, it looks like yeah. that he's just kind of just disappeared. He realized he's not going to get it. 
Uh, he was stalling him for some reason. Like, he, he, there must have been something he thought he might be able to put together, maybe get people to stake him and maybe win short term. Uh, I don't even know if I believe there's anybody that owes him. It's possible there was this, this Filippos guy that owed him all this money back in, in May and paid a lot of it or all of it. But So maybe there were people who owed him. Maybe he just made very bad – some of it was making bad decisions with trusting people who ripped him off. But but also may have this, this could just be an excuse and he was trying to round up money by borrowing or getting staked and, and try to run that up and then pay uh, Sorrell and claim that it was just uh, – it was just people who owed him and finally came through. So Sorrell – Kind of looked like he was venting on this group, not quite ready to out it yet. But I am outing it, and I I believe this. I don't think Sorrell, even with his shady past, I don't think he made up this whole text conversation. And I just I believe it. I think I believe it. Uh, you may wonder what is going on with Cord Garcia on Twitter. Is Cord Garcia? Uh, hiding on Twitter, or has he been tweeting? Uh, believe it or not, he, he has been on Twitter. He's kind of he's on Twitter acting like everything's fine, which which is funny because <laughs> I just yeah I just saw that you wouldn't expect he's that about, he's tweeting about basketball playoffs and and it, it was funny stuff. because when I remember when Joe Seabock was uh, under the most heat when he had been promising everybody about UB and then it turned out that UB was uh, was broke after Black Friday and it cheated everybody a second time <laughs> and it, instead of coming out at the time with an apology which to his credit he eventually did he eventually came out with an apology like in some publication he admitted he was wrong to do a lot of what he did but uh at the time he was just tweeting about the atlanta hawks which i guess he was a fan of and uh, you know, i think they have a good chance this year like all this is happening and all he has to say on twitter is about the atlanta hawks wait who's this joe seabach Oh, yeah. Back in 2011 when all the shit hit the fan. I, I, why would he be Atlanta Hawks? I have no, I, I have no idea, but, uh, but it was like, it, it was like he's, he's tweeting about just mundane things about, about the Hawks and other stuff and totally ignoring the big, uh, concern. Like either disappear or, or address it. Don't just ignore it and act like life is okay and, yeah. and you're happy to watch the Hawks doing well. I mean, was, everything was crashing down around him. So, so Court Garcia is kind of like this. He just, uh, you would never know from his tweets, like tweets on September 10th. Uh, where he's, well, yeah, about basketball also, about the, about the Houston Rockets and, uh, uh, and then he even tweets something about poker. Crazy that it took a pandemic to abolish nine-handed poker. And he got 433 likes for that. Because a lot of people hate nine-handed poker. So he's like, ah, pandemic stopped, uh, nine-handed poker. Oh, okay. Kind of a clever observation, but, uh, should you really be tweeting this when you're in this position? I, I would think you should just kind of hide, but I, I think he's hoping that if he, has the illusion of somebody who is uh, everything being normal that that maybe you can get uh, some uh, some stakes still. Now I will put this asterisk on the story. This has not been independently verified. It was told by a guy who has done a lot of bad things in poker over the time. Someone who isn't a very reliable or trustworthy person. The only reason I say I believe this is because of the text messages provided. And it just wouldn't make a lot of sense for. Wait, the person telling you this isn't reliable no, either. No, 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 no. The the person telling me is reliable. The the uh, Sorrell telling the story. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sorrell is not now, the reliable. The person telling you this isn't the same person that tells you that Alyssa Ball is a real no woman. No. Okay. No. Different source. No. But uh, <laughs> have but, you have you looked at your phone by the way? Uh, you asked people to. 
any updates? Well, taxes? Uh, yeah, let, let me take a look here. It is very maybe something good. You no, know, I, I haven't seen anything on seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. Uh-huh. And on my personal texts, uh, when you said, have I looked, I thought maybe you sent me something. I was no, no, no. I just meant because you asked people to text you if they had an opinion or if they did the photo, they did a search of the photo. Yeah. And, you know, we have pretty smart Yeah, I hope people find something. So. But anyway, I, I believe it just because it wouldn't make sense for Sorrell to make this up. And it didn't. And he looked like he's putting this in a small place without a lot of... Uh, so how much is potentially scammed now? Well... I'm not sure what potentially scammed. He's he's claiming 27k is directly owed to him, and then it looks like he's also saying that he's concerned that above that, that maybe some winners got screwed, and that they might come back to Sorrell later and say, "Hey, this is your club." What, uh, what's yeah. the over under of dollar amounts that you think when this pandemic's over, we're going to start reading about? So and so, this group invited me. I never got paid this. I never got paid that. Oh, you, well, do you mean on Poker Bros? The the total yeah yeah whatever all, like these poker apps like yeah not like you know anything else but these apps. What well, do you think the over under is going to be? As of far people as what we claiming... hear, I don't. As far as what we hear, I don't know. But I, the, the actual money that people get ripped off, like legitimately ripped off, uh, it's it's got to be uh, millions and millions of dollars that will have been sure. stolen by them. It's got to be a lot because a lot of people never say anything or don't really know where to say it or are embarrassed or or or, or still are afraid if they say something that they're not going to get paid. That's a big one that keeps people quiet. So, uh, really, if this happened to you, you pr- you should say something, especially if it's someone in the poker community who's known because uh, that that's your best chance of getting paid. If you stay silent, they're not going to appreciate it. They're just going to see you as a mark and that they don't have to pay you. So the, the first, you should start being very aggressive with demanding payment, and if it really just seems like they're absolutely not paying you, then you should out them, and you'll probably move to the top of the list of who they pay first, even if you have already outed them, because they're going to want you to come out and say that they paid you. So you'll only say that, of course, if you get paid. So that that's the best thing you should – that's your best course of action if you get screwed. But, of course, the best course of action is not to play on these poker apps in the first place. And for all the problems that Bovada and ACR have, such as – ripping off Traderuski and Bovada, which they did, not for a huge sum of money, but it is the principle, and they did really outright steal from Traderuski. It was very bad on Bovada. And ACR has had problems with bots and, and things like that. Uh, but despite that, I will give them both credit for one thing. For a while now, for quite some time now, both sites have been very reliable with cash-outs. You win money on there, you're going to get paid. Oh, yeah. That very rely. I can I can personally vouch for the Bovada side of it. The ACR I don't play on, but Bovada, good and quick. No ACR ACR is like three days, two days. Yeah, it's similar like that with with ignition. I've... In fact, the last ignition cash out I actually got the same day, which is shocking. Uh, so that, that I was impressed. So the cash outs great. That's they've both done it very well. And I think you know if you win money on those sites, at least for the time being, and has been for a while for a long time now, you'll get paid. And that's that's. Something you cannot say on these Poker Bros apps. There, it's a big question mark whether you get paid, and that's a that's bigger than everything else aside from being outright cheated. That other than getting outright cheated, the 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 biggest thing is will you get paid if you win? Otherwise, what's the point? So sure. so that's uh, something to consider. So I believe it, but it's not been verified, and of course, Sorrell has a lot of question marks surrounding him and the way he's behaved over the years. So uh, would I be absolutely shocked if? Sorrell either isn't telling the whole story or is providing texts that are out of context. I wouldn't be shocked, but I don't think it's likely. It all kind of fits together. It all kind of adds up together right, and it just wouldn't make sense why he'd do this. And he's not doing this 
in really open public. There's not really a reason Sorrell would do this. He doesn't seem to be gaining anything. It's not like he's saying, hey, can someone help me out here and, and loan me some money because Cord just screwed me. It's just like, hey, I want to call him out here in a small group. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me why he would do that if it wasn't legitimate and this hadn't happened. So uh, it looks like just someone with a bad history has been scammed himself. Jesus. Yeah, that's... Who, who would have thought Sorrell Mizzy scam victim? So I, I don't know if you want to stay for the next topic, but I'm going to talk about uh, Five Dimes if you want to stay for that. So so I got an email from Five Dimes, as did everybody who plays on there, uh, that stated that they are done as in the U.S. market. And they, they're one of the biggest books as far as offshore – sports books that serve the U.S. market. So that's that's a pretty big deal. They gave you until – they claim they're going to cash everybody out. They, well, I'll, I'll read it to you directly what it says here because it's – To me? I've already read it. Well, I'm going to read everybody, yeah. It's oh, a, you mean to the audience. Okay, yeah, the sure. audience, yeah. Uh, Do you use five dimes? Yes. So Is that your? Is that the only one you use? No, I, I use others. So Are you affected by this? Um, I'll, I'll get to that. So okay. right. five dimes – sent this out, not just to me, but to everybody. Immediate action required from all U.S. customers. Five Dimes is excited to announce that it is embarking on a new business venture. Why? They're excited to say they're kicking you off. With the evolving legal landscape in the U.S., we want to take advantage of the opportunity to offer an improved online sports betting experience to many of our U.S. customers. In order to do this, we need to temporarily suspend our service at the U.S. market so we can launch our new operations with a fresh start. Now, that seems to imply that they're they have a way to get into the legalized U.S. market, and they can't do this until, until they bail from the illegal U.S. market, which is hard to believe that they can just waltz into the U.S. market like this with this type of history. I doubt it, but that's what they seem to believe. Maybe there's some way they can finagle it. Anyway, uh, maybe it's someone like, like a minor investor that isn't really known to be a five-dimes investor, but they don't – if it's found out, they want to at least say they've ceased operation – before getting this U.S. opportunity. Maybe something like that. I'm just guessing. So they wrote the following. Please note the following important dates. We will stop offering online betting for U.S. customers at 12 a.m. Eastern Time, September 21st, 2020. All U.S. customers should be requested between now and 12 a.m. Eastern, September 25th, 2020. So they're saying you better cash out before September 25th. Any customer funds remaining at 12 a.m. on September 30th will be transferred to a third-party claims administrator who will seek to deliver the funds to the account holder. Any customer funds that cannot be delivered by 12 a.m. Eastern Time on September 30th, 2021, 13 months from now, will be deemed abandoned by the account holder. And that means they just confiscate them. We apologize for this inconvenience. We wish we could tell you everything about our future plans, but for now... Please stay tuned and know that we will soon reward your loyalty with extraordinary gaming experiences. Okay, so first of all, they're giving a, a pretty short window to cash out. It's less than a month. So that's that's crap that, that you have this short of, t- of a time before they hand it over to a third party, and who knows how well that's going to be handled. It's, it's kind of BS that they – because even they're trying to exit the U.S. market, something that the U.S. has never complained about is an illegal gambling site – leaving the market and paying their players. It's been an unwritten rule for well over a decade that if you are offering illegal gambling to U.S. players on one of these offshore books or poker sites, that they want all the the players paid even though it was illegal. They want you to stop operations 
and then pay everybody. That's what the U.S. wants. If you're running one of these, you say, I'm shutting down, the U.S. will not be satisfied if you say, okay, I'm just shutting down and everything's just done. Everything's completely done, I'm, I'm disappearing. The U.S. will go, whoa, 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 no, we don't want that. Pay everybody first, then disappear. So they, they want people paid. So the reason I'm bringing this up is they shouldn't have this short deadline to get your money because the U.S. is not going to object if they stop taking bets and stop taking deposits and simply give you cash out. So that's that right there is BS. They're just uh, making excuses. They, they're actually find, trying to find excuses to, one, not have to worry about uh, processing cash outs, and, and two, uh, finding excuses to take the money eventually. So that's, that's the first problem. But I noticed something right away when I read this. There's something that was not mentioned at all. They said they're going to stop accepting bets on September uh, 21st. What about bets that you've already placed that do not settle till after the 21st of September, like futures bets, like a bet on who's going to win the NBA championship or who's going to win the Major League Baseball World Series? What about any of those futures bets you have made on five dimes? Many of those will not settle by September 21st, 2020. So what will they do with those? And there, that was my immediate question. I fortunately didn't have any on there. But I did wonder what's going to happen. I do have some futures bets. It's not on there, fortunately. And this is something that uh, people wondered. And there started to be different answers to this question, none of them good. So some people were claiming that they just had everything canceled, good or bad, that they had it canceled, that if there's a futures bet that that is to be settled after the 21st, it's been canceled, and that if you if you have tons of equity in this because the odds have improved or that, that uh, uh, you know, let's say you're getting paid plus 900 and currently you could only bet it at, at minus 150, then you have tremendous equity here. You could even guarantee yourself a win by betting against it, by uh, hedging. Tough luck. You, you, you lose that on that value. But if you have something that's really gone down in value, then you get off the hook. So that that was wait. Some, it's not even hold on, hold on, hold on. What about if you've already draw if you're already drawing dead? Well, that's saying, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But they they uh, but at, some people were saying it. So first, like so for example, what I mean is like an NBA future for a team that's already been eliminated. Well, is okay, that what you're going to talk? Yeah, that's what okay. we're going to talk about. So right. So at first, some people were saying that just they're canceling all futures bets, good or bad, which still I think sucks because uh, again. I think because the bet was actually placed before the 21st, this kind of falls into the same heading of paying people out. And I don't think the U.S. would get pissed about that. If they've exited the market, and if the answer is we exited the market on September 21st, if, 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 or if this gets in the way of future opportunities, if they say we've exited the market but we still have to pay out bets that were made that settle after the 21st, bets that were made in August, July, whatever, uh, maybe before that, the U.S. isn't going to say, no, you, should, you shouldn't have taken those. You should invalidate that. They wouldn't say that. It's just a matter of paying out people. You're not taking further bets. So, again, this looked like an excuse. And, in fact, I wondered, maybe they analyzed it and noticed that, overall, it's to their benefit to to do this. Maybe they, they have some futures bets they replace that are, they're going to take a huge bath on. Maybe people place some big futures bets that are going to kill them. And, this is a way, and that this is an additional benefit they get while leaving the market. So... That was discussed, but that's not the entire story. And then I'll get to Brandon's question in a second when I describe all this. Like, what, what about bets that have zero chance to win but technically aren't settled yet? 
Then there started to be rumors about another site, a sister site that looks and functions identical to Five Dimes called BetAnySports.com. And sure enough, if you go to BetAnySports.com and sign up there with a free account, which you can do without depositing any money, and take a look at it, it is absolutely identical to Five Dimes. I don't mean similar. I mean, it is, other than some different logos, it functions the same, it looks the same, the prompts are the same, the wording's the same, the odds are the same, everything. Everything they do, it's, it's the same. So it really is like they just picked up Five Dimes, made a copy of it, called it BetAnySports.com, and people got offers to transfer everything there. Transfer balances, transfer transfer all pending futures bets, just transfer everything there. But some it's people, kind of similar to what Volvada did with Ignition. Right. made everyone transfer over. It, that, it's very similar. But there's some, this is where the similarities end. Not everybody got that transfer offer. So some people seem to have gotten uh, that they can uh, – that just all their futures are going to be canceled, good or bad. Some people seem to have gotten, we'll transfer everything, including your futures, over to Bet Any Sports. Some people seem to have gotten, we'll transfer your money, but we're canceling all the futures to Bet Any Sports. And then it seems like some people got, and this is just from independent reports from different people, and then some people just got uh, nothing other than, hey, we're closing, but nothing about Bet Any Sports. Well, I was in the last category. I did not hear about Bet Any Sports until others told me about it. So I... As far as I believed at first, they were just shutting down. And then when I posted it on Poker Fraud Alert and people brought up Bet Any Sports, uh, by the way, I keep hearing the, the vaping here going on. Oh, sorry, buddy. So I, I, I kept saying, I, I thought, okay, they're closing. I really believed it. And then I hear about Bet Any Sports and I go, okay, I guess that kind of through the grapevine, people are going to realize it and they're hoping that happens. No, people knew because they were invited. They didn't invite me for some reason. And they, they didn't, so, so certain, it looks like they targeted a certain people, and this is really shady looking, cause this makes it look like they're picking and choosing who they prefer to go over there, and they might be picking some of this based upon, uh, betting patterns, or, uh, or, like, the people who they think are most likely to lose, they, they'd like prefer to be over there, they, they don't want, they, they're offering to transfer prop bets, maybe based upon people who, uh, who have ones that, that aren't that lucrative, uh, someone posted a, uh, they posted, a ticket they had, which is a very, very valuable parlay ticket with just one leg left to win, that they're being told is going to be invalidated. So, Do you they, remember what the last leg was? Uh, no. Let me see if I can find it. No, I, I can't find it right now. Uh, actually, maybe on 2 plus 2. Let me see. What did it pay? I didn't remember that, but it was... It was like, I well, was you just, say valuable. Do you mean no, I, I, thousands? No, no. I didn't, I, see, I, didn't see, I meant value by the what they the lines they got. Where they oh. were, some, you know, something that was worth pl- was plus nine hundred that already hit, but, but plus eight hundred that already hit, uh, things like that. That's, just, yeah, that's real. I'd be fucking furious. Yeah, so that's, that's really bad. Right. So, so that's gotten people furious, and they, and also there's a question of why the inconsistency. So wait, I'm sorry, now I'm tired. I'm trying to follow. What did they explain? Why they can't transfer all this over to the same similar-looking site? They've explained nothing, and in fact, to people like me, they haven't even mentioned the other looking the other site. I just found that out through others who got the. The offer. Okay. Uh, here, let me. I think it's on two plus two. This this picture of the ticket. Let me see. Or at least a link to the. Yeah, it's a, a tweet from a Shy Town Chris eighty nine. Oh wow! I, I didn't see this amount. Now that I see this, is really outrageous. He bet three hundred fifty dollars on a five team parlay, where the amount that he will win is 
$348,000. Oh, my God. And uh, the one that's pending is the Vegas Golden Knights is plus 860 to win the Stanley Cup. But uh, the rest of it, uh, he's already won. So, of course, he can, he can hedge this, and, uh, and it already has huge value. That's the only part left is the, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, I assume this is real, but who knows? But what he, uh, he said what happened was that a guy on Twitter named Brett Favre444, which, of course, isn't the real Brett Favre, tweets, uh, so Five Dimes is really going to free roll scam anyone with pending NBA NHL futures as they pivot to being a regulated sports book? LOL. And then this Chi-Town Chris just tweets that back. <laughs> and, and, and then he tweets back a chat he had with a customer support agent named Roderick. And this guy, wrote, so Chi-Town Chris wrote, just got an email uh, after review that the ticket was being voided. This is contrary to stated Five Dimes rules and the rules of all sports books. So I want to confirm this is the final decision by Five Dimes to not properly pay the liability. And Roderick writes, "Unfortunately, we are closing at the moment. You can get a refund of the and leave the wager, but nobody can guarantee you'll get the money. We will transfer all accounts to a third-party claims administrator, and they will reach customers. But your wager date is way too far from now, so I don't recommend it." So Roderick's basically saying, "You you you, you can get a refund, or you can take your chance of what the claims administrator is going to say." That's going to be done with this ticket, but they may just say you lose the whole thing, so I would just take the refund right now. He's not saying we're transferring it to the other site. He's actually saying you can either take – just refund this and lose all the value and just get your original bet back or give it – What were the other legs of this teaser that hit? He didn't post, them, he didn't post them all, but uh, – I know you said you need the Knights to win. Yeah, that's the one that hasn't hit, but there was the – he had a uh, – um, the UEFA uh, Champions League, the, the Bayer and Munich one at plus seven ninety five. The Chiefs winning the Super Bowl plus nine fifty. So this is, obviously this goes way back. He, he must have made this at least early in the year, maybe even before that. Oh no, in two thousand nineteen. Some it's a Canadian football. I can't see what it is, but uh, ten nineteen nineteen. He placed it almost a year ago. So this is this is like a year old ticket. Here he how, thought. How much was it? The 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 total price. Three fifty, and he to, to win three hundred forty eight thousand five sixty, and all he has to do is have the Golden Knights win or hedge against it. Well, they're not even in the finals yet. No, yeah, I know, okay. but but yeah, he can hedge it. There's yeah, a ton of money. It. So so obviously he's furious here, and he's being told, "Well, okay, you can leave this up to the, the third party claims administrator, but they may screw you. I don't recommend it." So that's that's really horrendous, and it's it's weird how they are are doing this, and also they they can't tell people when they're going to be paid because chat support told someone that they have. 5,000 or more payouts in the queue, and they can't even give an ETA at this point. That's going to be a problem. And then some people got, as I said, they got told that they can transfer to bet any sports. People like me were not told that, but we weren't told we couldn't. We just weren't told it existed. And another guy on 2 Plus 2 posted that he had uh, a a plus 2200 bet on the Heat to win the Eastern Conference. So that's twenty-two to one. Yeah, and they're looking. That's, that's looking like it might happen. Yeah. So he bet five hundred to win uh, eleven thousand, and then he also had on the Celtics. He had uh, to win the entire NBA championship, which of course is much harder. But uh, five hundred. That's not going to happen. Fi- I don't think so either. But five hundred to win thirteen thousand. So uh, he has those, and he doesn't know what's going to happen. There's a guy named Laser Boy. What? So let me ask you: 
Do you think all this is because they had too much liability? Do you really think they're doing well, that's, all this? For- right. There could be. That's what people are suspecting that it could be there. Well, I know, but I'm asking you, what do you think? That what people are suspecting. Um, I actually think it's not. I think it's a possibility. I don't want to say it's not happening, and I don't want to say it's far fetched or conspiratorial. I think that they really do have some kind of opportunity where not the direct ownership gets to gets uh, to just jump into the U.S. market, but that there's some someone involved with Five Dimes' current ownership. And remember, they, the I think his name was William Sean Creighton was uh, if Tony was murdered last year, so his wife and some other investors own it currently and manage it. And maybe one of those, maybe someone who has a minority stake in it or something like that. Uh, has an opportunity to be involved in the very fast-growing U.S. online sports betting market, the legalized one, and so they've. Th- this person says, you know, I-, I want, I need to drop out of this, and so, so something like this is going on. I, the only reason I'm saying it like this is because I don't think that the Five Dimes itself could just pick up and join the U.S. legalized market as being one of the long-standing illegal books, but. I still I think it is probably of some opportunity because they're only doing this to U.S. players. Now you could say maybe this is just an excuse and this allows them to, uh, plausible reason to cancel people's bets. Maybe the the biggest bets they're worried about losing came from the U.S. It could be that. But uh, you would just think that they wouldn't be picking and choosing who they transfer over to this uh, or who they offer to transfer over to, to bet any sports. I, I still think this is. Not about them running away from liabilities, but I do think that they're trying to do something shady on the way over there to screw people and and just save extra money. That's what I think. Well, because they have it. I mean, you would think unless there's something that we don't know that they don't have any more liabilities now than they would in any other given you know years of sports book. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing. I mean, every year, every sports book always is going to have liabilities. So you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it, what's to make us think it's worse now than it's ever been? Or la- I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Seems... Think, I don't think it is. But I, I just think it's possible. But that, that... I don't. I still don't understand why. Tell me one more time. I'm sorry. Why can't they transfer it over to the new site? They can. They're just choosing not to. But but are they explaining why? No, they they're not explaining anything. But that doesn't make sense then. Like I don't. Why wouldn't? I mean, if they could. It, it, the whole thing doesn't make sense. Like, why, why are they yeah. only telling some people that bet any sports exists and not others? Why, why did they not email me and say, yeah. go sign up and bet any sports? They, they, they didn't tell me. Now, I signed um, up. I signed up, by well, the you way, know, and I, I could. Living, but... living in Las Vegas, uh, I don't, I've never had the need for any online sports book. I mean, why would I? You can do it now. I never have to worry about getting free rolled and I get paid right away. What, so I, I, I'm probably one of the least knowledgeable people when it comes to reputations. What is Five Dimes' general reputation up until this, uh, before this? Okay, well, there's so this, assuming. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, there's, there's before Tony, there's after Tony. Wait, Tony, is Tony the guy that got killed? In, yes. Or? So Tony was known okay. to be. Um, Who's he, the founder? Yeah, he was the owner of it, and then he got murdered. Okay. Tony was, he was an American, and he was known to be an asshole. And he was known to be overly sensitive to people trying to roll him. So, like, let's say you see they're offering a, a game that's already started and you place a bet on it. Not only is he not going to pay you on that, which that part's reasonable, but he'll shut down your account, entire account and take your balance. So he, he would do things like that. He would just completely take the balance of anyone who tries to roll him in any way in his opinion. 
And not that it matters. Why did they find out why he was murdered? Was it like a kidnapping? Yeah, for it was money? A, it was kidnapped for ransom. Yeah. Okay. So and what happened? I mean, how did it go bad that they murdered him? It's not clear the, why. It's not clear why they okay, ended up killing right. him. But huh. uh, and they they got corrupt police to help pull him over, and then they grabbed him. Jesus. So, uh, but that's the risk you take in running something like that in in uh, Costa Rica. So yeah. So anyway, he wasn't a nice person. He he would like if he felt that you were trying to screw him in any way, then he'd shut down your account and take your balance. Even if he doesn't just confiscate the bet you were trying to roll him, if you have a hundred k on the site and you try to roll him for a thousand, he's going to shut you down and take the entire balance. So uh, th- that was the bad side of him. The, the good side of him is that if you just bet normally and didn't try to angle shoot in any way and didn't find yourself unlucky enough to make it look like you're angle shooting when you're not, uh, then you are going to get paid. So they had a good payment reputation. And so in that way, they were seen as an honest book. But if you tried anything slightly out of the ordinary, he had no tolerance for it. After he died, I didn't hear any of these stories, but there was an incident where somebody got, and this is, again, after he was gone, somebody got screwed who won a bad, some kind of jackpot or something. Like a bad beat jackpot, and this guy, in fact, even posted on Poker Fraud Alert. Where oh, I remember that. Yeah, where, where where he ran it up. He got disconnect. He got disconnected. No, no, that was no, that was bet online. This is oh. on five dimes where the guy won and it was owed like twenty two thousand dollars, and they told him that uh, because he never deposited, because he ran up like a free roll to money, and then and then won some kind of jackpot oh, yeah. later. I remember that. That. Yeah. that even though he raked a lot of money since then, that he wasn't. But he got paid to too, didn't he? Only after it went around and there was a lot of shame placed on them. Whereas yeah. Bet Online, they kind of were deciding what to do. They never said no. This guy, they repeatedly told him he violated terms of service. And what was particularly shady is they quickly changed the terms of service to pretend that it had been there the whole way. They, they quickly inserted there that you had to have made at least one deposit to the site to be eligible for this jackpot. And that that wasn't there before when he hit it. And and only through going – only after I po- – I posted it actually. I went through uh, Google uh, the, the – or maybe it was a Wayback Machine. One of these things, either the Google Cache version or the Wayback Machine, one of those archives of web pages I found from a date maybe about a month beforehand that that term wasn't in there and that they had just added it. So – what? Who's more reputable, uh, Bet Online or Five Dimes? Bet Online is more reputable, but okay. uh, but now is your money unsafe on Five Dimes? No, they 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 did pull that one shenanigan, but then backed down when called out on it, and they Tony was particularly sensitive about you trying to roll him, and was overly aggressive in his response to it, and was very unreasonable. But they didn't just outright screw people. Like if you just went on there and won, they would pay you. If you just, even if they thought you were a professional better, they, they, they're not, they don't chase off professional betters. They don't ban people for winning. They don't, uh, uh, you know, if, if you run up a little to a whole lot just because you get lucky or whatever it was, they, they'll, they'll, they'll actually pay you out. They have a good payout history. So those are the good ends of five dimes. But this, this is the worst thing they've done so far. And people are kind of pissed about this and saying that this is indicative of, of something very shady. So that's, that's what's happening at the moment. It is indicative of something, but what I don't get is why would they risk their reputation? And, and you know, obviously they're going to lose customers over this. You know, the, especially ones that have winning futures bet. 
for I mean, unless it's you're talking money that would make them install. It doesn't make sense. Well, I'll, just, I'll tell you what makes a little sense is if if they want to be out of the U.S. market and do away with five dimes and be able to tell regulators in the U.S. that five dimes has gone for U.S. customers, and then kind of backdoor create this uh, bet any sports. And then they create something beforehand to show that even though it looks similar, it's just, you know, they can blame it on some employee who just splintered off and started a similar site. Or maybe they can claim they sold this part of the, uh, that they sold it to him and said, uh, we don't recommend you go in the U.S. market, but obviously we can't control you. And he just did this on his own. They, they can, but people- doing that, would they maybe know that there's some, something potential down the line? Like, why would they be doing it now of all times? Like, well, yeah, they must feel that some... there's some kind of potential for them that, that they could uh, gain yeah. from doing this. And so maybe this is like we're willing to do away with this very good brand, which is mostly U.S. customers. We're was will- that was that partially one of the reasons Bovada did the same thing with Ignition? That was, never, that was never known why they did this. And, in fact, to this day they still yeah. claim they were a different company. That's so and they're, they're so they're so not, but it appears that they try to claim they're a different company. And yeah. and so I, I still don't know why they did it. And they also went back on what they had done. Originally, they kicked poker off Bovada completely only to bring it back. That. They brought it back now, which is good because now, it helps the game. Spe- speaking of which, you would know this then. I've never even used it. I don't even have an account. I've never funded money. How How is poker on bet on? They have a poker room on bet online. Is that a big, is that a semi-decent poker site or it isn't? I, I've never used it actually. You've never even browsed. No, when, okay. I've only when used. You, I've only done it for sports on there. Okay, and they reliably pay fast too. Yeah. Okay. They had issues many years ago, but it seems like they're way past that. So I, I would say they're yeah. very reliable as far as being paid as is five dimes. This is very weird, and people haven't quite figured out what's going on. But the the inconsistent transfers and marketing and some rules for some people, not for others. It's very bizarre, and it's it's not good. So I'll let you guys know what happens with that going forward. Okay, I, I'm going to move to the Chris Moneymaker thing. I think this could still... Is this the last poker one? Oh, no, then you have the Stones. I have the Stones thing, but I figured you'd be more interested in this than the Stones thing. Okay, so, yeah, do so, this, and then I'm going to go. So the Chris Moneymaker thing, not a, not a big topic here, but still something of interest. Chris Moneymaker put out on Twitter a notice that he wants people to be aware that... His account on 2 plus 2 has been hacked and that you should not trust anything that that account says. On September 9th at 7.28 a.m. Pacific time, he tweeted, I was just notified that my account on 2 plus 2 has been compromised and trying to exchange money with people. I'm trying to retake control but will not ask for anyone – not ask anyone for money on 2 plus 2. So he's tr- – Basically saying, be very, very careful if you get uh, a request from me because it is not me, and I'm not going to be asking you money for money there. So if you see this, it's definitely not me. This is a common scam that people aren't all that aware of, but it's been going on for many, many years. In fact, one that even I was victimized by, not not an account hacking, but people impersonating me and using my good name to get money trades where someone sends first. And they figure, okay, well, Dan Druff's not going to screw me. Well, Dan Druff wouldn't, but not fake Dan Druff. So uh, in one case many years ago, I actually helped someone get their money back. It was actually on party poker. After someone had impersonated me there and made a bogus money trade, I actually, fortunately that the scammer hadn't cashed out yet or lost the money, and I was able to convince party poker support to ship it back to the original person who shipped it who then was very grateful and apologized for accusing me so the person really thought i screwed them at first but i said no no i understand why it looked like it was me 
Steve the Pimp, formerly of Neverwin Poker, loved to do this. I don't believe it was him who did this to me, but uh, actually it could have been him. You know, it actually could have been him. But he loved to do this, and he loved to impersonate different poker pros. He especially loved impersonating John Juwanda for some reason, but he did to many others. And, and he scammed a lot of money that way. So this is a common scam, especially if you can somehow compromise an account. Now, how did he, whoever did this, how did this person compromise Moneymaker's 2 Plus 2 account? I don't think it's a master hacker. I have a feeling this was a phishing thing where they sent uh, an email to Chris Moneymaker pretending it was 2 Plus 2 and uh, there's a problem with your account. Try to log in again. You probably get those all the time from fake PayPal, from fake Bank of America. I get that crap in my email all the time. So it was probably one of these, and Chris Moneymaker probably fell for it and clicked on one of these and entered his password for 2 plus 2 for fake you know, fake 2 plus 2 sent him an email. And then the person went right on his account, changed the password, and and then started sending email – or started offering money trades probably privately so it doesn't get called out. And I don't know if anyone fell for it. But my advice to you is that no matter who claims they are trading money, no matter how reliable they are, even if it's your own mother, you need to verify that 100% they sent the message. And there's many ways to do it. Call them up. Uh, text them. Ask them to tell you something that only they would know that uh, that, that the, an experience the two of you shared and something that would not have been an email. Steve the Pimp actually was very clever, and he would trick people when when they would say, hey, is this really you? And I'd say, but, oh, yeah, remember we went to the restaurant on Saturday. We went to such and such restaurant on Saturday. Oh, okay, yeah, it's you. Well, how did he know that? He had access to the person's email and saw emails about going to the restaurant on Saturday. So... He was able to really trick people into believing it was really him. So if you are going to ask someone to verify something that they would know about you or know that you did together or talked about, make sure it's nothing you ever, ever emailed or texted them. It's something you've only you know, experienced in person and have not referenced anywhere else. It's safer to just speak to them on the phone or on Zoom or on FaceTime or something which is impossible to fake. Do not ever trust that anything you get from anybody that purports to be them is them, especially if it's out of character. So if, let's say you get an email from someone that you know and trust and, and tells you to click on this attachment, it's really funny. Well, don't do it. It may not be them. It may be someone impersonating them or hack their account. So I imagine one of these things happened to Chris and now the person's trying to trade using Chris's name. I mentioned on Poker Fraud Alert, it would be hilarious if Chris actually just needed the money and he's using this as an excuse, but I was just joking, and I even put there, I believe him, that uh, I don't think this is Chris pretending. I think someone really did get access to his 2 plus 2 account and is using it to scam. So everybody be aware, and not, not just for Moneymaker. I, I, I would think he probably got this resolved by now. It's been three days. But n- not just him, but anybody, no matter who they are or what their reputation is, if you cannot say... With 100% certainty that you have spoken to them or seen them and that it is really them, then don't trade. For example, uh, if Lise Nico messaged me and told me that uh, she's looked up some more about me and thinks I'm the hottest guy she's ever seen and uh, she wants to meet me to have sex, but it's got to be in a really dark room and just meet her there in that really dark room and, and she'll be there. I'd have to say no, because uh, 
there there'd be a, a big question mark if if that's really who it is. And for all I know, it could be a guy. So, uh, yeah, you have to verify before you actually go through with it. Okay. Um, sorry. So that was a quick topic. Okay, so so I'm going to move on to the stones. Are you, are you done, Brandon? Yep. Okay. I'm going to say goodnight. Thank you for having me. My voice is going. I'm I'm, I'm exhausted. It is. It's uh, tough. I'm in there for eight hours. Though, Very you, good. I, I appreciate it, Brandon. Thank you for being here. Uh, thank mm-hmm. you, Trader Ruski, for the time we had you. If he just kind of no fell problem, off, buddy. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad glad you could be him as well. So for the thank you part and long show here so far, and it's not even over yet. I for those wondering, I am going to skip the COVID topic. Nothing even that big happened, and I'm also not going to do that final topic probably about the. What would Dan Dreff do? I'll just table that for next week. So I will do the final topic about stones and shut this down. So thank you, Brandon, for being on, and uh, we'll talk to you later. I hope to hear you in a future show. Okay. Thanks for having me on. We'll talk during the week. Good night. Okay. Good night. Well, let me know next week. Well, as of right now, unless something changes, do you know is it going to be on Friday? Yeah. Friday is our day, and I don't see a reason it wouldn't happen next week. Okay, buddy. Have a good night. Thanks okay. for your hospitality. And giving me uh, an ability to voice my opinion, and I appreciate it all. Yeah, no, I, like, I like having you here. So thank you for coming on. Okay. All right, all right. Talk soon. Good night. Bye. So wow, long time we had Brandon here. Can you believe it? he called in at the beginning and he stuck with us the whole time? I did not expect that, but it was a pleasant surprise. It was a pleasant surprise. Okay, I'm going to do the last topic, which I purposely held back for last because this is the one that I felt Brandon would have the less, the least amount of personal interest in. If he wasn't tired, I think he'd finish it off with me. It's not that he has no interest. It's just like of all the topics, I thought this was the least interesting one to him. But it's interesting to me, and it might be interesting to you. And if it's not interesting to you, well, you could turn off the show because we're almost done and we don't have much beyond that. So let's talk about some Mike Postle stuff and some Stone stuff and some updates to this case. I have two different topics related to this. If you remember from a previous show... We covered that a settlement was offered to all 88 plaintiffs in the case, the civil case versus Stones. Not the case against Mike Postle. That's already gone. That's already been dismissed. Not Marley Cordero's separate case against Stones. That has also been dismissed for venue reasons. I'm talking about the 88 plaintiffs who were not suing as part of a class action, the ones that were actually suing as just a group of plaintiffs all together. They were all represented by Mac Verstandig, and they were suing Stones. And I reported on a previous show that a settlement offer was on the table for all 88 plaintiffs. I disclosed some additional details regarding this settlement that others did not disclose or know. There were some public things released that were in other articles on other websites, so I was not the only one reporting about the settlement, but I brought you some details that were not made public. And I could have brought you more because the person who leaked it to me said, eh, go ahead and say what you want. So I could have dumped it all, but I thought about it beforehand, and I said, you know what, out of respect for Mac Verstandig and the plaintiffs, and also not to give ammo to the various pro-possible trolls that are out there. Like, I don't want to reveal too much. If they wanted to reveal it, fine, but I don't feel it's my place to reveal everything because 
I don't want to have an effect on everything too much. I don't want to give too much ammo to the trolls. I don't want to have the number I put out there affect whether some of these plaintiffs take it or not take it. Stones did say they needed 65 of the 88 to accept or otherwise they will withdraw the settlement offer. And that was part of the terms. has to be 65 people out of the 88. They would each decide individually. So I said, I'm going to give you just some information and leave some to be a mystery, even though I know more than I'm going to say here. The most valuable piece of information I put out as far as being something that was interesting and was not reported elsewhere was that everybody was offered what I called a nominal sum of money. And I also qualified that by saying that by nominal sum, I didn't mean $5. I didn't mean $25. I also didn't mean $5,000. I called it a nominal sum of money. So nothing like either of those numbers. And I left it at that. And I'm not playing games here. I just, I wanted to communicate to you guys what type of settlement they were getting because it could be a very wide range, of course. And I didn't want to give out too much, but I didn't want to say too little. I felt what I said was uh, appropriate. There would have been nothing illegal about me disclosing it. I just chose not to. And I'm still not going to. Unless, if somebody comes forward who actually was receiving a settlement and makes it public, though I, I have, or, or someone who was, uh, offered it and rejected it, then I will say it once it's already made public by someone else. But I'm not going to be the first one to say it. So if it never comes out, then it never comes out. But there's more updates to this, because remember, it was left hanging in a few ways. Number one, there was a deadline of September 11th, which is actually the date of this show, that it has to uh, be decided upon by then, by all the plaintiffs. Number two, that... uh, They have to get 65 out of the 88 people or the whole thing's off the table. The reason for that was not cited in the paperwork, but I theorized that they just needed a healthy number of people accepting it because part of the terms involved a uh, basically uh, an agreement of non-disparagement, that these people were agreeing not to disparage Stones or Justin Kouradis going forward. And these people were required, if they accept the settlement, to state that nothing was found that was any kind of evidence of cheating that was going on there. Not that uh, there wasn't any, but that just nothing was found in their investigation. Apparently, Stones wanted them to say that uh, there was no cheating, and Max said, uh-uh, they're not going to say that. <laughs> We're not, they're not going to outright lie and, and say something they totally don't believe that they don't believe there was cheating because they do. And they're not going to lie. But if you want to say no evidence, yeah, well, technically we didn't find any, uh, evidence that was hard evidence. We have a lot of circumstantial evidence. We, we don't have hard evidence of cheating and hard evidence that you guys had any wrongdoing, even though we have our opinions on this. So we're willing to say we found no evidence, but that's as far as we'll go. So, and, and then this wasn't told to me by Mac. This was told to me by the same source. And the source was not Mac, by the way. And the source is not Veronica. I've been accused recently that uh, I've been receiving this information from Veronica. It was not either one of them. And I'm, I'm not covering for either one of them. Neither of them gave me this information. In fact, as I said on that show, I, I would have guessed that Mac would have preferred I say less. He didn't tell me that, but I, I'm like, I don't think he would have given this to me to leak. He would have just put it out himself. 
So it wasn't either of them. I promise you that. Each plaintiff had to individually decide. This was not a class. So that means each plaintiff could decide, yes, this is okay, or no, I'm not taking it. As I said in that broadcast, if you had no plans to ever disparage Stones or Justin Kuretis ever again, if you're just like not a social media person, you don't plan ever to speak about it again, except maybe in your own home, then, yeah, why not take the money? It's something. And that's the most you're going to get. You're never, you're never going to get more. You're never going to be able to refile and win. Honestly, it didn't look very good. It really looked like Stones had the upper hand here. So really, if you're going to recover anything here, this is your chance to do it. And if you are okay with not speaking about them because you weren't going to anyway, then have at it. Or if you really desperately need the money, then take it. But I said, if you think that you have the desire to continue speaking out against Stones or Justin Kuretis, by the way, Possel wasn't part of this. You could still bash Possel. You just can't bash Stones or Justin Kuretis for any kind of wrongdoing or anything that occurred there. Then if that was how you felt, that you either want to say something currently or you may want to say something in the future that it probably isn't worth the settlement offer you're going to receive. It's one thing if you're getting a million bucks, it's another thing to receive what I call a nominal sum of money to then not be able to say something you really want to say for the rest of your life. So that's, I would, I would not have taken it because to me, the money would not have been worth it. And I am someone who likes to speak my mind and likes to speak out about things I feel are wrong, but I realize not everybody is me. There are some people who do not like speaking about things like this. There's people who don't like complaining on social media. There's people who don't like making a spectacle, even if it's something where they've been wronged. Some people just want to quietly go away or maybe handle it through the court system, but they don't want to make any public statements. And if you're one of those type of people, then it totally makes sense why you'd want to take the settlement because, yes, they're silencing you, but if they're silencing you when you're not going to speak anyway, that's fine. It'd be kind of like if if I'm going to sleep and someone said, okay, how about I pay you $10 to not speak for the next eight hours? I'd say, yeah, fine. I'll take it. I'm going to be sleeping. I'm not going to speak the next eight hours anyway. If they said I'm going to give $10 to not speak for the next eight hours while I'm awake, then I would say absolutely not. So if you're not going to speak anyway, then sure, take the money. So that was my advice to those who were listening that might have been ones who – had to make this choice. I'm not sure if we have any listeners who had to make this choice, but that was my advice to them just in case. So we have some developments. Of course, we've reached September 11th. And the developments are as follows. Number one, the time was extended again for part of it from September 11th to October 1st. The settling plaintiffs were listed in a filing that was done on September 9th. These were 60 different people that had agreed to settle. This is below the threshold of 65, but it seems that Stones has decided it's close enough and they're okay with it. It was a, it was up to Stones. They, they said it has to be 65, but they can go back and say, you know what, fine, 60, whatever, we're close enough. So it looks like it didn't specifically mention this, but it looks like the settlement's going forward even with 60 people. So it looks like Stone says, okay, 60, 65, what's the difference? Mac Versandig, 
then stated that he was going to file a motion to withdraw as the attorney for the other non-settling plaintiffs. Now, you may think that's pretty bad, that he's basically firing his clients. You may say, wow, Mac must really be pissed at these people. No, this is actually a very standard thing. This is not an automatic, first of all. When an attorney gets off a case, when they're representing you, uh, they are stuck as your representation until either the case is closed or until the court actually agrees to dismiss them as representation. We discussed this involving Ray Davis and his criminal case, that uh, Ray Davis wanted his lawyer gone, and it wasn't as simple as just, okay, you're gone, I'm hiring another lawyer. Like The, the court actually has to permit it to happen. So in this case, it was very simple why Mac wasn't going to continue rep- representing them, because they were done. Mac says, okay, we're, we're coming to an end here. Uh, this offer is on the table for the settlement, and those that want to take it will get the money that is offered to them, and they will be bound by all the settlement terms. And if you think the settlement terms are unsatisfactory, then that's it. We're not going forward. So it's not like the other 28 people that we're going to continue forward and, and continue suing stones. You're all doing it together, and a decision has been made here that either you can finish off this way or basically go take a hike. N- nothing offensive, nothing that was – and there's nothing wrong with this, by the way. This is this is just standard procedure in a case with 88 individual plaintiffs. So when 28 are going a different way than the other 60 regarding the settlement, the other 28 who don't agree to it need to be – dropping their current representation unless he's going to continue representing them going forward. But that's not the plan. So they need to be officially dropped. Of those 28 people, how many do you think objected to Mac Verstandig uh, dropping them as clients in this case? How many do you think were unhappy about this and objected to the court? Zero point Zero. Yeah, there were no objections, at least none filed with the court. So that made it a lot higher of a chance. In fact, it made it like a slam dunk that this was going to be approved. Of course, uh, Stones was not objecting either. This is a procedural move. It was noted that uh, some of these 28 people were non-responsive to communication about the matter. So some were asked, hey, are you okay with being dropped and some just didn't answer. So that is assumed by the court to be fine. Like if, if they don't answer, then it will be decided for them. It's it's one of these things, if you don't object, if you say no objection or don't object or just don't answer, it's considered no objection. So I felt on September 9th, it was very likely that this dropping of these 28 clients would be granted. And this part of it was to happen by September 11th. So as I said, I had a copy, or I have, not just had, but I have a copy of that filing. And I actually have a copy of a f- subsequent filing on September 11th. But let's focus on the one on the 9th first. I have all 60 names. I went through the names, and most of them I don't know. Like, I know they were names listed in the complaint. They were among the 88 plaintiffs, but these are people I, I don't know who they are. I could not pick them out of the lineup. I didn't even hear their names before, for the most part. But there were a few that I did know. These I'm talking about the, of the 60 names who are accepting it. One of them 
is Jeff Boski. Jeff Boski with the YouTube channel, and a lot of people know who he is. His real name is Jeff Slazinski, and that's how he's referred to in the legal paperwork. Boski is a stage name. Most of you know him as Jeff Boski, but his name legally is Jeff Slazinski. That's how he's listed here. He accepted it, as did Taylor Carroll, who played on the stream as Hart Banson. Not Bart Hansen, who played it there too. In fact, I, I think that was the joke, is that there were some streams with both Hart Banson and Bart Hansen. The Bart Hansen was the real Bart Hansen. Uh, Hart Banson was Taylor Carroll, for whatever reason, uh, picking that name as a joke. Taylor Carroll also was the one who had the public dispute on 2 Plus 2 with Charles Zhang, a young poker pro with psychological issues, and Charles unfortunately committed suicide in January of 2020. And I was the one who discovered that, unfortunately, and, and revealed it. So that was too bad. But uh, Taylor Carroll was known for, for both of those things. He, he is a poker pro, so he accepted it. And as far as the rest of the names, as far as who accepted, I didn't really recognize anybody. Uh, one of them was a member of the forum, but he's not really known in poker. Other than that, uh, there's really nobody else. The rest of them are names that are meaningless to me, and I'm not even going to bother reading them. But I did notice names that were absent from there, that were among the 88 plaintiffs. So Veronica, that is Veronica Brill, the lead plaintiff in this whole thing, remember it was called uh, Veronica Brill et al. versus Stones, she was not among those accepting it, which doesn't surprise me at all because Veronica is very vocal about the whole thing. And for that nominal sum of money, I could not have pictured that she was going to uh, sell out for that. So I noticed she wasn't there. And I noticed a few others were not listed, like uh, Christian Soto Vasquez, who is a coach at Matt Berkey's Solve for Why Academy. Of course, he's another poker pro. That he was not on there. Uh, Alicia Daniels Duckworth, which is Veronica's friend. She was the one who drank a lot. Uh, she appeared on some streams with, with Veronica. They're good friends. That She was not accepting it. And uh, I also noticed Casey Mills, who was a sometimes commentator, sometimes player in these games. She also was not listed in these 60 names. So... I assumed anyone who was not listed in those 60 names on September 9th was somebody who was objecting to the, or just not objecting, but refusing to accept the settlement and were going to be dropped by Mac, and that was going to be that. By the way, another term of the settlement is that everybody's basically walking away from this forever. So once you've made this settlement, nobody can sue each other for anything else that happened related to this. So Stones can't sue you for anything that you've said or done, and you can't sue them. That everything is forgiven, no matter what, that occurred up to that date. But that's, of course, only if you accept the settlement. Well, then on September 11th, another document came out, and it really, it showed all the names and actually email addresses. This was filed with the court. This was not made public. Neither was the document on the 9th. But it showed the name and all the email addresses of the people who did not accept and therefore were being dropped by Mac Verstandig. And, of course, one of them is indeed Veronica. 
So of that list, and of course it's all the names that didn't appear, there is still one name missing, and that was Casey Mills. Well, I heard, I don't have verification, but I heard that Casey Mills was on the fence, and that's why she wasn't on that list on the 9th, but that ultimately she decided to take the settlement, which is why she's not being dropped as a client. So that would all fit in perfectly, why on the 9th she hadn't yet decided, and then by the 11th she had, so she wasn't dropped on the 11th, but she wasn't on that list on the 9th. So she looks like she's going to be receiving the settlement as well. But uh, among the names that were not accepting it were all the ones I told you, plus... uh, Matt Holtzclaw, you may have uh, heard of him before. Kyle Kitagawa, who was a player and sometimes commentator at Stones. He actually played with me at my one foray to Stones when I appeared on the stream playing 100-200 Limit Hold'em. He played in that game. And, of course, Veronica was there. Alicia Duckworth. Christian Soto-Vasquez, exactly who you'd expect to be on there based upon what was omitted in, in that list, uh, in the other list. So it looks like 61 ended up accepting it and 27 rejected it. So they have been officially dropped. Mac Verstandig is no longer their legal representation in this case as of September 11th. And that means the settlement is going to go forward. And that's going to be that with the civil case against Stones. It's, it's pretty much a done deal. Now, It's not completely a done deal because they have until October 1st to really complete the entire settlement. Right now, it's just uh, leading up to it, where the paperwork for the the initial paperwork for the settlement was filed. Uh, The the amount was not listed there, and I don't know if it ever will be on any documents that can be uh, accessed. But if it is, I'm sure it'll be reported by the Postal crowd, and at that point, I might as well discuss it. But right now, it still has not been disclosed anywhere that uh, can be accessible. So they, like the whole Postle crew doesn't know as far as I know. I'm sure they would say it if they knew. And I, I've seen them take guesses at it and they're wrong. They've talked about like it's it's a few dozen dollars. It's not a few dozen dollars. Like they're, they're not getting it. <laughs> so I wouldn't call a few dozen dollars a nominal sum. I would call a few dozen dollars like basically no settlement. So anyway, they're beginning the process the ones who haven't accepted have been dropped as clients. The ones who have uh, are certified there that they have accepted it and their names have been submitted to the court. And and now the, the formality of the actual settlement itself, they're, they're going to be written up and they have until October 1st to do this. And it, it's going to happen. I mean, it, it's, it's that's why I said pretty much a done deal. It's not officially done, but it's pretty much done. So what about the people who did not accept? They do have the right to continue saying what they want. They have not agreed to anything. They are not getting paid anything. Are they out any money? No. This was a case taken on contingency by Mac Verstandig, where he gets a piece of what is paid. So, yes, Mac does make money from the uh, the settlement. He's not going to make a lot of money because uh, the total amount of the settlement is still not that high. You do have to understand there are 88 plaintiffs, and even if you bring it down to 61 plaintiffs. One thing I don't know is if the settle if the settlement is like a lump sum that's just divided in all the ways of whoever accepts it or if it's just a, a flat number. That I'm not sure about. But either way, even if you multiply it by 61 or even by 88, whatever you want to do it, it's not a huge sum of money. 
the settlement would have been a lot larger for each person if there were a lot fewer plaintiffs, but there aren't, so the settlement is not as big. And therefore, Mac is not exactly making bank here. Sometimes in these type of cases, the lawyers do really well. This one, I got to tell you, uh, this was not worth the amount of time he spent on it, in my opinion, because a lawyer's time is valuable. And you, you could, if he spent the time that he spent on this on uh, other work, he would have made a lot more money. But that's that's a chance attorneys take when they file lawsuits like this. There's there's the chance of making a whole lot. There's a chance of making uh, fairly good money, and then there's a chance of losing or or having to accept a fairly small settlement. This this is something that a lawyer who takes cases on contingency always has to deal with. So this is. You can't even say, oh, man, Matt got burned. No, this is all part of doing business. It's kind of like you go to the poker table. Some days you you, you do great, and it was really time well spent. And other days you break even and say, well, I wouldn't have gone if I was going to sit here six hours and spin my wheels and walk away even. And then there's other days you really wish you'd have stayed in bed because you lost a lot of money. So uh, it's kind of like that in the legal profession, taking contingency cases where it's it's somewhat of a gamble. So in this case, Mac did not do all that great, but uh, he got paid something. And uh, as I said, just part of the business of being a lawyer who takes cases on contingency. He did do a lot of work here. So the that's why I'm saying I, I don't think this was worth his time because of the amount of work that was put in here. Now, there may be some equity he gets from this anyway that this is yet another prominent case he got to be part of. Uh, when you hear about like, poker attorneys, who do you think of now? You think of Mac Verstandig. So with every one of these high-profile cases or even medium-profile cases, he gets his name in the news again. And just you come up with a poker dispute and you need an attorney, you go, well, who do I hire? Oh, Mac Verstandig. I keep hearing he keeps doing it over and over. It's, it's always him. Okay, sounds like the right guy to go to. So that's that's something he gains from each one of these that he does, and this is a very high-profile case. And had he completely lost, if he completely batted zero, then this wouldn't look great. I'm not saying it would make him look terrible. It wouldn't look great. But here at least there's a settlement, and, and he can truthfully state that he got a settlement which – three-quarters of the clients took. But let me go on with the ramifications of this. Those that did not take it are unlikely to file again because the case is not likely to do any better than this. It's probably going to do worse. It's not like they're going to refile. Very unlikely. And and also, they do have the ability to keep speaking out, but if Stones wanted to, Stones could sue them. I don't think Stones would have a case, but Stones could sue people, like, take Veronica, for example. They could say that, that Veronica has uh, committed uh, both slander and libel against them and that they want to take action, that she's harmed their business. I, I would hate to see that. She doesn't deserve that. But I'm saying they could do that, whereas if she, if she accepted the settlement, that uh, they could not do that. Then they have already signed that they are are giving up the right to do that. But then again, she wouldn't be able to talk about them anymore. She didn't want that. Really, this for those 27 people, they walk away from this as if they did nothing, as if there was no lawsuit. That's the best way to look at it. So that has happened, and that looks like it's going to be the end to all the litigation involving this whole matter. That's, that's it. That's the final thing that was pending, other than the settlement itself becoming official. However, we have a little bit more to the Stone story. 
For whatever reason, these pro-Postle Twitter accounts have been very active recently. You'd think the time to do this was a year ago. The the Postle story broke in late September of 2019. You'd think the time for all the defenders to show up and really aggressively push that the narrative against Postle was untrue or unfair, you'd think that would be the time to do it. Most of the chirping about this has happened in recent times. The main one who was doing it for a long time was Rounder Life. Rounder Life being like a failed magazine, failed poker magazine, never went anywhere that dates back over 10 years, that Mike Possel once looked like he was a co-owner of, or he had some very high position there. So he has a previous association with them dating back to like 07. But Rounder Life is really going to bat for him. The, the guy behind Rounder Life, the owner of it, is Everett Caldwell, a guy in Florida, like an older guy in Florida. I've seen pictures of him. I don't know him otherwise, aside from Rounder Life. And I didn't know Rounder Life till it showed up to back Possel. In fact, nobody did. Rounder Life has been in Possel's corner writing a bunch of articles about him and talking about how he's being treated unfairly and how the data about him is inaccurate, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about it before, but that was the main person who was defending him. But then we started seeing some others pop up, and they were much more trollish than Rounder Life was. Rounder Life just liked to cast doubt on things. But then you started seeing accounts pop up that were downright insulting and trolling. And who were they trolling? Well, they were trolling the main people involved with the situation that Mike Postle felt had wronged him. So the one they trolled the most, you guessed it, Veronica. We've talked about this before, that there's a lot of trolls that that were friends of Postle's that were trolling Veronica, saying a lot of horrible and nasty things about her. Then you had various uh, other people that were being trolled. Joey Ingram is being blamed for a lot of this because he put out the week-long stream going through the Postle hands and very strongly implying that Postle was cheating. They were trolling Doug Polk somewhat, more going after Joey. And then they were even trolling Mac Verstandig for having these cases. So they were really just, number one, trying to push the narrative that Possel was treated unfairly and that a lot of errors were made and the poker players don't know what they're talking about who've been accusing him, that everybody's a bunch of sheep who just went along with what Joey Ingram said. And that, and everybody went along with, with Veronica and the, and the Veronica just did this to, uh, to get attention and to get followers and to become relevant in poker because nobody was, uh, paying much attention to her. This is all not true, by the way. I, I don't even want to plant this seed of doubt in your mind. It's all absolutely not true. Veronica didn't do it for this reason. Veronica honestly felt there was cheating. Veronica tried to bring it to Justin Caritas in March. She was dismissed. They didn't want to listen to her. They didn't want to seriously investigate it. She finally brought it out six months later when it just looked like nothing was being done. And she was just feeling worse and worse about saying nothing about it. So she finally said something. It was very brave to do. She does not believe, she does not deserve any of this hate. And the hate is coming not from neutral parties, but from friends of Postle's. So various trolls who are pro-Postle have been hammering it pretty hard recently. There is one that's been a little more subtle than the others that I've talked about, the Asian, the 48-year-old Asian grandma, who is right now, I think, Poker Granny or Poker Grandma. She posts pictures of herself, and I believe she's real. And in fact, uh, someone told me that they know who she is and she is real. So uh, I believe that this poker grandma woman is legit. She will not appear on the show. 
and she definitely is very biased towards Postle, and she's friends with him, and that, that's why she's doing this whole thing. But uh, she's not a fake account. There was a lot of people believing it for some time that Poker Grandma was really Mike Postle, or that Mike Postle uh, took over her account, even if she is real. I, I don't believe that. I actually think all or most of the tweets from Poker Grandma are really from her. It really is a 48-year-old Asian grandma who is very pro-Postle because she's friends with him. But she was not, she was trolling a little bit, but she wasn't terrible. Uh, but some of the other trolls are worse. There's one who goes by Poker Derelict, also known as Poker Thug. And that's actually a female, another Asian female, claiming to be from uh, Laos. And I don't have as much information that she's real, but I think she is. And maybe I don't have a lot of credibility because I believe that uh, Liz Nico's pictures on Instagram were really her, but... I really feel that this uh, poker thug, poker derelict person is real. She actually will post pictures with little signs of the screen name of whoever's asking that she does the sign. So she'll hold up a little post-it or something next to her boobs. And she, she doesn't have her bare boobs. She has like a shirt on. But like it's definitely a female. And it's definitely a female holding up this stuff. And it does look like it, it's an Asian female. She does not show her face. But she is much more of a troll. She tweets lots of nasty things about Veronica and the others. She is not afraid to just write really uh, crappy things about them, and she's very aggressive. Some people were sure it was possible because she does have that aggression and saying that women don't act like this, but no, they do sometimes. (laughs) I think she's real. Then there's a person named Poker Heroes. Now, Poker Heroes does not identify themselves. A lot of people think Poker Heroes is possible, and that one, I think they're right. I think that is possible. I confronted Poker Heroes about this, and he claimed that uh, he just doesn't want his career ruined by people who hate Possible so much that they're going to go after anybody who is defending him. I don't believe that. I think it's possible. Uh, he, at that point, he said he wants to make a bet with me, that he wants to make a bet for any sum of money that he can prove that he is not Mike Possible. Okay. <laughs> little problem here if I bet any significant sum of money or even not a very significant sum of money couldn't he just have any friend just take credit for it and say oh yeah that's me okay Todd pay up Like, how do I prove that <laughs> maybe this was an account someone technically set up in their name a long time ago and had it to possible whatever it is the account's sole purpose is to troll people who were anti-possible that's the entire purpose aside from trying to make Possible look innocent. At least the other accounts do other things. Poker Grandma tweets other things. Uh, this Poker Derelict post tweets other things. It's mostly about Possible, but they have tweeted other things, and the accounts aren't super new. But this is a relatively new account, this, this Poker Heroes, and Poker Heroes does seem to be Possible. You can see all these characters if you look at my Twitter, and I, you can see I'm going back and forth with them. Then we have another one named Dog Boy for Life. That's D-A-W-G for L-I-F-E. I know who Dog for Life is. He gave me his first name voluntarily after a while, but I know his last name as well. But anyway, he's been trolling big time too. He tried to say that I was trying to get into Veronica's pants and all that stupid stuff, which Poker Heroes was going back and forth with me because I told Poker Heroes that they cannot present a hand where Possel threw away a lot of money unnecessarily 
like where he, uh, if you could see the cards, like that he never made a big bluff into the nuts or a big bluff into a very strong hand that's never going to fold, and uh, that he never voluntarily pumped up the pot in a cooler situation where he has an excellent hand that's still way behind, like set over set, like that. That was never happening on any stream where he was also seen cheating. So in any stream where there was suspected cheating, there is not also a hand where he voluntarily put a lot of money in bad, where he made a, like a bad bluff. You just didn't have them. You had these for small and medium pots, but, but no big pots like that. And I said, I challenge you in all this footage here to come up with something otherwise. So they tried to come up with some things. The problem is these failed the scrutiny test. Like a, I'll, I'll give you an example of, of one. There was one where Apostle had King-8 suited, and then he did his usual looking down at his crotch, probably to see the whole cards of the other players, and uh, a guy three-bet him who had King-Queen of a different suit. And Apostle called the three-bet, and then they saw a flop. Well, the flop was two spades. Apostle had the spades. And it flopped Ace-King-something else. So... The king-queen was ahead because they had the better kicker, and Postle had the middle pair and the flush draw. So what ended up happening was that the uh, the guy who three-bet him out of position bit into him on the flop. Postle called. The turn, which a spade did not hit yet, nothing, it didn't, nothing changed on the turn, the guy decided to check. And then Apostle fired out a bet of $550. The guy called. And then on the river, the flush got there. And uh, Apostle bet like a 1000 And I'm trying to think if the guy called or not. It's not important. But anyway, in this hand, this was cited to me as an example of where Apostle was staring down at his crotch, where he was accused by Joey Ingram of cheating. But he wasn't. And the questions I was asked of Poker Heroes is, if he was cheating, then why would he ever have bet on the turn $550 when he was nowhere near 50% equity? His equity was so low that he needed the, not so low, but it was, it was definitely a losing play normally to be betting that if you can see the cards, he's saying, because the king-queen's probably going to call that 550 which it did. And yet the king-queen's ahead of him. So why do it? Why bet that? If you can see the cards, the smarter play would be to check behind because at the moment you're behind, but you can easily catch up on the river if you get uh, the eight or the spades. So here's my answer. My answer was that king, queen of clubs on a board of ace, king, xx with two spades has nowhere to go. Where's the king, queen going to go? The only way it can improve is get a king or a queen. Other than that, the king, queen is always worried that it's beat. So there's the ace on the board, and, and then there's the spades that could come. So by possible betting this on the turn, when well, you betting 550, one, there's a possibility that the person with the king-queen is going to give up, noticing there's nowhere to go and won't know what to do on the river. You know, Do they really want to call a lot of money on the river if possible bets there with, with only middle pair and nothing else and no draw? So they may fold for that reason. But there's a bigger reason that possible actually was correct to bet that from behind. And that is because it's no limit hold'em. And on the river, Postle could make a decision of how much to bet based upon what card falls. So, if a spade falls, giving Postle the second nuts, then Postle is, of course, going to try to value bet it and extract whatever he can. It's, if 
he can see the cards uh, and, and he'll know that uh, he'll have the best hand and he will know what he should bet to get the most money possible out of the king-queen. But if Possible misses and he's actually behind, what can you do at that point if you know for sure that your opponent only has middle pair? You go all in because you think, who's going who's gonna to call that with middle pair? That you either go all in or bet an amount so large that it is unlikely that your opponent is going to call. So this, this was presented to me as a hand that exonerates Postle. Hey, look, he's looking out at his crotch, and look, he made it a suboptimal play. It's like, no, 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 no. This, if anything, is showing he was cheating. This isn't a smoking gun. A lot of people will bet that on the turn anyway. But I'm saying that this is definitely not excusing anything. This is, in fact, betting on the turn is smart because you get the guy to call off another 550 and you figure that you're going to win either way on the river. Either he's going to fold because you blow him off if you miss, or you make a nice value bet on the river and get whatever else he puts in. So that's, uh, either way, you're going to get that 550 from him. So I got that, that's the smartest thing to do there to bet that 550. So that's something that, right, you may say, why doesn't he just do the big bet on the turn and get the guy to fold? Well, the reason is because you might as well wait to see what comes on the river and really know where you are. So get him to put some in now and then see what you can extract out of him on the river because you know you can make yourself win the hand either way. You miss the river, make the river, you can, you can win either way. So that was one of the dumb examples cited to me. And there were others, but it was so stupid. And then I just kept saying, look, I want to see an actual hand where... Apostle is accused of cheating where he's looking at his crotch or where he's touching his hat and pressing it down as he's playing. Something like that's going on. And yet he makes a play where he loses a lot of money by making the wrong move. Not a little money, not medium money, but a lot of money. So you you bluff thousands of dollars into the nuts. You bluff thousands of dollars to a very strong hand that's never going to fold. You put a lot of money in from way behind where you have one or two outs. One of those set under set situations. How come they can't show me even one of those? It seems like where he does lose money are spots either that he has to call down because his hand is too strong, he can't call, he can't fold without looking suspicious, or he just feels it's it's time to to lose once you know here or there as long as it's not too much money. So I said of all these with all these big aggressive plays he's making, how come none of those are ever wrong? It's only the small and medium ones. But show me one. That is him making a big aggressive play with very little equity for a lot of money. And then show me another one on there where he's accused of cheating or just show me that he's looking at his crotch and the stuff he was normally doing when he's cheating. Show me that and then I'll reconsider. And they couldn't. They'd, they'd send me things that they claim meet these descriptions but actually don't. And then they give me snide comments when I question it. So you can go look. It's kind of a frustrating conversation to read, but I knew what I got into when I was engaging with them. I knew I was going to get idiocy and denial. I, I didn't expect they're going to go, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, Apostle was a cheater. What do you know? I, I knew I was going to get that, that type of pushback. In fact, I was kind of interested to see what logic they were going to use, and now I see. I did promise them that they will have a spot on this show to come on and be interviewed, any of them, not just Apostle. I'd love to have Apostle on here, but if Apostle doesn't want to come on, I will take Poker Heroes, whoever that is, if it's not him. I will take uh, this Poker Derelict. I'll take the Poker Grandma. I'll talk. I'll take Dog Boy. 
I will take uh, any of them. I'll take Rounder Life. Any of them want to come on here and discuss it, I will discuss it. I'm not going to go easy on them. I'll be respectful if they're respectful to me, but I am not going to go easy and ask softball questions. I'm going to ask hard questions, and I'm going to challenge things they say that I don't agree with. I'm not going to be a a possible yes-man by any means, but I will be fair. If they bring up good points, then I will give them credit for it. If there's something I feel I need to research afterwards, then I will do so, and I will research it, and I will do it with an open mind. As I've told them, I don't have a reason to side with Veronica and with those who don't like Puzzle. I do not know anyone involved personally. Well, I know people a little bit, like, you know, like Bart Hansen played on the stream and I know him, but of the main players in this whole thing, I really don't know them and I don't care about them that much. So they're just strangers to me. So I just want to go with whoever's right. The extent I care is not about the individuals involved. It's about the situation. And I want to go on the side that is correct. And to me, the side that is accusing Possel of cheating appears to be correct. If, if Possel's side can convince me otherwise, I'm happy to look into it. And I'm, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. This is a year-old story. But if, but if they want to send me some tangible information, which, by the way, uh, poker Daryl claims she's putting together for me. So we'll see. We'll see if that happens. I have a feeling it's going to be garbage. But I, I will approach it with an open mind when I receive it. But if I really feel like that Possel's been wronged and that there's a lot more that ex- possibly excuses this than we thought at first, I will consider that point of view and even say so. But I don't think that's going to happen. Some of the points they also brought up that the no law enforcement body or regulatory body has ruled that Possel cheated, so obviously he's innocent. Well, that that's not true. They, they don't... Just because certain criminals are not caught or investigated or convicted doesn't mean they're innocent. It just means that they weren't convicted. That's all that means. Uh, Not that you have to assume everybody's guilty to prove an innocent, but when there's a lot of reasons to assume guilt and the court doesn't go that way, it kind of looks more like a miscarriage of justice. Then we, another thing that they like to claim is that the numbers are off. They like to say, oh, well, they say that Postle won 250000 but he only really won 150000 And I said, no, 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 no. See, that doesn't matter. I don't, I don't know who's right or wrong here. I'm not going to calculate this myself. But even winning 150000 is outrageous. That's way too much for those games he was playing. And he rarely had a, winning, a losing session. And once he seemed to be doing the, those behaviors that looked like he was cheating, it looked like he never lost. So the... Amount that number is off doesn't really matter unless it's orders of magnitude, which it's not. But they'll go around and around and around with these proposal statements, and I even was getting insulted by them. I, I, I mean, they were insulting me. I wasn't getting insulted, but I was being insulted. So I did it cause just just to see what they'd say, but I don't plan on just doing this for the foreseeable future because it, it gets frustrating. They're just saying the same crap over and over. Okay, people. Um, I'm getting very tired, I'll be honest with you. And it's been a long show. So we're going to shut this down. We didn't quite get to nine hours. We would have if I did everything on the agenda. But we're going to stop now. 
and we're not going to have a continuation show. The, the topics I didn't talk about this week, I'll just table the next week. And really, I think the main one is the little thing about the what would Druff do, which really I could do any week. That's not that having to do much with time. Thank you for listening to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. We will be on again Friday, September 18th. Thank you for listening to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Another long episode for you, and I had to cut off some topics because I ran out of steam. I mean, like, eight hours is all I can really do. I don't think that's asking too much to be able to quit after eight hours, is it? So yeah, we didn't do the coronavirus topics for the first time in a long time, but to be honest, not that much happened this week. So we'll get back to it next week, and I'll also talk about that message that was about the guy who went on that first date during the day, and the whole disaster on that date, and whether he was right or wrong, and whether the woman he was with was right or wrong, or maybe they were both terrible, we will discuss that on the next show, provided there's time, of course, and we have another big poker and gambling news week we may not have time again but i'm guessing we will the case involving skills and blitz 21 or 21 blitz i guess that is very active there's been filings as recently as friday september 11th the day of the show so we may very well have more to tell you next week i'm going to be actively watching that case and watching the filings that are coming in and I will let you know anything that I read that is of interest. Liz Nico is still pretty much a mystery. I mean, there's a lot of things about her I can't figure out. Most notably, I don't know if I don't know how she got that fifty thousand dollars to lose in the first place. That is really strange. Still trying to figure out how that one is. Maybe she got it as some kind of settlement or inheritance on her 18th birthday. I don't know. But more will come out over time, I'm convinced of that. September 18th, Friday again will be our next show around the same time, 9 o'clock Pacific or so. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week. Hopefully we have Brandon again. He was there almost the whole time. Very grateful he showed up for that. Good night, everyone, and shalom.